Live. Yep, that yep. works. Alrighty, yeah, because the phone's gonna die any second. because uh, I can't, I can't shut the call off later unless you're logged in either. Right, right. Yeah. So, well, uh, uh, there's a man at my house named Aaron, and uh, he's waiting. He, man, he's been there for about an hour or two now. He came down from West Virginia, but I got the call on the back of this trailer, and I got a load of concrete block in the back of the truck, so hauling a heavy load right now. So it's pretty funny. I got to be careful. An awful lot of weight on us in truck. So. Yeah, so, well, up. Yeah, so he uh, he he said he'll be at. He's he had the one got something to eat. I guess he got hungry. He's a young guy. <coughs> he's like twenty nine. <laughs> but what's legal in one state is not legal in his state. So when you transport some one state where it's legal to another state where it's not legal, sometimes we get the trouble. So. He's at my house right now, you know. <laughs> and, he, and he doesn't have a lot of money, so he used to help do some work around my house in exchange for, you know, helping his problems. So, yeah, I'll be off the interstate soon, so I don't know. There's a lot of background noise or something. I don't know how bad it is. It's not too bad. You can make it. You make it. Yeah, I'm going to get off the boat away. Here's the exit right here. And then I got about another three, four miles on a country road to get back home. But at least I'll uh, <coughs> jump on his phone. So if you see another call, let's pop up there. That's, uh, that's him logging on now. You know, he's logging okay. on my old, uh, my old phone number. So I told him what my old phone number was, so... He should be logged on soon. And, uh, Larry, uh, Larry said he's he's got a lot of heavy rain. He's having a hard time making it home, but he'll try uh-huh. to get on. He'll try to get on the call in, in the next hour or so. Yeah, there's a lady I wanted to get on tonight. She, uh, her name is Luann or Gwyneth. I'm not sure, but her last name is Molinera. Uh, Molinera. Something like M O O L E E, like N A A R, really, wow. a lot of vowels on that name. And uh, she was trying to get her two boys back, and uh, she was held in contempt of court. And this is uh, what I was trying to show people how to avoid being held in contempt of court all the time, you know, because you say what you have to say, and then you shut up, and then there's nothing else to do. You just let them do whatever they're going to do. Who cares? It's like when me and Jimmy went to court for the foreclosure. Jimmy's got a great case because the bank said they were the highest bidder at the auction. And it was about nine people at the auction. And all, you know, we, we all came. Oh, you were there, Gus. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, you were at the auction. So none of us came together as a crew. You know, it's like nine witnesses. It was like, no, you know, three people came by, you know, then two people came, you know, then you and me. You know, Jim was there. That's our three, you know. So we didn't come there as, like, nine witnesses. So Jimmy actually has impartial witnesses to prove that the bank was not at the auction. And uh, the bank did that once before in that county. They said they were the highest bidder at the auction. And uh, they actually got in trouble for, you know, actually uh, making a false statement that they were the highest bidder at an auction. They were nowhere near the auction. 
and then the attorney who prepares the case for the county recorder's office to transfer deed and transfer the title over, they got in trouble as well because they said, you know, that based upon the testimony of the bank's representative, the bank was the high bidder at the auction. Obviously, that was false. So Jimmy had a great case. I was like, wow, this is a great case. I believe Jimmy's house was sold, or is in the process of being sold, last week. So I told Jimmy, I said, we're going to wait for your house to actually be sold, so that way we could actually show a loss. Because if they just say, oh, it's just a clerical error, you could have your house back. All that's going to happen, Jimmy, is the bank's going to pursue you again. And this time they're going to show up at the auction. And this time they're going to bid. And this time you're really going to lose your house. So I said, you got to wait for them to actually transfer the deed, transfer the title over to some other man. <clears throat> because all they're going to do is like, oh, here's a clerical error. Oh, we thought that house is the one we bid on. Oh, like, oh, we're, we're, it's a terrible mistake. Oh, we're so bad. I'm oh, sorry about that. Oh, no, 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 Jimmy can move right back in. You know, the house has been sitting empty for like six months now, a year. So, oh, since last January. So, yeah, that's if you really want to move in a house that's sitting, you know, like dead like that for a year. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I said, no, Jim, we got to play it all the way out. we got to play it all out where we could actually show damage. And then once you give it to another family, you can't get it back because then you're going to hurt the other family. And it just makes a hell of a mess. You know, when you try to kick one family out because you said <coughs> he was a high bidder and obviously you weren't. And then another family moves in believing that they have something free and clear, which obviously they don't. It just makes it a hell of a mess. You know, once you let it get to this stage, you know, I guarantee the courts and, you know, be like, well, why didn't you just tell us sooner? Why didn't you just tell us sooner? If you knew the bank wasn't there, why didn't you just tell us sooner? It's like, yeah, because you would just say it's a clerical error. Like, uh, you know, like uh, under Rule 60B, uh, under Rule 60A, like in the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure, it's just they're going to say it's a, a clerical error. No harm, no foul. You know, oops, the clerk was only making $5 an hour. The clerk was a new girl. Oops, the girl didn't know. Oops, you know, it was just it was just a, it was just a mistake. You know, so we'll, we'll just we'll get out the old eraser and we'll just erase that they weren't the highest bidder and we'll, uh, we'll say that, uh, you know, Nobody was the high bidder. The the minimum bid wasn't uh, <coughs> bid on. The minimum amount wasn't bid on, so uh, no, we'll just go back to having another auction. And then the next time, the bank's actually going to show up with a representative and say, okay, we bid, you know, $10 trillion on that house, and there you go. They don't care because they're paying themselves. They don't care. I don't care what the bid is. Because you know, they got the note as far as they're concerned, and they're just bidding to get the note. That's just ridiculous. So, I <coughs> said he went by the other day. He saw a sign that said the house is being, like, closed. I think they were going for closing. So, I was like, that's good, Jim. I said, so as soon as they move in for closing, I said, then when they got claim that the bank made fraud by claiming that they were the high bidder at the auction when they clearly weren't at the auction, and we could bring witnesses and approve it. 
due to their fraud, you know, you had to you were displaced. So uh so then we'll collect that way. And uh, but see that's what I'm saying, sometimes it takes a while. And a lot of people are like, Oh no, I don't want to lose my house, I don't get thrown out. It's like look, if you don't play it all the way through, the only thing that's gonna happen is you're gonna have another auction in two, three months, and then you're really gonna get kicked out. So what do you want? Do you want to get kicked out? Have to wait, you know, six months a year for somebody to buy a house and then go make the claim? Or do you want to just live there for another three months and then get kicked out permanently and can't make the claim of fraud? So this is a hell of a good case of fraud because they swore, you know, that it was true. They have on a court document, so they like, oh, my God, that's incredible. And that's the only question I asked. Well, I asked two questions. At the, at the at the at the hearing, <clears throat> the first one I said is, uh, "Can I be sworn in, you know, under oath or affirmation, so uh, you can record this testimony that a man came before this court to testify what he knew was true?" And the judge said, "Absolutely not." I said, "Oh, so we're not taking testimony today?" He says, "No, we're not taking testimony from anybody." So I said, "Oh, we're in DC previous court." He said, "Yep." said, a court of record is downstairs? He said, yep. I said, okay, there's nothing further for me to say today. I was going to ask him this attorney one question. Are you saying that the Bank of, bank of uh, Wells Fargo, the bank, was the high bidder at the auction at number seven, line number seven? He said, yes. I said, okay, that's all I need to know. Thank you. And I said, the Jimmy, now it's a waiting game. You don't jump up and down and cry. You don't all the arguing, you don't fall saying I'm a man and who's the man that's gonna make a claim. Nope. Jimmy, you wanna make some money? Yeah. If you shut up, sit down and let the process run through. Just let it happen. Because you ain't gonna make no money. If you jump up and say who's the man that's making a claim, there's no man at the auction, blah blah blah. They're just gonna move with their legal process anyway. It's not a damn thing. You can stop a legal process. Now you gotta make up your own process, a law process. You know, you got to proceed on the law, but if you're going to proceed legally, they're going to they're just run you over anyway. So just let them do whatever they want to do in their legal world. They can't. As soon as they come across the border, as soon as they come across that threshold and enter into, in, into harm in a man or damage to a man by committing fraud in their world, well, then you got to hold them liable in our world. So you got to wait. It's a waiting game. And everybody's like, oh, I, don't, I want to make money now. I want to sue somebody now. I want revenge now. I said, that's not how the game works. That's not how you build a mousetrap, man. you got to wait for the mouse. You can't just be sitting at the mousetrap saying, where's the mouse? Where's the mouse? Like, back away from the mousetrap. What? Back away. Just back away. Let it do its thing. Just back away. Oh, but I want the mouse now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, I put the cheese, just like you said, Carl. I put the trap there. Come on, Carl. Where's the mouse going to step into it? It takes time. Just step back. Go find something else to do for a while. It takes time to set it up. Oh, no, call I want it. I want it now. I was like, oh, Jesus, we can shut up. Just let the process work. So, like I said, it means you're waiting for somebody to actually step into that house and believe that they're the rightful owners. <coughs> and uh, based upon, you know, legal court documents. Then I could tell the judge, you know, too. I mean, I don't know if I if they hold the man who's acting as a judge liable, 
But I'll tell them. I'll write up a nice little letter. They said, I don't know if you're liable or not. I'm going to find out if you are. But I gave you fair warning that the bank did not appear. They were not there at the auction. And they were committing fraud in your court, and you allowed it to continue anyway. And due to your, your tolerance, it looks like you you know, you conspired with the bank, with the bank attorney, to allow it to happen. So it should be really interesting. So, like I said, that's that's the way I like doing things like that. But like I said, everything's different. You know, the people might not have the same situation Jimmy had, where the bank said that they, they were the highest bidder at the auction. Now, some people might say, oh, good, Cole, I'm just going to let them foreclose on me, and then I'm going to turn around and assume and say it was based on fraud. Yeah, well, okay, based on what fraud? What did they knowingly do? Is it in writing? Or is it one of you guys just crazy beliefs, like, well, money isn't real, and they took my signature, and they, you know, manipulated the the, the economy, and and this is all based on fraud. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you prove any of that? Well, I saw it on a YouTube video. Yeah, yeah, well. I read it on Wikipedia. Yeah, well. Yeah. Do you have any names of anybody that actually did it? Well, no. Can you actually bring that man forward into the court? No. The lawyer who worked for the bank, you better believe I, I got his name. You better believe we summoned him to appear at this court. My court. Well, it's Jimmy's court. But all this crazy conspiracy nonsense. Saying, oh, the mortgage companies, the banks, they've been doing this for years, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's all fake money. Yeah, so what? It's all fake money. Whatever the kids. Can you prove it? Can you prove that Alan Rothstein and Bernie Cohan and, you know, you know, you know, Alan Schwartz, you know, they're all manipulating the mortgage market and, you know, some family named the Rothschilds is behind it all. Yeah, great. Can you prove it? No, they keep your David penny to yourself. Waste my time. It's nice speculation. It's nice theory. But, you know what? I don't care. You know, if you can prove it, fine. If you can't prove it, you know, go find out, go do the research, and come back and tell me. Say, go, this is how it works. We've got the documents, we've got the court papers, we've got the signatures, just like I do. But Jimmy and, and, and his mortgage, i got the court documents, i got the signatures from the attorneys, i got the attorney swearing, you know, that it was true on a piece of paper. Oh, good. And now i got the county recorder's office. Their paperwork saying that the bank said it was true. Oh, good. So they even swore before to the, to the county reporter. Yeah, oh, good. That's fantastic. And I'll be able to prove that there's no way in the world they were there. They didn't show up. How are they going to answer that claim? It's going to be a tough one. Yeah, it's going to be really tough. <laughs> But like I said, with Jimmy and him, like I said, I ain't going for a billion dollars. Just going to go for what his his home was worth, or whatever it was, sixty, eighty thousand dollars, whatever it was. <clears throat> and they're just going to tell the uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia to sanction Wells Fargo that they're not allowed to foreclose on any more homes in the Commonwealth because due to their fraud. I'm sure this was not the first time they lied of court. First time they lied on paper. I'm sure this many times, but I know neither have the care, the expense, the time. To go back and check every damn record that ever occurred from now on. They're just not allowed to, you know, bid at auctions. Come on. That's all. And just make it that simple. You know, and I'm sure that, you know, when, you know, 
a story like that breaks out that they can make fraud on a, you know, on a, on a wife and you know, kids and all this other stuff. Boy, they're gonna look ridiculous if they got to do this to these, you know, especially with a picture of Jimmy's family in the paper or something like that. That'd be really funny. Yes, had to take down these guys. You know, it's gonna they're gonna be the poster child. You know, for this kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm almost home, man. I stopped at that Sheets gas station, man. <laughs> they got the music blasting. I got to get a cup of coffee, man. And some I was trying to get that lady on, man. But like I said, uh, a call is trying to hunt her down for me, too. I've been trying to call her all day, trying to get her on to explain uh, what's going on with the um, uh, child custody case up there in Northern Virginia. I think she's got a great case, man. I'm trying to remember, Rob. Uh, do you remember what she was actually charged with, Gus? Why they took her? No, the, uh, I mean, I read up on it a little bit when I uh, first got in touch with her, when she first got, her, got on my call. Right. And she had given me some background information that she was working with somebody that uh, that you were helping her to somebody else, and Aquila was helping me. I was trying to get some information. Right. So I, I got familiar with it back then, but I, I forgot everything I, I had read up on. Yeah, because I know, but yeah, Quilla was definitely helping out. But like I said, I'm sure it's not your guy's fault. I'm sure it's this lady's fault, what happened to her, man, that she said something or did something, and maybe she rolled her eyes, maybe she gave the judge a finger, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know why she did, but she, how she got silly, like she did, but she did, obviously. So, um... Oh, I just forgot, man. I'm at the gas station. I went past some bananas right here. It's funny. I got a piece of the turtle on the side of the highway. Man, they love bananas. I don't know why, but they do. What does? What's that? What likes bananas? The turtles. The box turtle. You know one of those big old box turtles you see on the side of the highway all the time? Really? They like yeah. bananas? Yeah, they love bananas, man. Every time I put a banana in there, man, he eats the hell out of it. Wow, I just picked up a bag of carrots last night for the horses over here. Oh, yeah, they love those too, man. Yeah, I didn't know turtles like bananas. Uh, yeah, they said that letting it like real strong smelling fruit they like. I keep forgetting to go to the store and like get salads and them, you know. They said they like salad, like green stuff, you know, and salad greens. Yeah? So I keep forgetting to get them, but I know if I throw a banana in there, it'll be gone in a couple of days. Where do you have, uh, where do you have all these turtles? Just on the side of the road? No, I just got the warm. I was up by Washington, D.C., up there by the airport about a month ago. And I uh, saw it walking out of the highway. So I said, oh, better stop and pick it up. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm going to get a large cup of coffee too now. That's awesome. Right? Yeah, for that, we did. Yeah, so the, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny, uh, it was funny, even though I did like this turtle rescue on the side of the highway. It's pretty funny. I threw him <laughs> in the back of my pickup truck, and then, I, you know, then I came back to the pickup truck the next day, and I was like looking for some tools or something like that. I said, "Holy shit, what's crawling around the back of my truck?" I said, "Oh damn, that's a turtle. Oh shit, I forgot all about him." <laughs> I'm glad I needed something out of the back of my truck. It's the next day, I'm glad I didn't have to wait a week. <laughs> you know. Yeah, the turtle would have been, uh, you know, soup in the back of my truck or something like that, you know? It would have been dead. Certainly wouldn't have been happy. Yeah, that would have been funny. It would have been like, holy shit, there was so much for rescuing that turtle, man. 
I guess his number was up anyway, you know. You know, I guess he wasn't meant to be. Oh, well. But, no, he's still kicking it, man. I put him in an aquarium and stuff like that. I actually got a, like a, like a heated, heated rock and everything, man. I actually went all out, man. Got a heated rock and everything. <laughs> uh, have the kids seen him yet? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the kids gave him some stupid name. I don't even know what stupid name they gave him, but he gave him. <laughs> You know, you know, it's making it's absolutely no sense, you know, something. Uh, it's probably some, from some movie they've seen recently. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Huggaboo name they gave it. I don't know. I don't remember. But, yeah, like I said, at least the kids are starting to, you know, see me now, so that's good. You know, I still haven't had a chance to go out to dinner with them or sit down and eat a meal with them. Hell, I haven't even hugged them or kissed them or nothing like that yet. I mean, I'm too damn busy. You know, when I spend some time with them, I want to do it right. You know, I don't just want to be boom, you know, boom, you know. So I actually want to be able to, you know, just kick back for, you know, a whole weekend and do nothing. Yeah, but they've been hanging out. And then, Colt, uh, your son's been out there with you, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, watching stuff and hanging out. It's not like... Yeah, he, yeah, he rides around on a backhoe and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, it's just Yeah, yeah, but not like, like, not, not like Huggable family stuff. Like, let's all sit around and eat a, you know, let's eat an apple pie or something like that. Oh, hang out and make jello together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, there you go. Snow cones. <laughs> oh, yeah, we did go get Slurpees, man. That's right, because I, I built a uh, concrete bed in the back, you know, to put the cars on. Yeah, that came out good. Are you always building something? Always. Always. That's kind of cool. Yeah, so we yeah we build a pad, but we also build a pit in the pad, so we could actually walk down under the cars. And now we're building a Quonset hut, you know, one of those half circles, so the wind don't blow it down. I got the Quonset hut for uh, three hundred bucks, you know, it was a used one. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's just a, basically a skeleton, and then you just throw plastic over the top of it. It's like kind of almost looks like a greenhouse, you know. So uh, yeah. Well, that would be kind of cool to have. Like, uh, I don't know if you do any gardening, but I think it'd be really cool to do some. Well, gardening. little little, little part, of the, the part in the back. I'm going to save like ten feet of it to make like a greenhouse out of it, and then the first twenty-five feet, I'm going to make uh, a shop out of it. And uh, with the shop, I'm going to. Uh, that's why I'm making it out of plastic, the clear plastic, because it's like a greenhouse. And in the wintertime, I won't have to heat the garage. Hopefully, the sun will heat it. Yeah, so, do you uh, ever think of doing the solar panels or something like that? Well, yeah, I got eight solar panels. So, but like I said, the big thing with the solar panels, I got to um, what do they call it? I've got to um, uh, get really big batteries. So the man recommended that I get locomotive batteries. You know, they start up diesel engines with. Yeah, they got some some new technology. I'm not sure. You know, it's a little out of my my understanding, but. Oh, yeah, but the people who do it for a living actually told me go get some locomotive batteries that you know every ten years they throw them away. Because they like, yeah, so they still have plenty of life left in them. Or they have to, the United States government makes them throw it away because uh, they have to right. not only start the diesel motors with those engine uh, batteries, but uh, they use them as emergency brakes. You know, they use them for uh, electrical emergency brakes. Well, that's cool. I mean, you know, um, where, would they, where would they throw something like that away? At the train station? No, no, they uh, they recycle them. Huh. Lead's worth about a dollar a pound. You know, lead's very expensive right now because China, well, everybody all over the world is coming out with, you know, semi-cars and electric cars and 
So lead, lead is worth a lot more than, say, like aluminum or uh, steel. It's worth a lot more. A pound right now, lead is very expensive. So that's why yeah. batteries. That's why batteries started getting very expensive. You know, automotive batteries started, you know, like double the price in like the last three or four years. Because everybody's going solar panels, everybody's going electric cars, everybody's trying to use, you know, batteries as a backup source. You know, electricity is outrageously expensive. Um, yeah, so that's why everybody's right. That's why everybody's getting their own little solar panel set up in the house. I've seen solar panel set up in people's houses, you know, when I've done installs. And uh, they got like 12 batteries, 8 batteries, 12 batteries. Not a lot, you know, but it's enough. You know, when uh, some people are buying up batteries to do solar panels like crazy just to uh, try to, you know, get away from, uh, the, you know, the electric companies. So what's good yeah. about that, too, is they're also doing that, uh, like, folks in California, it's me to come out there and help them... Uh, because the government of California is trying to go out to people that have wells. Because that's what I said. You always hear these California horror stories all the time. You know, like, uh, they have a drought, they have a drought, they have a drought. It's like, yeah, man. Dig wells. Hello? So if you got a, so if you got a drought, what do you do? Dig a well. So why ain't, why ain't the state of California just drilling some massive amount of wells up there in the mountains? pumping the water, you know, into the rivers right from the wells. You know, it's I just think, something, something I think it feeds down from the Hoover Dam, doesn't it? No, no, no. No, the Hoover Dam goes down through Laughlin. That's down in southern Nevada. No, that, that water doesn't go out to, uh, like, L.A. You know, the electricity does, but not the water. Right. The electricity goes out to L.A. But, no, even Las Vegas doesn't get water from the Hoover Dam. That's only about uh, 20 miles away. Vegas gets well water. Vegas, they, they, that's why the whole city of Las Vegas, it's pretty funny. It's built on uh, caliche. It's not sand. It's not like a desert movie like you see sand. <laughs> it's crystal. Crystal, like salt. The easiest way to explain it. It's like big salt. Like big salt that, you know, like they have the salt flats out there, and they find they the salt flats out there in Nevada, Utah area. And they put those cars out there. They run it for a mile. This is how fast you can drive a car for a mile. The Bonneville salt flats. Well, that's what it is. It's just like a mineral out there, crystal. So what's happening is uh, when that Las Vegas is pulling all the well water out underneath the city, <coughs> the city's actually sinking, and uh, it's cracking all the foundations on people's houses. So if you Google it, you know people's well water is. You know, making their homes collapse, making their homes, you know, fall into the ground. It's because it's all that caliche, it's all that crystal. It's not yeah, like there were some of the casinos that were kind of sinking too. Yeah, it's, if, if they're pulling water around from underneath them, oh yeah, they definitely are. It depends if they're using well water. So, uh, you know, it's not right. built on rock out there. It's I didn't know that. I, I thought it was coming from the Hoover Dam. I, I was wrong. Uh, they don't get they don't get water from the Hoover Dam, Las City of Las Vegas. Now they get well water. So like I said, so if the whole city of Las Vegas is getting well water. Why can't California get well water? You know, but do the wells out in the mountains somewhere? You know. Oh, you know, if they do the well water, they're just going to strike oil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, every place they put a drill bit on the ground, they hit oil out there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, they're just going to have to. <laughs> so I guess sell the oil out the. You know, yeah. somebody who's exchange for water. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good trade to me. 
Well, that's what's going on out here. I mean, gas out here, man, it's like a dollar ninety, dollar eighty a gallon. I mean, and you got to figure there's about a dollar's worth of tax on top of that. You got to figure, you know, a dollar's worth of county and state taxes, and sometimes even the towns get a couple of pennies. It was four bucks. It, it was four dollars up here in uh, uh, New Hampshire and Massachusetts, uh, just like a year and a half ago. Oh yeah, I see one of the old signs. Yeah, I went past one of the old signs. The gas station closed down about a year ago. It said 369. And I just laughed. You know, it's like, wow. I said, oh, that's an old sign. Oh, that's right. That place closed up about a year ago. Well, you know what happened with the gas stations where they were taking the credit cards, and the credit card fee was a percentage, and they only made a couple of cents on the gas, but when the when the gas price went up, their credit card fee was more than their, their profit on the gas, so they oh, wow. actually were selling. They were losing money on the gas they were selling when they took a credit card, and they a lot wow. of them went under. A lot of them went under. Wow. Yeah, I have a brother in the uh, in the oil business. Yeah. So what's funny is they um, know what I was going about with that uh, oil. It's like I was thinking to myself, wait a second. If it's a dollar eighty nine, say it's two dollars a gallon, a dollar is in taxes. A dollar is actually the finished product, like. The oil, the gasoline for the finished product, like all the additives they put in the oil, and and they're only getting a dollar a gallon. It's like if you go to the grocery store and you buy a gallon of just generic water, it's going to be a dollar. It's going to be ninety nine cents. So the price of gasoline and you know before taxes and the price of a gallon of water in your local grocery store is the same. To me, it's amazing that you could have a you know that it could be a it could be the same price like that. A gallon of water and a gallon of gasoline. Looks like they're turning water into wine after all. <laughs> it just makes me laugh that the comparison when you look at it, it's like, holy cow, you know what? A gallon of water, a gallon of gasoline, holy cow, man, it's like the same price right now. Who would have figured? Yeah, it's that's pretty crazy. I mean, and they spent more money in, in bringing water to the tap than they did to send the man to the moon. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, I that. <laughs> well, they spent a lot of money in in all the plumbing to bring the water to the taps, and then you know, then what? They, they they don't even, you know, all of a sudden now you got to buy it in bottles. Make any sense? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, it's crazy. It is. I mean, you think that the water, you know, after all they, the work they put in there, they would have perfected it and made it, you know. But you know, they just said, okay, you know, water to the tap, and then now, you know, they want you to buy it in bottles. Doesn't make any sense. And it's it's plastic bottles too, which kind of irritates. Yeah, well, plastic bottles are made out of oil, which is even funnier. <laughs> yeah, right. And think about that. Yeah, but what's funny? Almost all the clear plastic bottles nowadays is made out of corn oil. Really? Corn yeah. oil? Huh? Not mineral oil. Not like a uh, motor oil. They're made out almost all the clear plastic stuff. That really flimsy stuff is made out of uh, like saran wrap or like cups. It's made out of corn oil. Yeah, you know, you can get like the imported water, like in the glass from like uh, I think it's imported from Italy or something like that. It's really nice. It's uh, much nicer in the glass. Yeah, but I guess glass is heavy and it costs a lot to transport. Yeah. But like well, I said, I was looking at uh, Aquila. Uh, I think Aquila came on, but I don't think she's found that lady for me. I'm trying to forget that lady on, so we can talk about her case. And. Uh, Hey, Carl. This is Mike in yeah. Canada. Uh-huh. Um, I've just been recently... I, I just recently started talking to Aquila and that woman. I've been trying to get a hold of her to get her on the call, but she's usually getting a hold of me several times a day, but I can't find her right now. But 
I put the word out to get her on the call. Oh, yes, I've been trying to call her all day, you know. And like I said, I talked to her yesterday, or the day before. Was it yesterday? Maybe it was the day before. I talked to her for a couple hours the other day, and, uh, you know, and I said to her, I said, wait, 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 we're going to wait till Saturday to do this. You know, I get this just done once and for all, you know, just, you know, I gotta, just making simple mistakes. Yeah, she's, um, she's, she's kind of going crazy chasing everything, arguing the facts and nitpicking the little process and procedures and everything. It's kind of well, hard to keep the focus yeah, on the main issue. Right, that's what I'm saying. She's trying to blame you guys, you know, something. You know, um, I'm just going to she might have just thought of going off saying stuff to the judge, you know. Right, like you said, she might have just thought of going down crazy train fast, you know. She might have just, went, you know, started saying all kinds of crazy nonsense. You know, yeah. she just got desperate and just started letting them have with it. Yeah, instead of hitting the main issues head on, she's trying to scramble and fix every minor detail, that, like the relevant stuff, and she's still a little bit stuck in legalese, too. Well, I can see how that can happen. I mean, people get desperate when their when their kids are taken from them. Um, I know how she feels. Um, maybe we're talking about the wrong lady then. The one I was talking about, she uh, she's going through bankruptcy and uh, they're trying to take her house. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't realize. I thought Carl was talking about a woman who who had our two boys. You mentioned, didn't you say something about two boys? Yeah, Carl's, Carl's talking about the lady uh, that Aquila was helping out uh, about a month ago. She called my show, and uh, she wanted some help, and, and Bob from Colorado was saying, you know, come on, help her out. And I said, uh, I don't I don't know if this woman's selling her kid, you know, for sex out of a hotel room. I'm not doing shit till I get some paperwork. And, you know, this was like three or four weeks ago. A month ago, maybe. <clears throat> but she never called. You know, I asked her for some information, and she never got back to me. And uh, I'm pretty sure she was working with Mike back then. She's you know, oh, she working. She worked with Carl. She was working with somebody else. Was helping her out, and I know Cola was in touch with her. But I'm not sure. Uh, you know who, who was helping her out after that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was me helping her. Well, she was telling Carol that you know that we we didn't know what we were talking about and we weren't helping her out. I never even had a chance to talk to her. She emailed me a few times before she got on my call, and I asked her for some information after she was on the call, and I never heard back. I'm not sure what's going on with her. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I I guess I got confused and I I didn't realize you were talking about two different. Women. Oh, neither did I. Um, I have, uh, you know, if, if these women aren't going to get on the calls, I'd be happy to ask a lot of questions. I have a situation that's been very challenging for me. <clears throat> um, and I didn't know, I don't want to take up time on a call that's really not exactly, you know, meant for my time. I was glad that, that Gus texted me and let me know that this was going on because I really like to hear it guys have to talk about. Well I think Carl let me see. Yeah, Carl got off the call, so he's gonna he's trying to call her up and once he gets yeah. a hold of her, he's gonna merge her back in. If you want to talk about your stuff, 
he's got questions. I'm I'm going through some mail. Uh, oh, I okay. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I sure I certainly have uh, you know a handful of things that. Uh, okay, Kyle's uh, calling back in, so. Uh, no, no problem. No problem. We'll just maybe wait. he got maybe he got a hold of her. Well, no, go ahead. He'll he'll cut he'll cut in when, when he's ready. Okay. Um, you know, it's you know, after um, you know, my son was uh, I think guys familiar with my situation. You know, my son's mother and his grandmothers came to me. I homeschooled for the last uh, six, seven years. I say privately educated. I don't even like the term homeschool. So um, he's ten, and uh, his grandparents, his grandmother, and his mother, and they came to me. I said, well, how do you feel about putting Dylan into school, in the public school this year for the fifth grade? Would you entertain the idea if we were willing to, uh, you know, just have him stay with us for a bit and uh, take him to the school over in Lexington, Mass? And I said, well, I'll entertain it, but I'm against the vaccinations. And even though he's had them up till he was age three, at that point, I chose not to like him anymore. I also chose to homeschool. And uh, so all these years have gone by. The two of them, her mother and her, went over to the school and they had a meeting with the principal or the vice principal, at which point they told her some information. I wasn't there at that meeting. They told the principal some information, which led the principal to call the child services people. And before I knew it, I mean, I'm announced to me like a week later, you know, I'm, I'm being attacked on the road by like a bunch of bunch of men with guns, you know, put your hands up, blah, blah, blah. And they knew where I was. They were following me. Like some kind of manhunt went out. But I had sent them, uh, you know, I, you know, she told me one thing that was, uh, she mentioned to me that they called the child services. And so I reached out to them uh, in writing with a letter I wrote, which, you know, was different than the I-Man, you know, but not so much different. It was still along the lines of, uh, I want you to prove your claim. I need some evidence, you know, of what this is about and stuff like that. And I'll meet with you, but I'm not going to uh, witness against myself and I'm not going to let you, um, you know, uh, injure me or cause me harm uh, if you don't have any evidence or if there's no reason to talk to you. So let's make sure we're on the same page first. And so that basically was the letter I sent out. And this particular time, they ignored the letter completely. I sent it out registered, by the way, too, to both Mass and New Hampshire. And they put like a manhound out for me. And they, they grabbed me, I was in the car, and they stole my son right uh, then and there for me. And I've been, you know, uh, they threw me in jail for four days saying that there was a warrant out for me uh, because it was a long weekend. And uh, they threw me in uh, jail to hold me under that warrant that was allegedly unbailable for driving after suspension. And so as soon as I showed up in court, you know, uh, I basically said, you know, I, I, I pulled out the idiot card and said, you know, I'm a man, I'm an idiot before this court. And basically, in that way, I uh, didn't give them the jurisdiction. And before I even said it, they knew I had written it down. They knew I'd reserved my rights. I wasn't talking to their probation people or anything like that. And uh, <clears throat> she dismissed it immediately, let me go. I came out and found out that the child services had my son. They didn't bring him back to his mother. Or, and the next morning, I'm, it's actually two days later, 
there had been a court hearing down at the family court in Cambridge. They had a hearing one day. I wasn't even notified or invited to that hearing or anything at all. The next day, two men showed up at the door, uh, police officers with the paperwork saying, you know, they showed up at 9 a.m. Uh, they said, you're going to be at court by 10 a.m. So, you know, I felt like that was an ambush, you know. And so what they did was they capitalized on his mother's fear. Is this man up in New York? Is this the man in Hampshire? Uh, what, what, this is, this is, uh, this is Dave in New Hampshire. Yeah, I'm in New Hampshire, but this court was in Massachusetts. And then oh. this all happened in Massachusetts. You're not, you're not the man. I'm trying to remember the story. It sounds almost exactly like some other man. I thought the man was from upstate New York. Some, but one guy was sending me a laptop. I mean, yeah, was it? I am sending you a laptop. Oh, that's, that's you. Yep, okay. That's I want to make yep. the same story. Yeah, it's, I'm a, it's, it's the same story. Yeah, no, it's me. I'm actually sending you a laptop. I just uh, had to get all my stuff out of it. When I, I got it back from, uh, they had it. They, they had all my stuff. So I just got it back. And I got to pull, you know, like they had all my property like yeah. when they took my car. Yeah. Like you said, you had three of them. So that's right. You're the man who had three of them. Yeah. Well, I, I, I do. But, I mean, this this particular one was the, the one I had uh, with, the, with the USB 3.0. Right. Yeah. yeah that's so it, it, it was in my car, and I just got it back the other day. And then when I got it back. I'm just making sure it's the same man. I'm just trying to see. I was like, wait a second. That sounds like the man from upstate New York. It's actually, it was New Hampshire and Massachusetts, not upstate okay, New York. Okay, New York. I just like the same guy, so I, I, I got the story straight, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's, uh, absolutely. I mean, you talk to so many people, so I mean, I can only imagine. I, 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 you talked to me about a week ago, and I haven't heard back from you. I, I've been trying. <laughs> I, I try to call a bunch of times, but I think my number comes up, because I call you from my, my, my Skype and my, my Skype phone, and so because... Uh, you know where I'm staying, my, my cell phone got bad reception. So I think maybe because it's unknown, you're not picking up. But I did try to call you at night. You said to call at night. And so I, I tried three, four, five times, haven't really uh, been able to get through. I, I talked to Gus a couple times since then, and I was listening, you know, to his show and, and talking with, with Gus a bit. But I've been, you know, um, you know, you know, doing everything I can. So there, there was a court date that day. They showed what up day? at 9 o'clock. Well, this was, this was going back... Um, Oh, okay. After, after you talk to me, but before you talk to me, before I talk to you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, yeah. I'm trying to remember. Hang, hang on a second, because I'm trying to remember what your story was. I don't remember you even say one word about the mom. Where's the mom in this picture? Well, okay. I know that you know the day we talked, and I kind of just popped in on you, and uh, you know it was like you you were really kind of preoccupied with some guys that were doing work in the yard and whatnot, so it was hard to... paid attention really closely, because you never mentioned the mom. Where's the mom? No, I didn't. The mom... Yeah. Believe, me, lives... I believe me, I do pay attention. No, I, I know, I know. Yeah. Uh, I just, let me just re, re, let me recap um, what we talked about, because I'm, you know, we talked to a lot of people. And so, um, I mean, if, if this is okay for me to speak now, because I know you had a woman... Hey, Dave, I want to know hey, Dave. hey Dave, let me help you out. Okay, Start from the beginning, where your your the, the kid's mom was in jail. She was pregnant. You got full custody of the kid. Just just hit the basics, you know, in a chronological yeah. order. Yeah, and run through it as fast as you can. Right, the yeah. justice is kind of telling you, you know, if I know where the mom is, they could place it with the mom. But if they, there's a reason why they can't place it with the mom, then it makes sense. But you know, until I know where the mom is, until I know where the other person who could actually make a claim for that property be returned. 
Yeah, you know? they didn't. They didn't give them to her. Um, she, she, I can't help you unless I know where the other property owner is. Yes, she is in well, Mexico. Wait a second, wait a second. This, this isn't just for you. This is for everybody who's like, listening. Who's ever has tried to get their of kids. Course. Okay, yeah, them, the time. No, you got to just stop. Or else we're going to mute you for a second. I'm telling you, i got to get this out to everybody. Because just because it's your kid and it was taken away from you, and the mom is somewhere on planet Earth still, you have to either say, I don't know where the other property owner is, like a mom, like legitimately you don't know where she is, but you have to include her. You see what I'm saying? And if, if there's a reason why, you know, she's not available, like you said, she's in jail or she's dead or she's in another country or whatever, that's different. No, she's okay. And, and she okay, is around. No, one more time, you, I don't care about your wife in particular, or your, I'm, I'm saying this generally to anybody, this is just a general statement that has nothing to do with you, okay? Okay. When yeah. I talk to people, or when you guys, uh, I drop dead and die, and you can't talk to me. And people want to say to me all the time, oh, I want my kids back, I want this, I want that. It's like, okay, where's the mom? Where's the dad? It's like, well, I hate the mom, I hate the dad. I don't give a damn what the hell you like or, like or don't like, or the mom's not doesn't want to be a part of, the, of their life. I don't care what your freaking opinion is. The courts are going to want to know where's the mom, where's the dad. So before I even bother, you know, giving people advice, about how to file something in court or the way to proceed. If you guys don't, if you guys don't, uh, you know, know these simple rules, you're wasting your time. You're wasting my time. Even if I dropped in and die, and you guys want to do this on your own, you're wasting everybody's time just because you say, "Well, the mom doesn't care. The mom hasn't been around him and seen him in years. The mom, you know, the mom is busy with a new boyfriend, or the mom's out smoking dope, or the mom's, you know." It doesn't matter. You still have to let them know, you know, where the mom, where the, where, when you go and answer, that's my property, I want you to return. It's not exclusively yours if there's a, the mom or the dad is still alive. And a lot of you people make that mistake, and I waste an awful lot of time having people going in there saying it's my property. The next thing I know, the mom and dad also makes an appearance. And then it just blows the whole game. It's like when a mom and dad are suing each other for custody of their kids. You can't use that's my property nonsense. You can't use that. You can't say, well, you know, I'm going to go into court and uh, the mom is making a claim for custody. And I'm going to say, uh, who's the man or woman who's going to come to court and make a claim that I'm saying is not true? Well, she can raise her hand and say, I'm telling you it's not true. I'm telling you, I'm the man, I'm the woman. I'm making a claim for that property as well. So then that's when things get silly. So then if you base it upon the common law, the common law was that a girl stayed with their mom until they were 14, and a boy had to stay with his mom until he was five. And so, like, the, the toddler ages were done, until the breastfeeding was done, the, you know, the bedwetting stuff was done. The boy had to stay with the mom until at least he was five, and the girl had to stay with her until she was 14. Until she, you know, went through a period, for a cycle period, you know, the mom could explain what's going on. So then if you want to rely upon common law, I think, I don't Miller or whoever, there's another Mike in Canada that was trying to, you know, deal with his getting his son or daughter or something back. And I said, go find something to do 12 years because you ain't getting them back because you want to rely on common law. That's the law. That's the rules. The daughter stays with the mom. Until the daughter's 14, boy stays with the mom, has to stay with the mom until five. So if you want to play common law, don't go common law, and you say, okay, 
but Canada is pretty cool for them to bomb out of that because it's a socialist society and it's 50-50. They don't look at women any different than they look at men, and they look at a, a man being capable of taking care of a two-year-old girl just as well as they could take uh, a woman could take care of a two-year-old girl. So, uh, honestly, you don't want to play common law when it comes to child custody in Canada if you're a man. You want to play under their rules. So that's why I try to tell people this isn't a one-size-fits-all. Sometimes where you live might be a really progressive state or a country or a nation. And if it's very progressive, they look at men and women as equals, which is freaking ridiculous. But from, from a man's point of view, it's fantastic that they look at men and women equal in those countries because you have just as much right to 24-7, you know, 50-50 split as a woman does. So, you know, thank God for uh, equality because then you guys don't have to pay child support. And she supports it 50% of the time, you support it 50% of the time, and nobody has to pay child support. It makes life real easy. You know, to come to this country, it's like, oh, my God. You know, how are we going to work our child support? You know, I get the kids two days a week. You get it five. That means what? I got to give you a 37% and whatever child support. You know, it just gets too ridiculous. At least Canada, you go 50-50. Everybody has equal access. So uh, now, that's how I do my show. I just don't finish your problem. I try to cover everybody's problem. So now you could uh, tell me now, now where's the mom in this particular case? Okay. Um, <clears throat> do you want to know where the mom is now, or do you want to know where the mom has been the whole time? The mom. Well, honestly, she's she's not next to you. You could say I don't know, but yeah, where do you think she is, or what do you think? Where do you think she's basically doing? No, I I, I know where she is and what she's doing right now, and 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 and, and we talk. What, and, and it's standing, okay. What she's standing right next to? You? No, she's she's not. She's not. But I'm I'm planning to meet with her tomorrow. Okay, so um, you don't know where she is right now, and you don't know what she's done. Well, I believe she was working today. Okay. Uh, right you, this minute, you, I don't know you, where she is. You, you were there at the job? No, I wasn't. This, this is what I'm trying to say. This is how they're going to destroy people on the witness stand, and this doesn't have to particularly do with your case at all. I'm just trying to say, as you said, that she was at work. And this isn't just you. This is, this is how uh, you guys all get in so much trouble. Is because you'll make some a statement like that and say, well, she was she's at work today. Oh, really? Well, you were there. Well, would it surprise you that she was over at some, you know, opium hangout and she was smoking dope, you know, with some Chinese dudes? Well, yes, that would surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, Paul, well, I'm just saying, and that's your case. I'm saying you guys have got, I'm trying to teach people not just for a child custody case. I'm trying to teach people, when you talk, the words that you're using are extremely powerful, and they, they're going to hang you, you know, or they're going to set you free. So when you say, oh, I know where the woman, the, the mom is, oh, really? I know what she's doing. Oh, really? You're standing right next to her. It's like somebody, like, let, let me make a really crazy example. So, like, if I get arrested, and, uh, they, like, somebody said to me the other day, they're in jail, and, oh, the guy from uh, Minnesota. I'm going to go out and visit that guy. Uh, his name is uh, Jesse. And, uh, he says to me, or they were, he was in jail, they said, uh, you know, where do you live? I said, well, you know, if I said, where do I live? They, you know, he said, in his body. I said, well, usually I try to live at, you know, in my home. He said, well, where's your home? I was like, I'm not sure. I said, what do you mean he's not sure? Because 
I haven't been there, you know, in five hours. I haven't been there in 12 hours, but I remember it was located at this address. But, what, you know, they ask you a simple question like that, and you can make it incredibly uh, accurate and literal. Like, do you have a home? It's like, I don't know. My, you know, I've been sitting in jail for five hours now. I might have been hit by a meteorite. It might have been blown up by a tidal wave. It, it could have been struck by lightning. So when I say, you know, do you have a home? I used to have a home. But I, when I left work, do I have one right now? I don't know. I'm not going to know if I have a home until I get home and check on it. How's that? See, this is what I'm trying to say. This is how they, this is how they fucking play this court game on you people. Because they're literal. They, 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 when they say something that's being literal, when you're... Hey, Carl? Can't hear you, man. Yeah, hang on a second. Put a headset in there. All right. I think we've got some uh, bad reception. No, he's just plugging in a headset. Oh. He'll be back. He'll be back in a second. Hey, when when uh, I know it's personal, so when you're talking, you want to get out your particular information. But uh, you know, when he's when he when Carl's giving examples, he's you know he's giving a lot of general information to explain some of the other things that he's talking about. So you kind of let him roll and and wait for him to ask you another question. Yeah, what I'm trying to say is uh, this isn't just to help one person with one case because there's many other people who listen to these calls and they're like, oh, no, not a damn another custody thing. Oh, my God, I don't want to listen to another one of these things. Oh, calls is the same nonsense all the time. Can't these people just go listen to an old show and get the damn custody routine taken care of? So when they listen to this, they're going to say, oh, I can relate to what Paul's saying. It says, you know, yes, he's helping the man with custody, but you've got to be, this also helps with every other situation. Any other courtroom situation is you have to be deadly accurate with the words that you're using. Like I said, when people listen to me, it almost sounds like a comedy routine in court because it's like they ask me a simple thing, like, do you have a home? Well, I hope so. What do you mean I hope so? Well, when I last time I checked, I did. Like, what do you mean? Well, when I went to work, it was there. When I get home, I hope when I get back to that location, I hope it still stands. Well, what do you mean? I'd like that's people to start laughing. Like, what do you mean? I was like, you know if your house is still standing? They'll say, well, yeah. I said, really? Do you know if it caught on fire? Well, no. Do you know if a meteorite hit it? Well, no. Do you know if you had an electrical fire and it burnt down? Well, no. You know, do you know if a bulldozer accidentally knocked down a wrong house today? Well, well no. Well, then how could you stand there and tell me that you have a home? at this location. How do you know? Are you literally standing there? Can you bear witness and say it's true? Now, when you say something and say, well, what's the, they'll say, well, come on. Let, let's be reasonable. Uh, as soon as you hear that, that's a lawyer talking. Whenever you hear them say, let's be reasonable, that's a, that's a legal term. That's a lawyer because the lawyer can, can't testify that anything is true. The only thing he can do is be reasonable. Well, well let's make a reasonable assumption that uh, it is still there. No, I'm not going to make a reasonable assumption. Because that's like spitting in the face of God, saying, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I know I have a home. I know lightning is striking. Oh, really? And who the hell do you think you are? You think you're freaking God? Yeah, that's okay. No, no, no. Go ahead. Leave that. Oh, boy. Yeah, I don't want to get cut up. But, uh, no, like I said, um, you got to be literal with these people because they're going to hang you. Because they can manipulate your story and make you look like a, a, a you know, blabbering idiot just like I was trying to do with you. 
saying, oh, yeah, really? You know where your wife is? Oh, yeah. Oh, she's a work over Would that surprise you if I show you some photos? I see some opium then smoke some dope with some Chinese dudes. Well, you know, that would surprise me. Well, I thought you said she was at work. Well, I thought she was. And then they'll just say, you know what? We need to strike every single thing this man says before, you know, this man obviously is an incompetent witness. Obviously, the man can't testify that anything's true. This man is like a, basically calling a total loser and a total liar. And then I'm going to strike all the testimony. And then the other side's automatically going to win because you can't testify. The first time you lie, the first time you say something that's false, nobody's to take any notice of anything you say after. And everything that you said prior to that is also be stricken for the record. Once a lie, always a lie. Everything that you said in the past is also be deemed as a lie. So this is how they totally strike you guys. And while the judge takes over and the judge hits jurisdiction and he runs through the court his way then because you had the opportunity to tell the truth but you decided to lie. He's like, well, come on, Carl. I, I thought my wife was at work. I did not know she was at Smokium then with a boyfriend and some Chinese dudes. Well, you know what? What else don't you know? You know what? The court can't tolerate, you know, what you don't know and how they're going to try to decipher and try to figure out just exactly what don't you know now. We don't got time for your silly nonsense. You know, like, okay, what else don't you know that you want to swear is true? Like, look, we ain't got time to decipher what you believe is true or not. And that's why that very first uh, thing on my website, well, I think it's the second thing you see now. I think there's the common law picture there first. And the second thing you see is from the judge in the Ohio case saying to the woman and the man who wrote uh, the motion, say, yes, you know, you might be 100% correct and accurate. Yes, everything you say in this uh, in this uh, counterclaim or countercomplaint or your answer to the court might be 100% true. But we don't see anywhere here where you're an attorney. So we're going to have to deny your motion. The reason why he's doing that is because the court doesn't have the time to go and see every single thing that they wrote in that motion is true. They're not going to go fact check and make sure every single damn thing, every case that they're relying on, every statute, every precedent, all the case law that they're relying upon to bring their answer or their counter complaint or cross claim, whatever they were doing into that court proceeding. The judge says, look, the court, we don't have the time to go back and check everything that you wrote. And since you're not bona fide, like, we're not taking you a good faith. Just because you're a man or woman doesn't mean that you just make all these cases up, make all these citations up, make all these quotes up, make all these. We don't know. But we know an attorney did it, he knew he'd be disbarred. But if you do it, what's the worst we could do to you? Sanction you to not put any more paperwork into the court? You're only going to come to court once in your life? Who cares? And you're going to say, oh, well, I tried to get away with it. It blew up in my face. Oh, well, I was going to lose the house anyway. Oh, well, I tried. So the judge is saying, look, you're not an expert at this. We don't know if you're lying or not lying. We don't know if you're committing fraud. We don't know if you actually, where do you find all this information from? And even if all this information is 100% true, we're certainly not going to take your word on it that you did it correctly and accurate. You're not a, uh, like a certified accountant or a certified attorney. You have no certification. We have no way to determine whether you're a code decipherer. We don't know. You know, so since we don't know and since we see no certification that you are, all this legal stuff that you're using in this legal procedure, since you're not some sort of a legally certified person through our process, through our system of, you know, giving certification through, like, say, a bar exam, obviously you might be the world's best attorney, but until you get that bar exam card and until you pass the bar, you know what, we aren't going to accept any paperwork. And that's why I told those people, all you have to do then is go hire an attorney for $100 and let him submit it for you. And then he's liable. Then he's on the hook. 
Okay, I have a question. Uh, if I'm, if I can, uh, do you, do you mind if I ask a question? Well, I was just talking about committing fraud and lying in the court, and why you have to be little and accurate about everything. So, but go ahead. How, how do you feel about uh, uh, lawyers or attorneys? What do I feel about what? Lawyers or attorneys to broker or translate for you? Not in a matter of man to man. If it's it it between man and man, attorneys don't exist, and it's a total waste of time and money. If it's if it's between you know like a man and a and a corporation or corporation and corporations, yeah, they're fantastic. You know, but if if, if you're not a corporation, you know, if you're not Coca Cola and Pepsi, if you're not trying to make a deal with some Chinese import export company, you know, you have to know all the uh, uh, international you know customs laws and transfer fees and taxes and titles and transfers. Yeah, th- those guys are great for that stuff. I mean, I certainly want to want to try to sell a product over some like like say I try to sell a book. And I want to import and export it overseas. Obviously, I'd go get an import export attorney to tell me, hey, what I can and how I can get collect my money from the people over there. It's like, okay, they're going to be sitting in a bookstore over there. Okay, well, what have these people don't feel like paying me? How do I get, you know, recourse? How do I actually get them to pay me? You know, from another society, another culture, when I have no standing in their courts, how do I do that? So obviously, you know, for imports, exports, you know, for international trade and stuff like that, or well, you just want to set up a corporation to work with the IRS to write everything off, of course, an attorney's way to go. So they do all the research. When it comes to man-to-man, that's a waste of time. Well, if the government's coming after me, and I say, whoa, 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 I don't want to be a citizen in this match. I don't want to be a defendant in this match. I just want to be a man. Then no, it's a waste of time. But if you're standing as a man, it's a waste of time. Because the attorney, the only attorney would be good for them would be a standby counselor. You can stand behind the existing yeah. Like something that's what I did. I stand behind people and I whisper in their ear. And it's like, hey, yeah, you know, man, a man, if I was you, man. It's like a tennis coach. I just tell you, hey, Jack, honey. Figure out who's doing that. No, uh, hold on a second. I thought that was you. No, uh, not doing that. No, that was yeah. uh, East, Tennessee, East Tennessee. I just muted him out. Yeah, but no, like I said, if I'm in a tennis match or something like that, you know, uh, they have tennis coaches. They'll say, you know, the guy yell out, hey, hey, you know what, look to the left, look to the left. What, the guy's not paying attention. Hit it over to the left. And that's what I do with, like, Bali. But basically, Bali, I was just like a, a ventriloquist just pulling the string on the back of his head. You know, it was ridiculous. You know, the whole court was like, you know, just, and then after a while, I just said, this is ridiculous, waiting for Bali to say it. So I just made sure I said it plenty loud at the side of Bali's head so the whole courtroom could hear it. And uh, Bali basically was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so the whole court already heard it. So it just, it sure did help. You know, I'm sure the judge understood and the judge definitely appreciated that I just raised the volume up to make it a lot quicker instead of him saying it. I had to whisper it in his ear. Wait for him to say, what was that you said? Call Paul, Jesus. Yeah, here we, we'll say it again. You know, so, you know what? I'm just going to say it nice and loud, you know. But I'm not going to direct it straight forward. I'm going to direct it towards the side of Bali. He said to make it look like I'm talking to Bali. You know, but the whole court heard me. And Zelly just like, yeah, that's right. <coughs> you know, then the judge would move on. <coughs> Yeah, well, go ahead and ask me the question that has nothing to do with what I just said. So go ahead and tell me about your case now. That's fine. Well, no, I just did. The, the reason I asked the question about the lawyer thing is there's just so many people, you know, are conditioned 
in, 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 in acting a certain way and using a certain way. So you just get to see all of this different information, and it really becomes really confusing if uh, I don't put it in perspective. And I just wanted to get your perspective on it because, you know, oh, if you use a lawyer, then you're incompetent. If you're in, you know, or you're a ward of the court, or you're, I mean, you, you hear all these things and, and you don't know. Uh, and, and so, you know, even, you know, even the terms, even the words common law are, are ambiguous, you know. For for some people, common law means that they're going to use the constitutions and writs of habeas corpus and common law grand juries and, uh, you know, and, and then for other people, it's, you know, a man-to-man simple, you know, man-to-man. Well, common, common law, court of record, court of record is almost just as ridiculous. <laughs> because of the judge will always say to you, any, I don't care if it's traffic court, I don't care if it's bankruptcy court, I don't care if it's a divorce court, they'll say, yes, this court is recording. It's like, that's not what I said. So you better tell them what a court of record is first before you just walk in there and you say, is this a court of record? And uh, probably 90% of the judges have no clue what you just said, that you wish to have the judge sit behind everybody and uh, you wish to, uh, you know, just have a, a trial by jury and let the jury be the judges. So most judges wouldn't know that because, like I said, you know, they'll just presume you're saying that, well, of course this, we're recording. we got a microphone right there. Don't you see we're recording this court? Yes, this is a court of record. So yeah, then wait a second. If this, if this is a court of record, then why aren't you sitting behind us? You know, why aren't you sitting to the left? Why aren't you sitting to the right? Why are we talking to you? Where's the jury? So the judge would be like, what court of record are you looking for? So, like I said, here in Virginia, when you go to federal court in a court of record, the judge sits behind everybody. And at the United States District Court level, if you want to evoke a court of record, that's where they sit. They sit behind you. And then you face the jury. You know, the plaintiff stands on one side, and, uh, you know, the petitioner, you know, and then a defendant sits on the other side. How does she get out? Oh, that's how they're getting out. Okay. Yeah, my dog. I've never I, seen that happen. Yeah, what's that? I've never seen her sit behind people. I mean, I... I Hang on a second. That's all right. There we go. No, what did you say? You've never seen what happened? No, I, I've just never seen that, where the judge sits behind people. Well, just... no, I put that on my website. If you, you've never been on my website, then. I have, but I just, you know, have only looked at specific things, and I, I, I got, you know, I'm still looking at it. Well, I'm saying, if you look at my website, there's somewhere on my website where I actually have a diagram of where, you know, if you go to the United States District Court website, and it says Court of Record, it says uh, like a typical district court uh, setup, like the, the typical seating of a district court. And oh, I, that's it, what that diagram's about? Okay. <laughs> I couldn't no, make not, it. Not the, not the one with the, about Queen's Bench. That big one is a smaller one on there that shows uh-huh. people um, a United States District Court typical. It's, it's like from a contracting company. Um, like people who, uh, who actually... Uh, like architecture, it's like an architecture company or a contracting company that builds courthouses all over the United States, and it's one of their sales on it. Like you know, we'll we could create this courtroom for you, and then they, they show you where the judge sits off to the left, and the jury box is in the front, and the and a and a, you know the guys prosecuting and then the defendant are sitting right in front of the jury box, facing the jury, and the judge is off to the left. Because so I went down to my sister's attorneys down here in Roanoke, in Virginia. Southern Virginia, I said to them, I said, so, here at the court, when you do a court of record, does the judge sit off to the left? 
But to the right, he says, no, down here, they sit behind everybody. So that's when the magistrate is impartial. He sits behind everybody. You know, he's just watching the match from behind. You know, you go first, and the defendant goes, and then you go, and it's over. But like I said, unless you actually vote those rules, and it's like send them, a, send them that diagram, say, like, look, this is what I want. This is the kind of court record I'm looking for. He said, where do you get it from? I said, well, I got it from this uh, construction site website. It's, uh, you know, construction of uh, the typical uh, United States District Court uh, courthouse, courtroom. And I got it right off their website. And the judge looked like, I'll be damned. Holy shit, where did you find this? I said, right there. There's the website. It's like, you know, Goldman and Sachs, uh, whatever, construction company, you know? It's like, oh, wow. Well, or Lentz Masonry work, you know, whatever. It's some normal company name, you know, like, Bob Miller's uh, construction company, Bob Miller Architect. You know, we build courthouses. We build courtrooms. This is what a typical, you know, like this is an example of a typical United States District Court courtroom. In their example, they put the judge to the left. And they've had the jury sitting in the front and the prosecutor and defendant facing the jury box. Then, obviously, the people were seated, you know, behind them. But here in Virginia, they said, no, the the magistrate sits in the back. So I was wondering what that was about. This, 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 yeah. is what I'm, this is what we say. Always say. This was the nonsense I'm trying to tell, like with this Billy Thornton stuff. Okay? But Bill Thornton talks about quarter record, quarter record, quarter record. How come he's always talking to some guy who's sitting up on the bench in front of him? How come he's saying, well, oh, the judge made me the master of the court? I mean, the judge made me master of the court. The judge is supposed to be sitting behind everybody, out of everybody's head, out of everybody's business. Or he's supposed to be sitting way off to the left somewhere. You know, just as an observer that if something's going wrong, he's going to, you know, the other side, hey, says, but how can anything go wrong? It makes no sense. I talk first, and then I shut the hell up, and I let the other side talk. I don't object. They don't object to me. They say their story to the jury, and then I say my story to the jury, and it's over. There's none of this Perry Mason bullshit where one guy yells up, I object. That's irrelevant. Specular reasoning. Uh, he's conjecturing. No. In a regular court of record, I say my case. The other side says his answer. Then I bring my back one more time. And that's it. And it's over. And then a jury walks out and they decide. So this, jury, this Bill Thornton nonsense will hear all the time. Oh, you got to do this. You got to do this. Okay, Bill. Let me ask you a freaking question, Bill. How come you're always evoking this court of record, Bill? And you keep talking to some man in a black robe standing in front of you. Why didn't you get this courtroom setting all set up before you walked into the damn room? Why are you walking in a room and there's still this guy saying, hey, wait a second, this is a court of record. What the hell are you sitting up there for? Where's the jury box? What? Why aren't we facing a jury? What 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 the hell's going on here? This ain't a quarter record. Didn't I specifically tell you I want a quarter record? Didn't I give you the diagram? Didn't I tell you how this is what I wanted to throw? And what the hell's going on here? I want to be the magistrate and independent. What are you doing to stand in front and center? You're not supposed to be front and center. The jury's supposed to be front and center. We lay the case before the jury, and I state my case to the jury, and then the other side answers. And then I get the last shot, the last volley, and that's it. What are you doing sitting up here in your black robe? Get over there on the side somewhere and just bear witness like a good clerk should. Just record what happened. See, I don't hear Bill Thornton say any of that crap. And the only reason why I'm dumping on his ass is because he put that stuff on his website, or somebody put that stuff on his website about uh, invoices and giving out orders to cops. Like, oh, when a cop stops you, write them out an invoice. Oh, right. They keep saying, is that an order, sir? Yeah. First of all, one, you know, unless you teach the people how to probably do it, that's insane because people are going to just go hog wild with that, uh, uh, is that an order, you know, and try to collect on it and try to get, you know, out of cases just because they want to uh, collect because a cop gave you an order to get out of your car because you're drunk and get away from that steering wheel and turn the key off. You know, you're going to make ten grand, fifty grand, 100 grand because you're drunk 
and, and accomplish trying to protect society. But no, you want to be drunk and think this is a funny way to make some quick cash. And that's what people are going to do. They're going to manipulate it, and they're going to take advantage of it, and they're going to run hog wild with it. So first of all, it's bad enough that they're promoting this nonsense. Second of all, it's bad enough that they're doing it through like membership fees, making people pay for this crap. And two, without explicit, like the other guys are doing that MMS, selling people all this MMS stuff. And even I, some guy who couldn't possibly care less about alternative medicine, couldn't possibly care less about herbs and remedies, I couldn't care less. When I get sick, I go to the hospital, I take a pill, and I'm done. I go back to work. I, I ain't got time for all this other nonsense. I ain't got time to research this. <laughs> so these guys well, tell me. Sorry, the lady is on the line call. I have her. Leanne, you there? So people are selling this chlorine stuff or choline yes, stuff. Yes, I'm here. They're selling this chloride stuff, you know, but they're forgetting to tell people they got to take probiotics. Since they're not taking probiotics, they're killing all the good bacteria in their instead you know, in the intestinal tract as well as the bad bacteria in their intestinal tract. But the really bad thing about it, when I talked to this guy uh, up there in uh, Tacoma, Washington, uh, not Tim, there's another name, Daniel. Hey, yeah, Daniel was supposed to be sentenced. I wonder what ever happened with him because they decided to take the attorney. They didn't want to go with me, so that's pretty funny. So, uh, yeah, Daniel, uh, he was the one who was talking about that MMS stuff. And I said, man, what you're doing is highly irresponsible because you're not telling people that's supposed to be taking probiotics after they take this uh, MMS, like take this MMS, you know, whatever it is, wait 20 minutes, an hour, however long it is. I don't know. I, I never researched it. But I just did off the top of my head. I was out here doing some work. on, a, You know, I was outside working, and he's talking about MMS. I never heard of MMS. So I was like, wait a second, wait a second. Are you talking about bleach? A spoonful of bleach every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can take a spoonful of bleach, mix it like in half a gallon of water, drink it all day long. Yeah, yeah. That, that, you know, people have been doing that for, you know, 100 years. Yeah, whoopee-doo. You know? Are you telling people to take probiotics after they uh, drink this nonsense? <clears throat> and they're like, well, no. So what do you mean, no? I said, don't you know they could, you know, put some food in their stomach and like eight hours later it's going to sit there and rot? And don't you understand they could get, like, septic shock if this stuff just starts rotting in their intestinal tract because the good bacteria is gone and it's not helping it break down? Don't you understand how ripe that stuff's going to turn, how quick it's going to ferment and stay there? I said, you know, you're very irresponsible. He said, well, you know, we don't have to explain about probiotics because, you know, the people do their own research. I said, well, I said, you're telling people this cures cancer. And what happens they think they're going to drink a... Uh, you know, five tablespoons of this stuff every day, and they rip their intestinal lining out. They rip out that protective mucous membrane. You know, the chlorine just bleaches right through that stuff, and then they start bleeding internally because they're going to cure their own cancer because they're going to drink five tablespoons of this stuff a day. Because I guarantee your intestinal tracts have no actual feeling, like uh, uh, nerve endings. So how do they know? They're going to get desperate and start wolfing this stuff down because you say it cures cancer. They start giving it to their kids by the gallon, and then what's going to happen? I said, guys, you've got to get a lot more responsible. I said, well, people use MMS for other things other than, you know, cancer. I said, yeah, they could clean their toilet bowls with it. You know, they could uh, bleach whole weed and make it white bread out of it. Yeah, there's a lot of things they could do. But you're trying to tell people they could cure cancer with this shit. You better put a whole bunch of uh, disclaimers in there saying what they can, what will also happen if they take too much of this stuff. But you're not doing it. I said, you're lucky I'm not on the government's team on this one because I'd help the government shut you down until you get your shit right. I said, you're a menace to society. 
So I told him, I said, look, I'll help you guys, man, but you've got to start explaining to people. You've got to give them, like, disclaimers of what's going to happen good, what could happen good, what could happen bad, and just what will happen if because people get desperate. They think they got cancer, and they got to start drinking the stuff by the gallons. So they'll start doubling the dosage. I said, and they're going to really destroy their internal, you know, that digestive tract. I said, so come on, guys. You know, put put some disclaimers in there and explain the goods and the bad about it. If there's always good about too much water, there's bad about drinking too much water. There's, you know, there's always goods and bad. So you got to tell them the bad side, too. Just don't be a huckster and just try to keep selling this stuff and say it's a miracle and it's going to cure all your problems because it won't. It can actually cause great harm. So I went up there and, uh, what the heck was I? No, that was Tacoma, Washington. And him and his wife and two other people were arrested. And his wife and the other three people were supposed to get a year in jail and uh, like 20 or 30 years suspended sentence if they pled guilty. <clears throat> but he decided to go with a uh, lawyer. He didn't know if he wanted to go with a lawyer, if he wanted to, you know, go through like, you know, the man-to-man route, the common law route. So uh, I went up there and spent two, three days with him. <laughs> and uh, they said, well, the trial's in September. And that was in April. And then I got a call from uh, his buddy. I forgot his buddy's name is Chris or something like that out in Denver or out in Colorado somewhere. And he said in May, he says to me, hey, you know, uh, uh, the trial's going really good. The, the attorney just gave a closing argument, you know, a little while ago. And it was great. And, like, you can see the jury was really moved and everybody in the crowd, was, everybody's moved. And, you know, uh, Daniel's attorney did a great job. I said, Daniel's attorney? Who are you, Daniel's attorney? He told me uh, September they were going to have the trial. I said, well, Daniel's wife and, you know, the other two people, they listened to what you had to say. And, you know what, they still weren't, they're still scared. They still weren't sure. So they took the 60 grand and they gave it to an attorney. They were going to give me like 10 grand. I said, okay, well, I hope it works out for you guys. And he said, oh, yeah, man. He said, this is great. What a closing argument. That, what passion this attorney had. He was fantastic. Oh, man, you can see the jury's really moved. He said, wow, we really feel good about this. I said, so when's the jury going to come back with this verdict? They said, sometime tomorrow. So the guy called me a couple times the next day. He said, no, the jury's not back yet. This is a good sign. It's taken a while. Good sign. Not coming back yet. Good sign. <laughs> so he calls me up at 6 o'clock, and he said, well, the jury came back with the verdict, and uh, it, all four defendants were found guilty <clears throat> and uh, on all uh, three counts. And uh, when the ju- jury left the room, the judge said, uh, we'll do your sentencing phase in September. And uh, the minimum that I could give you, like a mandatory sentencing, would be uh, between 20 and 30 years, each of you. So I said to him, I said, well, tell Daniel, uh, well, he'll be about my age when he comes out. And I said, you know, hopefully I'll still be alive and I'll see him when he gets out. He said, is there something you could do for him? I said, absolutely. I could do an allocution and get all this nonsense thrown away. He says, well, why don't you do it? I said, because what's going to happen is, you're, I'm going to give him the paperwork to send it to the other side. The other side's going to see the paperwork, and they go say, "Holy cow!" Just like Canada did. The crown, you know, the crown attorney said, uh, "Tell whoever wrote this piece of paper was scared shitless." So what's going to happen is I'm going to send it to the, you know, the Department of Justice up there, and they're going to be scared shitless, and they're going to say to the sixty thousand dollar attorney, "Hey, you know what? We have to let these people go." So why? This is what they put in. Somebody put it in for them. You know, and uh, we got to let them go. We got no jurisdiction over these people. We got to let them go. I said, so what's going to happen is going to say, well, we can't let this process that this man is doing look to appear to have won. So what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to say that, well, you're going to file an appeal on their behalf, and me here at the Department of Justice got so scared 
of, of your legal brilliance and how many procedural errors that the Department of Justice made during a trial that we're going to work a sweet deal with these people and we're going to say to them, look, we'll uh, <clears throat> give you a uh, one day in jail, 30 years suspended sentence, and you got a promise, and that you'll uh, you'll stay on probation for 20, 30 years, and you'll never play the again. And you better believe his wife and his friends are all going to jump at that new offer that the Department of Justice will will uh, recommend. And then when I have to stay, and then we we'll go, oh, good news, call, good news. They're so scared of of uh, Daniel's attorney file an appeal to all the appellable uh, procedural errors they made during the trial that they let Daniel and them go with one day uh, in jail and a 30-year suspended sentence. I was going to say, you really believe that? You really believe that the attorney was got them so scared on the appellate level that they're going to be appealed and ruled on the appeal level that you really think that they all of a sudden came with a sweetheart deal because they're afraid of their attorney who obviously is in the same club with the prosecuting attorney? I said, you really think that they're that scared? Of course not. But they can't admit this. Like, well, yes, I'm getting Carl Lentz sent us some paperwork. We're scared shitless. So uh, we got we to gotta let you go. You know, they're not going to admit to that because then you guys are going to run and tell every single body who's in jail, whoever did any kind of drugs, whoever sold any kind of drugs or made any kind of drugs, wow, all you got to do is throw this piece of paper at the Department of Justice and they'll be so scared shitless, everybody will run away, just like they did with Jesse and Jonathan. So for Jesse and Jonathan to actually have the Crown prosecutor say, you know, whoever wrote this little, you know, little couple of sentences right here, Thomas gets shitless. So for them to actually admit it, if I was the Crown prosecutor in Canada, I would have just said, well, we had, you know, you were really passionate in court yesterday, and Jonathan with his um, um, his uh, divine province stuff, you know, that was really heart-wrenching, and we really believe that he has St. Peter's keys. And you know what? We're going to let those children go, you know, because Jonathan seems to be a really good man. And uh, we're going to let let him go, take his children back, because honestly, Jonathan's right. St. Peter and his magical keys was the, you know, we thought about it, and we recessed, and you know what? We'll let it go at that. And here's your children back. So then Jesse and Jonathan would have got on my show. It's like, oh, call, no, none of your stuff's work, call, no, that couple of sentences you wrote? No, the prosecutor said, oh, that stuff called all was crap. You know, what really got one today was Jonathan, just Jonathan's uh, Saint, Magic St. Peter's Keys and his Divine Province people. You know, we were really scared shitless of them. So we uh, we had no choice. We had to give him back to his children because, you know, this Divine Province stuff with uh, Peter McBride or whatever, James McBride, you know, they, they, you know, we're scared of that. So, you know, what we have to, we have to give back to children because this St. Peter stuff is terrorizing us. We're scared of this stuff. If this stuff gets out, holy cow. If I was a crown prosecutor, that's what I would have said. How often have said, hey, call that this stuff scares the shit out of us. So here's your property, you know, and uh, we'll let you be. You know, please don't take us over. Please don't take the crown. No, don't worry about it. I ain't going to take the crown. You know, but like I said, I'll guarantee you, Jonathan, who said he could take the crown, he would have went for it. So, Hey Carl, huh. did you did you ever go out to the Bay Area? You said uh, I think maybe September. You have a student out there who was doing a good job on the uh, franchise tax board out there, and you were gonna he wanted you to come out and teach a class. Is that in future or going to happen, or already did? That's what's his name. That's um, I always call him. It's, it's, what's his name? Chris Christopher. I'm trying to remember his name. 
It's funny, yeah. my dog chasing my dog chasing a buzzard. My dog sees a Blue is that what that was? A blue heron? Blue heron. Oh wow, he's gonna tear that thing up if it lands. <laughs> is that what it was? A heron? There's a heron. Yeah, you can see his neck. Oh, okay, okay. I thought it was. I thought it was a. Oh yeah, I don't know. It was a heron. I thought it was a buzzard. Nah, it's pretty funny. No, yeah, I'm trying to remember what that man's name was, man. I helped him. It was funny. I was in England, man, and uh, it was so funny. Uh, I was trying to help the man write something for about a year. Uh huh. January, February. And I told him uh, every. He was very, he was very nice, sweet, sounding man. But boy, his letters were very aggressive and angry and uh, very violent. Mm. He's a real sweetheart. I mean, he's a golden retriever. He's a real gentle man. Looks gentle and he talks gentle. But holy cow, with his heart, you could tell there's some real anger there. Uh-huh. He puts it down in words. He's like, oh, this guy's really pissed about something, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. was it like controlled anger, like focused? Oh That's yeah, it's like a passive aggressive or something like that. How it is yeah, he's he's a but a really nice man. Like, holy cow! But that's not. But is that is that correct then that he actually got some uh, some uh, progress against the FCB? Or I think you said that, that they agreed that he didn't know anything. Gus, that's not me making all that noise, Gus. Uh, yeah, Gus, that's not me. I'm, I'm sitting inside of a truck. It's not me. It's not a thriller. Yeah, well, it sounds like somebody's <laughs> like a windstorm. So it's not me making all that noise. So, no, I'm trying to remember the man's name who uh, asked me to come on out there in the Oakland area. Yeah, and, uh, that was it. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the man's name, but like I said... Well, I could, I could go back. It was on Angela's show. I think it was like early September. I could find out when you were on there. Uh, yeah. Maybe pull his name out. Trying to say, like I said, his style of writing with the California Tax Franchise Board. Right. Now, this is what I'm trying to say. I'm, tr- I'm trying to say, hang on a second. Oh, I can't do it. Hey, give me. Where's my phone, man? Yeah, we can blow it up and then we'll Oh, unknown number. <coughs> yeah, so um, I'm going to get my sister on the phone because. <coughs> This is a perfect time to try to explain to people when you guys are going to start having the ability to write this stuff in one sentence, two sentences, and be done. She's living out with Indians right now, uh, Navajo Indians. Uh-huh. And, and, and I could show you by letting her talk because you guys don't believe me. You know, that what's going to happen when you guys get this freedom that you so much crave. And uh, the Indians have total freedom out there, there's no government controlling them. There's no police officers. There's no uh, traffic cops. You know, uh, they sit around, you know, and they, they talk out their problems. Nobody likes trials and courts and nobody goes to jail and stuff like that. You want to whistle for him real quick? Sounds kind of nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You think so. Hey, hang on, Karen. Um, I'm going to call you up on the, on the phone. And uh, I'm doing the show. I just wanted you to explain the odd even streak and stuff. All right. I'll be right back. Yeah, I'm going to let my sister explain to you the joy of um, not having traffic cops, not having taxes. I'm going to let her explain to you the, the joy of a culture and a society that doesn't have any of that. You know, what so what's she living on a reservation? You, you let her let herself, okay? Let me, let me get this. I got her on the phone. Yeah, how do you get All this place? Right. Outside. Outside. Do we add a call here? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, right there. 
hear my sister. Hang on a second here, guys. Like I said, it's funny. I'm trying to warn these people because these people are looking for this golden rainbow land where there's no cops, no police officers. Uh, they do have traffic lights and stop signs, but it's at the discretion of the people how they're going to uh, obey them or not obey them. Right. So why don't you tell me what happened the other day when you said, well, you better be careful that you're trying to stay out. Explain what even an odd size of the street or a gallop where you're hanging out. Oh, and tell the people what you're doing now. All right, um, well, I'm uh, a teacher in the public school here, special ed, and um, I, I was told that um, the Native Americans know what streets to avoid. Oh, well, I'm um, safe to tell them that you said you're working at a public school. Who are you teaching? Native Americans. Okay, well, see, they don't know that, Ken. I think they're, they're teaching pasty white kids like the people listening to my show. Oh, no, no, no. The community population is 97% Native American. Okay, so somebody asked me that. They said, you know, so my sister's out there teaching Native American Indian Navajo people. And I've always put Indians down to say that they feel like cows that just follow behind a grazing herd and drop, catch the leaving to fall off from the herd. And that's how they've been living for 10,000 years. So they're really not motivated to learn a white man's ways. And if you try to go there, you're basically wasting your time because it's like trying to teach a cow to, like, you know, go to the bathroom on a toilet. You're wasting your time. They have no desire to learn how to crap on a toilet. So go ahead, Karen. Try, and anybody thinks I'm boohooing in the, the beautiful uh, movies, these Indian movies where they're all glorious and beautiful and romantic and heroic and, yeah, right, go live with them and, yeah, and you can't wait to go back, you know, to where people actually crap on a toilet. So, um, so, so someone was telling me um, a story about an event that happened here not too long ago, where a Native American teenager was standing um, on one side of the street, and he, he well, had gone to wait, convenience. Whoa, whoa! You got to explain why did he do it? That he got yeah. I'm, back, I'm backing up. Okay, back up. He, this young man, went into a convenience store. And he was in the process of stealing something. He got caught, and he was arrested. He was let go to the tribal council, and he was very irritated that it was brought to the people's attention. So what he did was he stood on the the opposite side of the road, which was not under the jurisdiction of the town police, but tribal control. And he set the building on fire. So even though they had, he's allegedly burned down the building, they couldn't press charges against him because that side of the street happened to be under tribal control. So what I was told was is that Native Americans know what what streets to avoid, um, and 
because they're under tribal jurisdiction. And what, so you're saying about odd and even streets, like you got to figure out how to get home and... Right, so what they do is um, if they may be impaired to drive and they don't want to get a D, um, DUI, what they do is, is they know what streets they can drive down because some streets are town police, some streets are tribal. So they know how to get home without technically getting in trouble. All right, so this is what I'm trying to tell people on the show. See, Karen, people want to find this magical one-sentence problem why I could get away with DUI, why I could get away with no insurance, why I could hit your car and say, forgive me thy brother or thy trespass and walk away without paying a dime. And it's like, oh, you want to live like, like Native American Indians. Is that what you're saying? It's like, everybody, you know, every single person, well, that sounds beautiful, Carl. That sounds wonderful, Carl. Oh, that's so magical, Carl. Oh, yeah, really? Well, you tell me how worried you are about driving down an Indian street compared to a white man street. Um, oh, it's nerve-wracking because, you know, stop signs don't mean stop to everybody, you know. <laughs> so um, it's nerve-wracking. It's, it's dangerous to drive because you're not sure if they're going to stop at a red light. You're not sure if they're going to stop at a stop sign. You're just not sure. You see, because that's what I try to tell people. I lived out there with these people. I lived out in the East Coast with these people, and I'm telling you, I don't care because you're white guys and, like, somebody like Gus, great guy, but spent 30 years of his life, like, say, hanging dry, drywall. He's never been out there and seen this crazy nonsense that's really out there. And, um, do you people really want to live in a free man land? Do you really want to live, like, in a tribal kind of community? Yes, they have stop signs. Yes, they have stop lights. Yes, but mm, if you feel like, stop and stop. If you don't feel like, stop and call. You know, well, even if they want to live in that type of environment, then I suggest go to Margarita Island off the coast of Venezuela because the government came in and tried to put up traffic lights and the next morning they would come and, you know, check out their beautiful handiwork and the local people took it down. They did not want traffic lights. They didn't want somebody telling them when they could go and when they couldn't go. So they took all the traffic lights down and they did this over and over again, so the government finally gave up. But the problem is, is as you're driving from the airport to any point on the island, you see all these little white crosses in the median, on the side of the road, everywhere. You know why? Because people get killed on a regular basis. Because nobody stops. Nobody is courteous. Everybody just says, well, um, I'm on the road. I have the right of way. And it's a little chaotic when everyone feels that way. And this is what I this is what can because you've been around, I've been around now, and thank God you've been out by the Indians now, so you hopefully, like I said, you know, I don't I don't know what kind of mystic dream catcher stuff you've thought about in the past, but now hopefully you've really got a taste of these people, and you're like, wow, this is not what the movies portray. This is not such a glorious way to live. I don't want to live like this. You know, I expect something more in my life than this. It's just like mere existence. And I'm like, I'm glad I don't just merely live to exist. I mean, I'm glad I have goals and objectives and, you know, hopes and dreams and aspirations, and I'm glad I bust ass and work hard. You know, when these people are just very happy just getting a bowl of rice and a cup of dust every day, and okay, you know. Well, everyone's entitled to, you know, how they want to pursue their lives, but, you know, sometimes, you know, I'm not a huge fan of authority, but, you know, there is a benefit to traffic lights. 
and you know, it's it's nice to know that you know if you're driving on the East Coast, more than likely people are going to stop. <laughs> you know, like I said, it was like you just be a clusterfuck when the a traffic light does go out, like say in front of Walmart or something like that, and people don't know what to do. They're like, who goes first? Who goes second? I don't know. And then traffic- yeah, but, but at least they hesitate. Out here, they don't hesitate. They just, I'm, I'm telling you, nobody looks left or right. It's just, you know, you put it in drive, you put the gas, and pray for the best, I suppose. Um, it's just an interesting way to go about business, you know? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. See, those people, see, when I talk to people, I think think I'm, like, embellishing the stories or just making this stuff up or just a funny storyteller. And then I'm like, you know what, you guys, you know what, just go out there and, and see for yourself. And then they go out and they see for themselves, like, holy cow, you were right. It's said, yeah, but you guys just think I'm a funny guy and I'm just making this shit up. And like, no, I'm not. You know, the truth is always funnier than fiction. Oh, yeah, you can't, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> so that's what I'm trying to say to these people, you know. So they're saying, everybody's saying, oh, what a wonderful world this would be if there was no policeman in my rearview mirror every five seconds that i got to be afraid of when I come to a yellow light. Well, then go live out there and gallop and just blow through the red lights and cross your fingers and hope somebody isn't going through the green light because you're not going to get in trouble. So, you know, you know, you're in a hurry, blow that red light, you know, you know, and don't worry about the guy in a, in a blue light behind you because you know what, you're going to be just a, a cross on the side of the road. Right. You know, so, you know, gamble, man. It's like 50, 50, you know, how many, how many times you're going to gamble going through a red light before you get hit? Three red lights in a row? Oh, wow. It's like Vegas, man. It's like, wow, this is great. I just blew through three red lights and then get hit by one. So, right. like, it could get silly awfully quick for people. You know, like gambling. You know, like, this is this is roulette or, uh, you know, Russian roulette. You know, like, putting a bullet to your head every, you know, empty chamber. Oh, boy, another empty chamber. I got lucky. And seeing this guy, like I said, just before I uh, talked to you, the guy said, wow, that sounds great. To not have to worry about traffic cops. Oh, really? You really want to know what life is like without traffic cops or the policeman pulling you over? Uh huh. You don't believe in the social contract, huh? You don't believe, you know, like in this Rousseau belief that we all have a, a social commitment to each other and a duty and obligation. Not that if we know the society we're living in. Obviously, if we go into Saudi Arabia or we go to Tibet or we go to Timbuktu, obviously we don't have a social contract. Obviously, we're basically going to try to keep our clothes on. And that spit at people. But other than that, we really don't know what their culture and their beliefs are. But since we are part of this society, this American society, we all basically know the standards. There's a red light stop. There's a stop something stop. Okay, if it's an emergency, okay. But, you know, we're all supposed to respect, you know, what they call the law, the opinions of the people. At this time, red means stop, green means go. You know, 100 years ago, it would have meant nothing to anybody. What was this light doing in the middle of the road? It's like, I don't know. I don't know. But at least we know what, what, what we basically have standard communities, you know, and people were going on me on Thursday night show in Angela when I was saying we do have a social contract. Once we cross the threshold, once we leave our property line, we have a certain obligation to our society to act in a certain manner. And if right. we have a culture, it's like we don't want dancing in the streets. Well, they don't want dancing in the streets. Why? Like, say, if you're in an Amish community, a Mennonite community, and they want dancing in the streets, they don't want dancing in the streets. Why? Because they'll say it looks like simulated sex acts. And they don't want their children to be exposed to simulated sex acts. So if they say that gyrating and grinding of the hips, you know, that's that's very disturbing to our people. Well, then don't, don't do it. 
You know, don't say, well, wait, you know, well, we're going to make a movie and show how wonderful it is that we just blow social standards. Really? Well, you know what? There's like 10,000 other million square miles of this country to go dance in. Why can't you go dance someplace else? Just like these free Keene, New Hampshire people. This town of Keene, New Hampshire, has been up there three, four hundred years. And these, these guys are coming in there saying, well, we could all drive around without driver's license, with license plates and insurance, and we could all smoke dope in public, and we could all be drunk in public, and there's nothing that they should be able to do to stop us. Like, this was a lovely community before you clowns showed up. He's like, no, we have the right to do this. That's right. You know what? Go 30 miles north of Keene. Cut down some trees and make your own damn town. And then make your own damn streets and make your own town hall and go get drunk in front of your own town hall and go make your own streets and drive without a driver's license and go play bumper cars with all your buddies over there. You know, but these poor people of Keene, New Hampshire, that's been there for three, 400 years, their families have been there forever. Why should they have to tolerate your crazy hippie beliefs? You know, why should they have to endure it? So, like I said, thank God that uh, Stephen Colbert and that Colbert Report guy, he went up there and they, he did it. And at the end of the, the 20 minute segment about Keene, and it looked like he was saying how wonderful it was and how these free turtle people, or whatever they call them, the porcupine people, at the very end, he says, you know what? They're just a bunch of douchebags. And it's like, thank you. Thank you. Of course, at the whole time, at the, through the whole 10, 20 minutes, what he was talking about, these free Keene, New Hampshire porcupine people. It looked like you saying how glorious it was and how wonderful it was and how free they are. And at the end, he just says, honestly, it's just a bunch of douchebags. And it's like, bingo. Because, look, this is somebody else's culture and society. If you don't want to live like this, go make your own commune somewhere and go live like an outlaw lifestyle. There's plenty of outlaw lands here in the United States. There's plenty of ghost towns. Go, make, go hang out in a ghost town. You know, build it back up. You know, and uh, go hang out with your hippie crew out there. Because you know what? Nobody cares if you live or die out there. Nobody cares. So, like I said, I just wanted to bring you on there for a minute just to, so uh, people would hear what you've been witnessing, what I've been trying to say. When you people start doing what I do, and you start getting out of all your trouble with one sentence, two sentences, and the fleets just say, you know what, is that an order? And you start giving a cop a $5,000 like the man did up in Canada. He gave the, the, the cop a $5,000 bill to pay for him being arrested for DUI, and uh, they dropped the case on Tuesday. What happens if this man actually wants to go now and try to collect the $5,000? And it comes out of this policeman's pocket. When's the next time the policeman's going to stop anybody he suspects of DUI? Never. Mm-hmm. So the people, so all the people up there are going to think it's so funny because he's going to tell all their friends, so everybody's going to go out drinking and partying in a bar, and everybody's going to leave the bar, and everybody's going to go drinking and driving down the road, everybody's going to blow right through the red lights, kill some woman in a minivan with her kids, and everybody's going to say, well, they're going to say, what cops, why didn't you stop them? It's like, because last time I stopped the drunk driver, it cost me five grand. I ain't doing it again. I ain't crazy. Well, somebody's got to get law and order down. Not as long as you people keep uh, issuing orders. Now, if I can't issue an order and you won't be under my control and my authority, no, I'm not going to issue any more orders. I ain't going to tell nobody to stop. You guys run through the red lights. You guys go get drunk. I don't care. Go run around the streets fuck naked. Go ahead. Go dance on the street naked. Do whatever you want. Uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you stop dancing the street if you're going to say that in order, and then you're going to give me an invoice of $5,000. And that's exactly what's going to happen. And people are like, oh, call. It's not, I wouldn't do that call. I wouldn't do that call. It's like my sister lives in an Indian nation, and this is all they do. So don't tell me these good, godly Indian people uh, are better than you or me. I mean, they, they, they're they human beings. they got a brain. They're brain functions, but they still live like a free man would, like not worried about any... Uh, like, oh, well, any traffic violations, traffic rules, paying taxes, oh, well, 
they're not going to pay any community taxes. They're not going to do anything. And see what their community evolved in the last 10,000 years, other than a mud hut and the grass root. And yay, you know, this is how you want to live. This is your community standards. This is where you want to live. No, I don't want to live like that. So that's what I'm saying. You got to, if you want the benefits, you got to pay back a little bit. You got, you know, you got to be part of the society. If you don't, hey man, go live out there with the Indians, man, and then wait till you can't. I mean, my sister says the teachers are dropping like flies out there. Remember you telling me about the teachers come after for the year to help out, and then they leave. Yeah. Well, what's the turnover rate? Oh, it's it's ridiculous. Um, last year they had um, 18 teachers leave from this uh, particular school. Not the district, the school, and um, I'm sure there's going to be methods to this again this year. Well, are there 3,000 teachers in that school? Oh, I don't know how many teachers are. There is, I don't, I don't even know how many high school, middle school, and elementary schools. All I know it does cover a very wide area. Oh, no, but, no, that school in particular, how many teachers are in that school? Oh, there's only 23 in that building. Yeah, and 13 left? 18. 18 left. So see, that's what I'm trying to tell people. I mean, the, the normal people like my sister that are getting uh, attracted to going out there because her pay probably like doubled. And uh, But then they're like, you know what, it's still not worth going out here because this is a bizarre culture, a bizarre society. Like the kids don't want to learn. Is that what you're telling me? It's very difficult to teach them? I'm sorry, say that again? You were saying that it was just hard to teach the kids? Yeah, because, um, it's it's just very different. You know, the expectations are different. Many of them don't want to leave this area, so they don't see any potential for growth or potential for good employment. And um, they just, I don't know, it's, it's just very depressed. Yes, but that's what I'm trying to say. It's not because they don't have streets or running water or proper housing and medicine. Right. They, there's no ambition there. There's no motivation. It's like, you know, do they get government checks or something like that? Um, some some of the people do. Um, it depends on what tribe they belong to, what clan they belong to. Um, some of them have um, natural gas on tribal land, so they, you know, they get income from that. So, um, you know... So they don't have to worry about, I guess, getting um, post-secondary education. Yeah, because what you were saying, I remember what you were saying. I'm trying to remember the question I was going to ask you. Because you were telling me about um, not so much the money they get, but they have no nations. They don't pledge allegiance to, like, the United States. What do they pledge, like, allegiance to? Um, they, they do say the Pledge of Allegiance in the morning. Whether or not the kids actually participate in saying that, I'm not sure because I don't have um, a homeroom. So um, I don't know. Um, I, you were talking about they don't, like, they have, when they refer to land, what, what does land mean to them? Do you remember we were talking about um, they, they don't refer to themselves as, like, United States citizens. They refer to themselves as, like, like family citizens or a member of a family, a member of a clan, a member of a family. Right, like, well, like what I, I remember talking to you about was the way they phrased things were are very different than you would do it on the East Coast. For instance, like uh, when they introduce themselves, they're like they are of their mother um, for their father. And, you know, the, so it's a, it's a very different way of... Um, 
acknowledging their existence is through their family, not, you know, oh, I'm New Mexican, I'm a citizen of the United States. That that never even comes into the conversation. You know, I'm of my mother, for my father, and then they give you the family names, and it's usually the mother's um, lineage first, and then they do the father's. Right. This is what I try to say to people. It's the undersigned. It last because whatever at the bottom of the paper bears liability for everything above it and everybody above it. So whoever's the very bottom of the paper is the one who's ultimately liable for everything. So uh, that's why the father would come last in that in that line, and that, that that reason. But see, that's what I'm saying. That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Of the mother, for the father. They come of. Of means part of, you know, it means within. For means he exists for his father. But he came of his mother. You know, he's part of his mom. You know, so... Uh, He's, when these children are taught to talk like that, I'm of my mother for my father. They, even though they might have been around for 10,000 years and they might have just been nothing more than a grazing herd of cattle, they sure got it right. Because it's that simple. Because like I said, if you ever see just something simple, like say it's the United States District Court, uh, uh, United, United States District Court, you know, of America for Middle Alabama. It's of the United States for Middle Alabama, for the benefit of the people of Middle Alabama, the United States put a court. It's the United States District Court, uh, you know, the United States of America District Court, whatever. It's of the United States. It's part of the United States, but it's for Middle middle, uh, middle Alabama, for the people of Middle Alabama. So the Indians refer to themselves the same way. I'm of my mother for my father. So when people always ask me, like, where are you from? Well, I'm from my mother, but originally from my dad, and we all come from God, but they just happened to be living in a location called New York City at the time. So it sounds like a convoluted way to the point. Just to say, can't you just say New York City? No, because I'm not from New York City. Because it used to be called New Amsterdam 400 years ago, and 100 years before that, it was called Algonquin Land. But it depends who's got the gun and who won the battle. That's the land that it's called now. So honestly, if the Chinese came over and they bought Manhattan Island or New York City, I'd be called uh, China Land. Uh, I'd have to tell everybody from now on I'm from China Land. And they're like, oh, the old New York City, yeah, the old New York. It's like, oh, okay. China. We don't call it New York City anymore. We call it China. Yeah, well, they bought Manhattan. Yeah, I know they bought New York City. We owe so much money. We just came to New York City. And they kept their underwear and TV flowing to China. So, you know, it's all good. We just had to change the name of the city. So, like I said, but I'm always of my mother, you know, for my father. And I've always believed that. And I've always believed that that's how it always, always worked that I did what my dad told me to do. Not so much what my mom told me to do, but she told me to do it eh, 50-50. When dad told me to do it, oh, 100%. No doubt about it. And my mom told me to do something, I didn't do it. My dad caught me not doing it. Well, then my dad would say, oh, you are going to do it. And then I would definitely jump to doing it. Because he's like, no, you will do it. <laughs> so, you know, it's just, just the way it works. It's up to mother for your father. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, like I said, you know, everybody thinks it's so wonderful to live in this hippie. Uh, hey, let's go by your truck with the dogs. Because I'm just trying to get away from these dogs. They're just barking at each other, right? Yeah. So that, uh, that's actually a, a nice way to say it, of your mother for, for your father. Right, because like I said, you know, a lot of women might not like that, but, you know, well, that's just the way it is, you know. Next time when you get born, next time we'll come back a man and see how easy it is. 
you know, see how much liability you bear by being the first guy. You just find out how much liability you bear by being the underwriter. So, you know, you bear a lot of liability. You want you want the you want the crown, you want the title, uh <laughs> comes a lot of responsibility comes with I'd rather be the second banana than be the But that kinda of gives kinda of gives new meaning to the word resident. What do you mean? Oh, I mean of your mother for your father. I mean you can't be resident then, can you? Well, resonance is just another word of saying residue. Like where do you where can we find the traits of you that existed? Like when you reside somewhere, you residue. Like where's your carbon like your carbon footprint? Like where's your breath? Or where's your poop? Or where did you pee? You know, where can we find a residue? So resonance just means where can we find residue of you that you existed here to prove that you're from here. Like if I say I'm a resident of China, obviously you're not gonna find any DNA of mine over there in China anywhere. You're not gonna find any poop, you're not gonna find any carbon, you're not gonna find nothing to prove that I was over there. The residence just means where did you leave a residue? Interesting. So I don't know if you knew what residence or residue meant, so that's Well no, I mean I never heard it like that. I was thinking more like a spot on the wall. Well no, that's why you were that's why you write a dictionary and you learn all the words. And then you then you run your own damn radio show and you miss out on stuff two, three hours and the daylight's burning and I'm sitting here in a truck talking to you folks instead of laying block. But that's okay. We'll do block tomorrow morning. But it was important to do this show tonight because I really needed my sister to come on and just try to dispel this hippie free man nonsense and show you people that you are begging for something. You want something so bad. So I say to people, how would you like it this? You you people are going to split, say, the uh, the land in half. And you say, well, half of us don't want insurance. Half of us don't want insurance cards. Half of us don't want driver's licenses. Half of us don't want registration. You know, 50, it's like a 50-50 split. It's like, holy cow, not a democracy, not a Not 51 says license, holy cow, it's split exactly in half. Holy cow. So, can you go check on him so say it's a 50-50 split. So it's like, wow. So how would you like it like they do down there where my sister lives? How would you like the odd number streets, free man streets, and even number streets, uh, um, slave streets, whether you people call them citizen streets, you know, like slave, you know, citizen. So then all of a sudden all these free men streets will be empty because all these guys are drunken around drunk, driving on the wrong side of the freaking road. People driving down the road with three wheels, no windshields, you know, half the bumper dragon in the back, you know, running through red lights, stop lights, you know, long time. Who cares? You know, no cops gonna stop me. I can do whatever I wish. This is so sweet. Okay, so you got free man streets. How are you guys gonna police yourself? You won't. You know why? Because you're a human being, and human beings can't police themselves. You know, you guys are gonna get out of control. Maybe you get away with a little bit, you're gonna get away with a lot. It's just for people like alcoholics or cocaine, you know, addicts. Because if you could do a little bit, if you could afford it, you're going to do a lot. So if you could move forward, which that's what the word afford means, move forward. So if you can move forward with acting more reckless and reckless in disregard to your fellow human being in the public, then you're going to do it. You're going to think you got the mighty status. You can do whatever you want. Everything, you know, everything's going to come out gold for you. But the thing is, Paul, I think what people forget is if they can do whatever they want, you better believe other people are going to feel the same way. So you really need to consider that before you embrace that. So what I'm trying to say is right. So what I'm trying to say is, oh, where do you go? You just want to come over the fence or something? Right. Where do you, where are you going? You know, drive. Oh, whistle, man. Yeah, i got to shut the show up, man. 
just get that dough back in, man. So, um, yeah, like I said, um, yeah, um, Fox Fish fan, like he's facing a rabbit or something. Well, so, um, yeah, but what I'm trying to say about uh, the Freeman Streets, what's going to happen is you folks are going to beg to get your citizenship cards. You guys are going to beg to get your driver's license. You're going to beg to get your insurance to get back on the uh, slave streets, the citizen streets. Where at least you know what, and somebody creamed your car, and they're like, oh, forgive me, thy brother, thy trespass. Still, let me pay you a penny a year for ten billion years. You guys are gonna say, oh, this is bullshit. How do I get back over to the slave side of the streets? How do I get over where the government controls the side of the street? So you guys are thinking it's funny, like, oh boy, this is a lot of fun. You know, yeah, it's gonna work for a little bit until until everybody catches on to what's going on. So right now, you guys are laughing your ass off. You can judges pay five hundred dollars, prosecutors pay five hundred dollars, you know, give five thousand dollar bills to the prosecutor and the cop for uh, arresting you on a Saturday night because you came out at three o'clock in the morning, stone out of your mind drunk, you know, buying a costly apartment lot. You actually had the balls to turn and just give you five thousand dollar bill. And you will collect it. If you knew how. You could collect it. And uh and then what? And then the cops are just gonna say, you know what? I ain't stopping nobody for DUI no more. I'm just gonna let these people roll. So what's going to happen is, you know, you're going to get to, uh, you know, like I said, like I said before, people are all going to come out in the streets and drink like it's New Year's Eve and take bumper cars all the way home because that's just the human animal. That's just, it's just animals, you know. It's funny, I was listening to something on uh, NPR today, and they asked, uh, they asked men, what's the, uh, did you ever have the um, thought of killing another person? And 91% of the men said yes. And then they asked the women, 84% of the women said yes, that they had a, a desire to kill another human being at one point in their life. So that if everybody actually carried out these acts, I don't know how many people would be left on planet Earth when any one percent of the people want to kill, you know, the other human beings. So how many people would be actually left? Probably a handful, maybe. So if people let to just say there's no ramification, no repercussions for killing, you know what? The ninety one percent carried out their desire to kill that other human being that, you know, fired him from a girl up or ran through the red light. You know, it, it's gonna get pretty ugly out there. You know, they think you get away with it. So that's what I'm trying to say, everybody's trying to use this paperwork stuff. You know, like, wow, this is so cool, we're all gonna get away with this stuff, you know. Like I I'm very careful when I help women get back their children. You know, like I said, but that one piece of paperwork nonsense. One word, one sentence nonsense. It's just like that one lady who I actually read the case about on page 17 said that she was uh, 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 having sex with her children at two years old and four years old to try to make it look like daddy was doing it to set daddy up to spend, you know, the rest of his life in jail. And uh, thank God five women at the hospital, not five men, five women testified against her. It wasn't five men. They're like, oh, well, let's just burn this lady. We all hate women. Let's burn this lady and let's, you know, all five gay guys. Let's help the dad. No, that's nonsense. It's this woman actually was committing outrageous people, cruel acts to our children and trying to put an innocent man behind bars for the rest of his life, which probably would last 20 minutes once they found out that he was having sex with a two-year-old and four-year-old. He probably would have died on the instant. And she wouldn't have cared. She wouldn't have cared less. Yeah. You know, because what it was is daddy remarried, and the, the other woman was obviously younger and beautiful, and so all this other shit. And then her daughter came home saying, Mommy, we got a new mommy. And that drove the old mommy crazy that the kids were calling the new woman mommy. Right. And it just went to the edge. 
he started just raping her own daughters and bringing them to the hospital, you know, full of bruises and stuff, saying, look what daddy did. You know, and uh, the nurses like, this is this is a setup. And thank God the nurses were smart enough to detect that this was a setup. But there's no way in the world some guy would do this. And it was just it's unnatural how fast the girls took their clothes off and spread their legs. It was just too unnatural. Like, girls would be shy, and these girls have no intentions whatsoever. So somebody was coaching them. Actually, be like, okay, take a few clothes, and they were just boom, boom, boom. It's like they've never seen nothing like that. And they put two and two together, and they said, no, the mom's trying to set up the So just thank God these five women in the hospital realized and didn't play like this crybaby woman nonsense and say, oh, my God, we got to burn this guy. Oh, my God, this is, this is cruel. Oh, my God, we got to hang this man. Thank God five women put the But no, something's not right here. This, this stinks. Something wrong. So thank God, man, they didn't leap to the woman's belief and like, like Angela did. Angela believed this woman's story. And she actually told that woman, why don't you sue call? You know, and I just laughed when I put it down the week's show and I listened to Angela's show or whatever on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, that the, the past show, people were saying, Angela's telling us, lady, why don't you sue call? You know, for not helping me. I was like, are you kidding me? You know, and I sent her the transcript and I let her read the, the case file. I let her read page that came out on the app. And she's like, holy cow, call this is crazy. I said, yeah. So like I said, you got to be very careful when you give people this one sentence, two sentence ditty, how to get out of a traffic ticket, how to get out of DUI, how to get out of, uh, you know, bringing in 10,000 pounds of cocaine, you know. you, you got to be very careful who you get a free house to, you know. you got to be very careful. Like I say that to you all the time when I said that to people all the time, it's just to have a $3,500 fire cost And they were going to take off the property. And the sheriff's department told me, you're very lucky that you, you know, I was standing in their way. Because they say what they do with debt is here in Virginia is they take the property down to like, Christiansburg, which is about 100, 100, 200 miles away from here, and they auction it off immediately. So by the time my sister got a lawyer the next day, her property in her car would have already been retitled and auctioned off. So they would just said, too bad. You know, we already sold the property. We got 57 cents for it. Here you go. You still owe $3,499.43 on the Macy's bill, on the credit card bill. So my sister would say, that's outrageous. You only got 57 cents on the auction. I was like, yeah, no, we showed up. Everybody did it. The guy who showed up did a penny on evidence. Even my car, even your car. So Virginia's going to teach you real quick. If you've got to settle this credit card nonsense before we get a hand of your property, so we don't wish to settle it. So uh, she got very fortunate. But like I said, I could have told her to pay 35 cents for the next, you know, 10,000 years. And she would have said, that's it? That's all I, yeah, that's all you got to say. But I realized with my sister, she realized it's like my aunt, Marie, and Vicky. It's kind of difficult to tell you how many times did they go bankrupt? Are you still there, Karen? Yeah, for what? How many times did Marie and Richie go bankrupt? Oh, I don't know. At least twice. But, you know, we went there, like I said, they bought the beautiful house and all the beautiful furniture and you know, designer blinds and, um, you know, so she got all that real cool stuff for nothing, basically. Yeah, so she, what she did is she, was, she basically, she knew she was robbing these stores. She knew she was stealing, and she had she had knew she was just no way in the world she could pay them, but she was still running around through the stores running up this mass amount of debt. So she was just taking stuff from the stores, knowing good and well she was not going to pay a freaking dime. 
took us to the they did the, they got the beautiful home, they got the beautiful furniture, they got all the stuff and then they went bankrupt. And they got to keep all this stuff. You know, and like corporations were supposed to only have this ability to do this because the corporation honestly went bankrupt and you do the go back to work and produce some more the next day to help them to get back on their feet. But these people were manipulating the system and they were like, Wow, you know what, we get a free freaking house, we get free free design of flux, we get free free and cool, this is great. And nobody could take it away from us. So don't tell me that people weren't using this bankruptcy stuff to just get a honey pot of gold and just laugh about it because they were. But people are gonna learn my stuff and they're gonna say, Wow, this is a whole new angle to get a whole bunch of free stuff. And people are gonna be like, Oh, why would you do that? Because Hey, Gus, who's making that noise in the background? Uh, it's not me. I'm getting truck. I don't see like, anybody right now. All right, somebody's just saying pop the can. So I'm just trying to get them to, you know, if you hear that again, just leave whoever that is now. All right. But like I said, like I said, I can tell you firsthand, my, my aunt and uncle did it. They, not the one who works for the bank, not the one who's there, but these are there. Not that uncle, the other, you know, you know, the, the entitled ones, the ones who have a little, you know, think they could do nothing wrong. But like I said, I could have done it with my sister with her credit card, but uh, she agreed to pay $350 a month for 10 months. And obviously, she really couldn't afford $350 a month for 10 months. And honestly, you know, she could have done something like, you know, with some woman at Gus knows that did like $35 a month or $10 a month or $5, whatever ridiculous thing it was in the last 22 years. But if I showed my sister how to pay it off $5 a month for 22 years, my sister would have been like, you're kidding me, Carl. No, it works. And she would have said, holy shit, I'm going to go get another credit card and do it again. Just like the woman Gus knows, and she did another credit card like that. She did the $5, $10 routine, and, you know. Did she ever do that again, Gus, with the next part, too? Did she do the same thing in court and say that she was going to pay $5 or $10? Did she do it with the next credit card? No, she had two two cards uh, when uh, when she did the first one, and yeah. she failed on the first one, figured it out on the second one, and then uh-huh. I wouldn't help her with the you know when, when the second one took her back to court, uh, I wouldn't help her out. Yeah, because like, that's what I try to tell people. My sister, she's a nice girl and all sorts of stuff. But I'm telling you, if, if you give women like an unlimited line of credit on credit cards, and they realize they could get away with paying five cents a year for the next 10,000 years, the amount of volume of stuff people could buy is ridiculous. You could fill up two, three, four storage units. Does the value our dollar even set? Well, not so much. You know, what, you know, I'm just saying that people will get consumed, you know, by just, you know, all the products that they have, all the gadgets they have, you know, like where are you going to store it all? Where are you going to, you know, then you got to maintain the storage. It just gets silly after a while. It just gets overwhelming. And it's uh, like me. I try to keep everything as simple as possible. I live in an office trailer. My my uh, house is 500 square feet. I got two rooms. I, I try to keep it to a minimum. Yes, I got like 20, 30 freaking cars, whatever. But that's because me and Jimmy were supposed to be turning them over and selling them. And things always seem to be popping up either in my life or Jimmy's life. Why we got half done cars. You know, we get, we get them, but... I could, I'm lucky. I think it's one car could actually get me down the road. I got a whole bunch of like box cars, but <laughs> we're working on it, you know. But uh, 
that's what I intended on doing. I had no idea I was going to make any money um, doing this law stuff. I figured all my money was going to come from uh, flipping cars, working on old classic cars and flipping them. So that's what I thought my source of income was going to be. But, uh, oh, no, that's wrong. I guess I need to on. But, uh, yeah, thanks, Karen, for coming on. I just wanted them to hear, you know, what life is like living in a beautiful, glorious, you know, free man land with no blue lights to worry about in your rear window and how it really is out there. Yeah, it, it's interesting. It's different. Yeah, like I said, and that's why 18 out of 23 teachers quit last year. You know, it, it's not what, you know, like I said, when we went to school, if one teacher dropped out a year, that would have been amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember when, you know, we were there. I mean, those teachers were there 20, 30, 35 years. You know, it, it was impossible to get a job anywhere in that district because nobody ever left. Yeah, nobody. I don't I remember, like, I remember some math teachers leaving, but other than that, everybody's basically stuck it through, man. You know, I never mm-hmm. Turnaround of teachers like what you're talking about, 18 out of 23. Yeah, well, I mean, look, well, when we went to elementary school, those teachers never left. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, my sister, like I said, my sister's living in an area where the people aren't motivated. There's no, like, discipline. She's like, it's very hard to, um, you know, um, to keep the classes under control. Yeah, well, yeah. You said it's hard that you know that that um well you were saying that were, um I don't have a problem, but the many teachers do. Well, that's because you're a teacher of the month, so <laughs> all right, Carl. Well take care of yourself, guys. Right. Yeah. Nice to hear your voice. <laughs> yeah, my my sister's actually teacher of the month, so she's got the actual good talking spot now and everything. Woo-hoo. Yeah, well that's pretty good. You've only been a teacher there for one month, so that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, so much. This is the third month, the third month of school out here. Oh, okay. So about that three months. Oh, that's okay. Like, okay. Well, I mean, because yeah, we started. We started the first week of August. Oh, okay. But, all right. Well, um, are you going to be on on for a while, or are you signing off for the night? What are you up to now? No, I'm just going to answer probably a couple more questions, and then uh, I just want to let people know that I'm still alive out here. Okay. And I'm trying to warn people, you know, that people are making mistakes of, like, this contempt of court nonsense. You know, they're just, they're, they're, they're saying too much. Just say what you got to say and shut up. It's their game. It's their court. You know, just let them do what they got to do. Just say your piece and stop. And just let them let them do what they're going to do. Oh, yeah. So with me and Jimmy. When me and Jimmy went there, you know, I just asked them the simple, two simple questions. You know, I just basically said to them, you know, uh, you know, I'd like to uh, testify, and I'd like to be sworn in before I give any testimony today. You know, are, you, know are, you gonna, are you ready to swear me in or swear me in? It's like, no, we're not going to have testimony today. And I said, well, this is an EC Prius court. This is in the court of record. He said, that's correct. I said, the court of record downstairs. He said, okay. I said, okay, we'll take it over there. And I just basically looked at the attorney and said, is young seven is correct? The fact that the high bidder at the auction? He said, yes. I said, okay, if there's nothing else for me to say, thank you. But I didn't leave. I just sat there and listened to the rest of the nonsense. I mean, I didn't disrespect and say, okay, I'm out of here. Goodbye. No, they summoned me to the party, and I waited till the party was over. And I said, okay, the party's over. I could leave now? Oh, good. I'm out of here. It's like, why didn't you dance? It's like, I don't want to perform. I don't want to dance. This is a good place. It's to do with me. But I stayed here for the party. I'm done. Leave now? Good. I'm gone. And then take it to the court of market. Then take it, then take it to a, a court where you can testify. And it might not be a court of market. They 
immediately before second court. Wherever you could take, give somebody cash to come forth and testify to oh, whatever, whatever it's called in your locality. That's the court I want to be in when I'm going up against the bank. The bank can't testify. But see, that's what I'm saying. Then you guys learn all these cool little tricks, and then you get free houses, and you think it's funny. Then you got a free house, you know. And I'm very happy living in an apartment with a square foot house. And my sister's apartment's probably, I don't know, five or feet as well. How many square feet do you live in? Well, I don't know. 600, maybe? Well, that's pretty good. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. I'm happy. I'm a two-bedroom office traveling. That's more than I need. So when people need these McMansions, I just laugh. I go, what do you need these McMansions for? You know? I was like, well, this is my house. This is not too paid for the name for us. You know? Well, they take my signature and they make money with it. Well, God bless them. If you know how to do it, if you Elvis Presley or Michael Jackson, you know how to sell your autograph for $10,000, I'm sure you would. But you don't know how to do it, so you don't do baseball signings like Pete Bowie because it makes, uh, you know, $10,000 a night signing baseballs. Oh, well. You know how to take your signature and make money out of it. The bank does. Oh, well. You know, they give you a house. Well, give them what you agreed. You agreed to give them green money, so give them green cash. Well, give them a check of money order. That's what you agreed on. If you don't want to do it, then move the hell out. He's like, no, Carl, I want to know how to get a free house like you can tell people. It's like, how to get my sister a free house? How to get myself a free house? Why should I? It doesn't make any sense. You know, you got to earn it. Or you just, like I said, some guy wanted to give me a free house. He said, I'll... I'll buy a house. Just tell me where you want to live, and uh, you know I'll transfer the money, and uh, you'll have a house. I said no. I said the first thing I'll do is I'll find a room where the TV is. I'll kick back about a week. I'll be going out and watch TV for a week. Maybe I'll get up. Maybe I won't. I get fat and lazy. I don't want a free house. I said I get a free house. I just probably take advantage of it, just like any other human being. I said, wow, this is great. This is all free. This is free. I'll get lazy and not want to get up. So if you stay hungry and stay aggressive, then you just got to stay what you know, keep going. All right, Karen, I'll let you get going. I appreciate it. Okay. Take care, everybody. Take care. Take care, Karen. All right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, Carl, I remember we were, uh, last summer we were in a junkyard pulling parts from a Thunderbird, and you got a phone call. Lasted about 40 minutes where uh, I was dying of heat, and you're talking to this guy who had two houses. He says he was going to give you one if you helped him keep both. Remember that? Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, but that's what's funny is that, right, like I said, you, I'll be out there in the junkyard and, you know, pulling parts, and uh, there's a man sitting right next to me from West Virginia, and, you know, we're going to try to lay, we're going to try to lay some block today. But I had to go by Jimmy's and uh, move some of my cars because Jimmy's moving out of that place. If people keep up with me and they go, holy cow, Carl, I see why you don't have time for the Internet. Like this man sitting next to me from West Virginia, he's laughing. You know, because I could get anybody who came and lived with me for a week or a month. I said, this guy's always moving. Well, that's when Gus was with me for seven weeks. I said, Gus was on the Internet maybe five, six, seven hours a day researching, reading, watching uh, uh, educational videos. You know, he's really hitting the books. I mean... And Gus seen me on the internet five or seven minutes at five or seven weeks. That was a lot. That was a long time. I was on the internet. <laughs> I tell Gus every now and then, I go, "Oh yeah, I only got two thousand three hundred sixteen emails. I got to get. <laughs> I get to them in the wintertime." And then I don't know if you were there when I got all those. Oh yeah, he was there with with um, uh, Mark from Atlanta, and I had like three boxes of mail. 
And I was like, I just had them all jammed in a filing cabinet. <laughs> and I said, I'll get to them some of you. You know, I ain't got time for this. I'm a busy guy. But uh, like I said, I actually enjoy working hard. I actually like having my hands dirty, and uh, it keeps me in great shape. Because when I got on this backhoe in the springtime, man, I was like huffing and puffing and wheezing, getting up and down the backhoe. Now I could jump up the backhoe, jump down off the backhoe. But this April, holy cow. It's because I'm sitting all winter doing emails and doing talk shoes and uh, not exercising. I'm not out here kicking ass. Now this time of year, I'm in great shape. You know, I feel great, you know, because I'm just doing so much hard labor. And uh, I know I'm going to get all soft by the wintertime because the cold weather's going to come. I'm going to get lazy and just start doing emails and finishing up that book and doing DVDs. And, but that's okay. But I know in the springtime, I'm going to be so out of shape again. It's not even funny. What it's going to take to get back into shape. So, um, yeah, I just want to tell people, like, I'm trying to remember the man out in uh, the Bay Area. I don't remember his name. It's like Christopher this or something like that. I can't remember what it is, but he wants me to do, uh, like, a show out there. And uh, and I know I'm going to, well, God willing, I'm going to be up in Minnesota because that man, Jesse, wants me to come up there and help him. And I told him I'd come on up there and help him. Oh, and the other man, too. I said I'd come on up there and help him. The guy that you had uh, dinner with the other day. Yeah, John. Yeah, John Myers, right. I'm going to go up there and help him, too. So I know I'm going to be up in the Minnesota area, but I don't know well, I know I'm going to stop in Texas. They want me to do, like, a little show down in Texas. And um, I don't know if uh, what else I was going to do like that. Because I was trying to go across the country before Gus moved to Minnesota. Because I figured Gus wanted to do something up in Colorado because he knew some people in Colorado that wanted to do, like, a show. So I don't know if they still want to do it or not. Do they still want to get down in Colorado? I haven't talked to them, uh, but yeah, they—I mean—they—they they, they get together once a month and they talk about stuff, and uh, they're always looking to learn and comment about something they've always been interested in. So yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I needed to get moved out here. I really wanted to get to Minnesota. So between uh, being charged in uh, May and coming out here in June and July working on, on a case here. And then uh, trying to figure out how to move back here because I really enjoyed it. Uh, I haven't really done a whole lot in six months. I've just been trying to get you know get things settled over here. So uh, now that winter's here, yeah, I might I might be uh, willing to go for a ride, cruise around the country, <laughs> go talk. <laughs> yeah, never mind. Yeah, because like I said, um, if I just do something local. You know, at least I know this guy here who's sitting next to me in West Virginia probably do something locally. Like, he'd probably go one state, two states away with me, you know. Yeah, he will. He's going to go wherever. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, like I said. Well, you know, the thing is, is there's, there's plenty of people who want you to come by, you know, and they get a hold of me. Hey, Gus, when's Carl coming? When's Carl coming? You guys doing this? You guys doing that? No, we're not doing anything because nobody said, hey, you know, uh, we've got a group of people. We, you know, we can pull them together. We, we, you know, we can. I mean, no people aren't calling with specific plans. They're calling with, "Hey, if Carl comes through, or, you know, I'd like to see him." Well, great. You know, why would he come through? You know, you, you, I mean, he's not just cruising around, wait, you know, hoping that to run into somebody he knows. Uh, you you got to make plans. You got to set stuff up. You have to have a, a schedule to keep. I mean, the, the stuff doesn't just happen because because you you know you want them you want somebody to just happen to stop by when they're coming through town. 
know, somebody's got to make plans for this stuff, and nobody's making plans. Nobody's calling me up and saying, you know, if you come here, we're going to have 30 people. We've got this, like Rhonda did when you went out to Missouri. You know, she set it up. She she had a plan. You went out there. You you did what you agreed to do, and and moved on. And yeah. nobody's calling me up with that kind of of a you know of a plan to to get you anywhere or me. And so I'm just gonna sit still and you know, I'm going horseback riding tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I like you, man. Now, now see that's okay. I mean, at least horseback riding is a pretty damn good exercise. So uh, it works your core. It does. You know, I want to learn a lot about horses. I want to. You know, I mean, that's why I'm here. Is to get more, get out, get out of the. You know, I've been in Boston for 32 years. You know, I, I'm in the country now. I'm on 40 acres. Uh, I'm living in the basement of somebody's house, but uh, the scenery is beautiful, and I, I've got plenty of space to myself. And you know, she's got horses, and I've got other friends here that have horses. It's just a matter of time before I'm doing what I really want to do. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. No horseback riding. That's just lucky you, because that's good exercise. Because uh, that's what I'm doing. I mean. Right now, we're going to build a two courses of a block mall. We're going to put up this Quonset hut thing. And uh, once I get this Quonset hut, I basically have to get the concrete pad down by wintertime. I didn't have to put this hut thing up until, like, spring. I could have put it up in the wintertime. But I was like, what the hell, man? The guy's here from West Virginia. I'm going to put it up real quick. It, it, it ain't going to take too long. It'll probably maybe take a day to put it up. So, uh, and then I got to winterize all these cars. I just got to go around. I got a, uh, like a vacuum system, pull all the antifreeze out, put it in. Uh, you see how I do it? I uh, take the antifreeze out of each one of these vehicles, and then I bring it in the house, and I put, mark each bag, and uh, I put it in the freezer, make sure the freezer is zero degrees, and I see which one actually freezes and which one stays like jello or, or stays liquid. And then uh, that way I just fix the cars that, the, 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 the antifreeze that I pull out out of the radiator freezes up like a rock. I said, well, obviously this one needs antifreeze. So I got to winterize all these vehicles and try to get them all off the ground, you know, so they don't get wheel rot. And uh, then I'll be good to go. You know, so uh, so people ask me when will I be good to go? I said, well, hey, you get to go. Yes, I'll get them all together. Yeah, just pat them on the side. Just keep them around. Ah, don't listen to you. Yeah. yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's what we're going to, uh, you know, thank God I only got uh, five. I got two cats and, like, four kittens, I think. So I'm not 120 anymore. So it's down to two and two and four. So they're easy enough to hate folks of what Oh, you're not in the mountains anymore either. Yeah, right. Plus, I got my kids here now, so my kids could help take care of them, you know, and take care of the animals. So I could pay them a couple of bucks a week to take care of them. And uh, I'm going to get a ton of hay because uh, we came up with a good idea to insulate underneath that uh, office trailer. We're going to just put a <laughs> stacks of hay around where the wind could get underneath the office trailer. So we thought that was a great idea, you know, insulated with hay, bales of hay. And then uh, the kids could give some of the hay to their to their animals too for the winter time. So <coughs> I got to pick up some bales of hay, and that's uh, you know keep the under underpinning of the uh, like the mobile home office trailer. Try to keep that warm, <laughs> like a little uh, space heater under there. You know, try to keep it around 33 degrees, 34 degrees. And but like I said, hey, you know, let's use bales of hay. You know, that way when I go on the 
Were the pipes frozen when you came to my house, Gus, in April? Yeah, the pipes are frozen. The water was frozen. The the pipes were frozen. They were full of ice. And uh, when we got there, we got there, it was about 11 or midnight. It was late in the morning, late at night. It it might have been past midnight, but uh, we walked up the hill 700 feet or so to the well, and everything was frozen. And uh, so you just poured some milk into a into a, uh, a pie pan for the cats, and we went to bed, and I woke up in the morning, and I walked out, and the milk was frozen on the floor. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Uh, Gus was, uh, everything was cold. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. It was 1 o'clock in the morning when we got there. Everything was frozen, and uh, I paid Jimmy 150 bucks weeks to watch that house, and every pot and pan, everything was dirty and filthy. Everything was in cardboard boxes laying everywhere. And I said, Gus, I did not leave this house with all these pots and pans in these boxes. And then Jimmy said, well, all your water froze, so I couldn't clean your house. Sorry. I was like, the house looked like, holy hell, well, I'm paying you $150 a week. I think, you know, five weeks. You know, why did you give me 750 bucks to come home to this? You know, so uh, what a disaster. And it was funny. Uh, we had a rental car. Well, Gus had a rental car. And uh, he said, no disrespect, man, but I'm going to go sleep in a rental car. It's too freaking cold in your house. So it was, t- it was 25 degrees in the house. And he said, this, this is, you know, this is nuts. So I'm going to go sleep outside. I said, yeah, that's fine. I said, don't bother me none. I got water on a pair of shorts. I say, it's not windy and it ain't wet. Yeah, so I'm fine. No running water. Oh, well, we'll get the water running soon. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you, had the, you had the water running in a couple of days. And uh, you, uh, we went downtown and you picked up some big comforters. I slept real good the next night. Oh, yeah, you picked up that great big huge. I got that thing still in a, a storage box, man. I, I yeah, that's that thing was awesome. Yeah, a big down uh, feather. Um, yeah, big king size down. I just wrapped myself up in it, twenty degrees. It slept like like a baby. Yeah, yeah. I was. I see. I was a good host, man. You, you. I get gave you in a room and got you that great big huge blanket quilt thing, whatever it was, and uh, yeah. and put a space heater in there for you and everything, man. You, you were all right. I wouldn't have stayed as long as I did if I wasn't all right. Yeah, 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 you could, yeah, you, you had to bring back, you had to bring back the rental car eventually. Yeah, because the first day you slept in a rental car, and it was funny because uh, it was one o'clock in the morning. I put this nine-inch uh, cake pan down on on the kitchen floor, and I would say, "Holy shit!" I see your car's running at five thirty-six in the morning. You're like, "Holy shit!" Hope the guy's not dead. So you did leave your window open a little, which was smart, and. uh I asked her, said, I'm making some coffee. Do you want to come on in for some coffee? He said, yeah, sure, why not? So then uh, you were stumbling in the house. I said, watch out for the, 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 pot, the, the cake pan. It's like an inch-thick cake pan with you know, nine inch, nine inch by one-inch cake pan. So watch out for the pan full of milk. And you're like, what pan? And you kicked it across the floor, and, and it popped out like a hockey puck, a big white hockey puck. And uh, in five hours of my kitchen floor, a pan of, of you know, like a little pan of pot of milk turned into a hockey So until people actually live out here with me, they have no freaking idea what, like how how um my lifestyle is, you know. You know, they don't understand, you know, for like three or four months here I had no running water. You know, I had to go, you know, take showers on the side of the house, you know, with a uh, milk jugs and uh, you know, had to go to the bathroom in the barn. And uh, people don't understand that. You know, it's like, well, what are you saying? Call somebody said they'd pay for a house for you. Why don't you just buy a damn house and get on the Internet and, you know, do this small stuff? It's like, because it doesn't feel like honest work. It just doesn't feel like honest work. Because once you guys learn all these one 
trick wonders, one of these sentence, two-sentence things, I really think it's going to hurt society. I really don't think it's going to benefit society. Now, if you're desperate and you need your kids back, okay. But if whatever, you're raping your kids. You know, it's like I said, this is very, um, you know, precarious situation that I'm in. How much information do you tell people? Because people are going to go hog wild. Right, that lady was also very desperate, the lady who wanted her uh, two girls back. She was very desperate. You know, she was lying, raping them. She was doing whatever the hell she had to do to make sure that daddy was out of the picture. So I know you're desperate. You want your boy back, you know, and there's always two sides of the story. So, you know, Gus, I think Gus found out that too. What did you find out one time, Gus? Do you remember that that ever burn up in your face like, Telling somebody where you shouldn't have, or no, not yet. No, no way. Not after I found, after I heard you talking to Amy, and and uh, when Mark, I think Mark and Mike were helping Amy out, and neither one of them had the case file. And you know, after that whole discussion, I oh yeah, that's right, because I had to do that with you guys, because uh, I asked Amy on my show. I just said, "Can you give me some background on you, Amy?" And she, I said, oh, "Where are you from?" And she said, Louisiana. I said, down near Baton Rouge? She said, yeah. I said, was your family rich? She says, no. And then uh, I said, uh, where's the children now? They're with their dad. Where's the dad from? Georgia. I said, good. The kids are very fine right where they are with the dad in Georgia. It will not help you get back those kids. And she says, why not? I said, I'm just not going to do it, man. Have a nice day. And then some other show, like, Everybody was bugging me. Greg from Chicago, Mark from Atlanta, and I don't think you were bugging me. I don't know if you were. I don't know if, if you were doing that stuff with me. Me? No, I no. I mean, how do you, how do you know if somebody's got integrity? And if you're doing the right thing, that's a good question for you guys. I mean, because if you well, can help people, it, it, it was just that simple. She told me she was from the Baton Rouge, Louisiana area. Okay, that's southern. That's southern Louisiana. That's not north. Up near um, oh, where's that um casino up there? Up in uh, oh. I can't remember the top of the head the name of the town. But it isn't up in uh, northern, up in uh, northern Louisiana. There's a, I'm trying to think of the paddle wheel. It's, you know, they got up there. Harris is up there. But anyway, Sheree Report. Sheree Report is nice. If she saw me, she was from Sheree Report, I would have helped her. There's a lot of cornfields, farms, a lot of good people up there. She told me she was from Baton Rouge and Mark, and everybody was telling me, oh, you got to help her. Oh, she sent us a picture. Oh, she's so beautiful. She looks like Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, she's gorgeous. Da, da, da. I said, She's a, she practices voodoo. You know that, right? And they were like, what? I said, she believes in voodoo. And he's like, they were like, no way. I said, uh, yes way. And I said, if she's got three little girls, um, she's drinking their blood. And she goes, they were like, oh, no way. I said, you know what? Okay, you know what? You guys don't believe me? Get on a show next week. So we got on a show and then the following week. And I told everybody, shut the hell up and let's just name you think it's me talking about and then we started talking about it. I said, oh, yeah, and uh, what's the benefits of, like, say, drinking blood from, like, a, like a young girl? What, what, what would be the benefits of taking their blood? And she said, oh, because, you know, they got all those young hormones in them, and, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, my, I'd be this younger, longer. Said, yeah, yeah. I said, is, is there a reason why you just don't do direct transfusions of the blood? Is there some reason why you drink it? And do you understand if you drink it, the enzymes are going to basically be destroyed by your stomach, uh, you know, acidity level. You should just go directly to transfusions. You know that'd be a lot more uh, beneficial. You know, it'd be a lot quicker and easier. You know, too. And she was like, "Yeah," she was thinking about it, like looking into it. So then after the call, you know, she hung up and said goodbye. All the guys were like, "Holy shit, calls! You were dead 
you, you knew it. I said, yeah, because I lived down there for a while. I know those crazy white trash people that live down there and that part of the They're all into voodoo. They're all into this crazy stuff. They're all into this nonsense, you know, that's, this vampire cult nonsense stuff down there. You that's know, freaky. But, yeah, but the, thank God I have a recording of it on my show, so people can't say, call you crazy. It came directly out of the woman's mouth. So, like I said, the only good thing about me, like I said, my sister's now, she's been with the Navajos. It's not my opinion anymore. Now my sister could come on and back up what I'm trying to say. And look at just my opinion of Mark and Atlanta and the other guys. And it's like, you want to hear Amy say it? Okay. Get her on a show next week, and I'll get her to say it. I'll start talking about, hey, how those New York Mets doing? Hey, well, you know, you think uh, Billy Joel's going to come back on tour? Hey, uh, what about drinking girls' blood, you know? You know, I'll, I'll get her to just totally get involved in this whole topic, and I'll just switch it real quick on her and get her to admit it. Well, it's you like, know, I mean, I was hearing what you were saying, your sister, and the whole Navajo Indian thing, and then the free man thing, and I just, I, I thought about it a lot, and I thought, you know, well, maybe if it wasn't so extreme one way or the other, if it was just some kind of more of a middle ground, everybody could be, you know, a little bit more ideal. And this is what I this is what I tell everybody all the time. I said I've been very fortunate to be born at this this time on planet Earth because I think we have an extremely good balance between the legal side and the lawful side. And the, if the legal side comes over the fence, we still have the ability to push it back over. But I don't want to collapse it. I don't want to collapse the fence. I just right. want to get back on their side of the fence. And yeah, I, I I like that. I mean, that makes sense. Right. I, 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 I always believe in, like, this justice that, you know, the justice lady you see, you know, blindfolded, and she's holding the scales. And like I said, I'm a, you know, I don't believe so much in this horoscope stuff, but I'm a Libra, and that's scales. It's the scales of justice. It's Libra. And I was, and I was the middle child, you know, so I very well always take the middle ground. And I always see the good and the bad and everything. I can, I can make you hate Hitler, but I could also make you cry for Hitler. I can make you think that Hitler's mama should have done this and his daddy wasn't there. And, you know, you feel bad for the guy. You know, you should still hang him for all the crazy shit he did. But can I make you feel bad for him? Of course I can. But then I can make you hate the guy and take what he's did. I, I mean, I can make you look at Jesus Christ as he's insane. Or I can make you look at Jesus Christ as he was a saint. Now, I could flip it either way. That's what that's what That's the way this world is. There's always a yes to everything. There's always a no. There's always a good and there's always a bad. You know, and it just depends who's telling the story and from whose opinion, what eyes you're looking through. So, yes, you know, does the legal society have great benefits? Yes, there's a great benefit to have instant identification because until then, you used to walk into a kingdom or you walk into a strange land and somebody have to speak up for you. Somebody say, who is this stranger? Is anybody going to speak up for him? You know, who's going to bear the bond for him? Who's going to take, you know, the word that this man's not going to come here and kill and rape everybody? Or like they used to do in, in in America, they would just hold you, detain you, you know, until they could find out, like the movie Rambo. They're going to hold him until they find out just who the hell is this guy. You know, we're not just going to let this guy walk around our street like you watch the movie Rambo. And I totally feel for the town cops. This guy is walking around with like some bed sheet on him, like canvas sheet wrapped around his neck. He's got a two-foot sword hanging off his left hip. You know, for opening up cans of tuna? I mean, why are you walking around with this two-foot knife on the side of your hip? You know, you walk into my town with some circus tent on, you know, and and, and, and you got this two-foot sword on the, on your hip? How do I know you're just going to kill and rape all the women and children and just totally start mutilating them? Because, you know what? You had a bad Vietnam experience, and you're just going to take it out on the world. 
I don't know, but I'm the town cop, and guess what? You're gonna make. I'm gonna make sure you get the hell out of my town. My town is safe, and if you don't like it, uh, buddy, I'm just gonna keep picking you up and throwing you back over the border. And if you piss me off enough, I'm gonna kick the crap out of you, and you're gonna know you, you better not come back into this town. So, like I said, you you kind of gotta look at both sides of that Rambo movie. Does a man have a right to carry a sword through town wearing this stupid circus tent on top of, you know, like, what are you wearing this canvas covering, buddy, like this big poncho-looking thing? Well, I use it as a tent. I use it for temporary housing. So you're telling me you're homeless. Yeah. Okay, and you got this sword on your hip for what reason? Open up cans of tuna? Well, no, so I get cracked, you know, so what? You kill Vietnamese? Dude, there's no Vietnamese here. You know, we're okay. You know, we got this covered. You know you're in Tacoma, Washington now, right? You, you know we don't, you know, we don't do this. You know, you look bizarre. You know, can you, can you take it someplace else? Well, I'm an American. I'm, I have the right to walk around naked and carry a sword. It's like, dude, you're crazy. You know, can you take it to the next town down? Hell, I'll even give you a ride. But you know what? Well, you, you can't do it here. I mean, your, your rights end where mine begins. So if, you know, if it's a public place and I'm offended by what you're doing... And then, uh, you know, uh, you know, I ask you not to do it, then, then, you know, you have to respect my rights to my right. freedom. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's my, my, my rights stop where I interfere with somebody else's. Right. It's that simple. My rights stop when I interfere with somebody else's rights. So when you go into public, you have a certain right to be let alone. You don't want to have to deal with, you know, you know, certain things. And then that's when the people decide to determine, you know, uh, uh, the social standards. You know, like, okay, you can wear shorts. You don't have to wear burkas anymore. Okay, you can wear pants. You don't got to wear a dress anymore. Okay, you know, we'll lighten up a little bit. But you're not going to walk around topless. You're not going to walk around naked. We're just, we're, you know, we're not going to have traffic accidents. I swear to God, it was so funny. My first wife, the Indian girl, man, she, she was a damn good looking woman. And for some reason, I remember we walked out of the, I had a taxi company. We walked right out on a A1A, not A1A, US1, and she was dressed to uh, work in the bar. And as soon as she stepped into the sidewalk, some poor guy in like a 350 Ford truck slammed into the guy in front of him, you know, because he was busy looking at my wife's ass. So like I said, so don't tell me that some woman looking, you know, really good is not going to cause a traffic accident because they do. My wife said, oh, my God, did I do that? I said, you damn right you did that. You know, the guy was too busy looking at your ass that he didn't worry about the guy's bumper in front of him. She's like, well, that made, that made her feel good. You know, it's like, wow, I caused a traffic accident. Yeah, well, <laughs> honestly, you should be part liable. She's like, for what? Well, because you caused a disturbance. By the way, you were dressed. And the man, you know, the man was distracted, you know. So I understand why this needs to be community standards. I do understand that. You know, I, I appreciate that I got children. You know, maybe if you guys have children, don't have children, you'd appreciate more if you have children and understand that there's a need for community standards. And if you don't like it, go live out in the woods with the Indians or around buck naked and have sex with all your relatives. I live with Indians like that, and they saw absolutely nothing wrong with having sex with their nieces and nephews. They had no problem with their brothers and sisters. They had no problem with it. And uh, people don't believe me, and I go... Okay, no, I lived it. Okay, don't believe me. You know, they had no problem walking past the parents, going to bed with each other. They said, okay. You know, I, it's the funniest thing I ever saw. I thought it was ridiculous. I, you know, I would have believed.
believed it on Jerry Springer or Oprah Winfrey. I said, ah, bullshit. But the first time I saw it, it's so funny, man. I had I went I came home for driving a tractor trailer across country, and I came home, and I saw something just like that. The uncle's going back into the bedroom with the nephew, and I whispered to my wife, "Are they going to go smoke some dope or something with the kid?" They're like, "No, they're going to go fuck, you know, John Boy." And I just said, "No, no, you, you tell me the truth. They're going to what? Smoke some dope or something?" These are Indians, you know. No, they're going to go fuck John Boy. And then his mom was sitting there, his dad was sitting there, grandma, great-grandma, grandpa was sitting there, and nobody bat in an eye. And when they realized I had a problem with it, they all looked at me like, oh, you're going to report us to the police or something? I mean, it felt, it got deadly quiet in there. I was like, oh, oh, I, I picked up a gift for you in California, out west, when I was out west. Let me go out of my truck and go get it, because I realized I better get out of the hell house quick. People are not letting me out. You know, because this white man who's going on. So the truck, my wife came out to the truck about 10 minutes later, and uh, I was laying on a, across the front seats. And, man, she she opened the door, and, man, my face was beet red. And, man, there was tears all over my face. My face was soaking wet. And she said, are you crying? I said, yes, yes. I said, I'm laughing so hard. I've never laughed so hard in my life. I said, I, I had to get out of that house to find some place to laugh because I would have never believed something so crazy. If I watched it on Jerry Spring or Oprah Winfrey, I would have never believed that a family has no problem with the uncles going into a back room with a nephew to have sex with them, and everybody's okay with it. I, I, I said I had to go outside and laugh, and I had to find a place in private to laugh, so I went to my tractor trailer, and, man, I was laughing so hard. My, I was, I, man, I don't think so many tears ever came out of my eyes because I was laughing. I couldn't stop laughing. I said, this is the most ridiculous culture, the most ridiculous people I've ever met in my life. You Indian people are just, I don't know how you survived 10,000 years. I don't know how you guys did it. I, I'm freaking cool because this is just some crazy shit. And I said, you know, nobody's going to believe me. I said, you know. She said, well, they're all worried you're going to report us to the police. I said, the police are going to do what? They ain't going to do nothing. I said, if they believe that they say, yes, so what, call? Like my sister, she's a mandated reporter, and she reported some girl came to here where I was on the other side of the mountain where I was last year and the girl, my sister said to the girl, why are you so tired? She said, well, I was having sex with my dad all night. And so my sister went and reported it and then uh, they said, the, the the guidance counsel lady said, well, where does she live? And my sister said, where she lived? And uh, they said, oh, that's, that we consider that incest hill and we don't go over the other side of the mountain. So my sister was like, well, ain't you going to go, like, arrest the dad or take the girl into custody? Like, oh, no. You know, they've been doing this for 400 years on that side of the mountain. So we just let them do what they're doing. These Appalachian people, this is how they live. We don't we don't take their kids. They're like, why not? Because they're going to come and get them back. And, you know, there's going to be dead social workers. You know, any social worker try to go up there, they're going to be one dead social worker. And my sister's like, so you're just going to let them rape this girl? They're like, absolutely. We don't get involved. So, see, that's what happens. So when you get a culture like that that realizes that there's no ramifications, they could rape their own children, and they know the social workers, and nobody's going to come and do a damn thing about it. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to rape their own children. That's why you look at Appalachian people, and they got these little tiny ears and little tiny noses and little ridiculously round faces. They all look like they have downs, you know. And you know why? Because they're all into breed like that. You know, the, the, you know, the DNA is too close together. So when you see these people, it's like, wow, that's that's an inbred. Hey, you walk into Walmart on that side of the mountains, man, it's just that. Oh, hey, 
I got a guy from West Virginia here. Yeah, I was brought up by a really good family, and they were, you know, really nice people. And 
you know, uh, just uh, you know, just some of the things you're talking about. You, you can't even you can't even imagine it yourself. You know what I mean? Because of your your condition. You know, like like I mean, I just I, I it almost sounds like you're making it up, but I, I know that you're not. You know, but it's just incredible when I hear stuff like this. Like, I'll put a video camera 15 miles from my house. I'll show you. Yeah. You'll see six-year-old kids wearing diapers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mr. Virginia said, yeah, I don't know if you heard him talking, but yeah, that's Aaron from West Virginia. He's originally from Baltimore, so that's why he's got more of a Baltimore accent. That part of you know, than than West Virginia, West Virginia. So. Um, yeah, they got but, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's pretty far out. <laughs> Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I don't make up this stuff about the Indians. I don't make up this stuff about, you know, uh, hillbillies. I, I don't make this stuff up because I lived it. You know, you guys, the stuff you see on Jerry Spring is like tame. You know, it's like, you know, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's staged. Yeah, it's staged, too. You know, it's, it's it, like I said, I, I mean, I'm telling you, man, the, the real hillbillies out here, man, these people are crazy. Like my little brother's going out with a real hillbilly and up in the mountains. And he's like, Carl, I cannot tell you what she's involved in. I said, look, Frankie, I told them, I said, look, if you, if they, if they're doing something to the tourists up there on the Appalachian trail, you better let somebody know what's going on because if they're going down, you're all going down. And he says, call I'm gathering evidence on them. I, I got a uh, audio recorder that I keep in my pocket. And every time she's talking, I'm recording everything. And, uh, he says, I'm just going to make sure that this is real. unless she's not talking trash because they're always doing crazy shit to people walking up on the Appalachian Trail up there. So, uh, that, you know, people disappear up there. And they go, oh, it looks like a bad mutilated them or something. Yeah, right. You know, so my brother's just getting evidence. He's like, call these people are fucking crazy. He says, this stuff, the story you tell me, call a tame compared to what this crazy lady and her friends are telling me. So I said, tame compared to the stories I told you. He says, call. He says, I can't tell you what they're doing. He said, because you ain't going to believe me. He said, he says, I got to get proof. He says, I got all on audio. He says, now nah, I actually got to go see something. He says, I got to prove it, like, visually. He says, I'm getting all the audio. He says, but now I actually got to go get, like, some video. I said, okay. I said, if you think you're in danger, man, get the hell away from these people. And he says, I know exactly what I'm doing. Don't worry about it. All. These people, you know, love me and trust me. And he says, but holy crap, these people are crazy. He says, I can't tell you what they're doing, but when I could get some pictures to prove it, he said, then I'll tell you. So I'm telling you, man, these people up there are nuts. I mean, they, I mean, two groups of people, well, two cops. One got uh, fed to the Hollands up here, you know, because he uh, arrested a man for DUI, arrested uh, like an old 70-year-old man, and his sons uh, went into the town and uh, convinced the cop to chase him, you know, told the cop to go fuck himself, and they chased him. the cop chased him up into the holler, and they had a chainsaw, and they chopped the tree behind the cop car, and the other cop car was going to follow and then the next day, a whole bunch of uh, uh, National Guard was looking for the cops. The big helicopters came in, and, you know, and all the neighbors were like, nope, they found a police car, but they didn't find the police close. And they said to me, you know, they ain't going to find that cop because we ground them up and fed them to the hogs. So they said, you can bring the army up to them, too, and you're not going to scare them with the cops. Yeah, nobody's going to talk. Nobody's going to talk. Nobody's going to talk. You know, they're just going to, you know, they can do whatever you want to these people. They're not going to say the damn thing. So this was 20 years ago, you know, when I used to hang out around up here back in 1988 when I first heard the craziest story. And thank God I didn't stick around too long. Thank God I said, man, that's enough of this nonsense. I'm, I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to Daytona. You know, I'm getting out of this crazy, this crazy land. So that's what I'm 
saying you guys got to be careful what you wish for to not have the cops, you know, people be afraid of cops. Because cops are, uh, a lot of times I say to people, you know, like some beating some motel lady, you know, when I had some clown holding this guy, a gun to this guy, say he was like six foot four, so it looked ridiculous. I'm only six one holding this gun at this guy's head. It looked silly. All the way up in the air like that. And the lady ran out of the motel and said, call, call. You want me to call the police? I said, no, the police be this man's best friend. You know, he's got me to worry about right now. You know, he you broke know, what? He, the guy, the guy broke, in, he broke into my house. You know, he robbed some stuff from my house, and I found him. I tracked him down, and I was gonna. We went around to get all my, well, me and my wife stolen stuff back. So uh, I, I caught him in the taxi. I saw him in, in the taxi going down the road. So I cut the taxi off and I pulled him out. And I, you know, I asked the man, "How did he pay you?" And he said, "Uh, he paid me in quarters." I said, "Can I see the quarters?" Because they took my wife's tip jar and had a couple hundred dollars worth of quarters, and he's. He, the guy said he's got it in a big tube sock. He's got a whole bunch of quarters in tube socks. So it smelled like wine. I said, yep, that was a tip jar. It was in a big five-gallon like glass jug of wine. I said, yep, that's a quarter. This is the right man. Thank you. We'll take him from here. So the, the, the cab driver started yelling, help, I'm being robbed. I'm being robbed. I said, oh, shut the up. And I got a little taxi company on this third time. I said, you don't know who I am? He said, no, I'm being robbed. So a little Vietnamese lady ran out of the motel room said, uh, hotel. I said, call, call. You need help? I didn't know who this Vietnamese lady was. I don't know how she knew my name. But she ran the hotel. She said, Carl, Carl, do you want me to call police? I said, no, police would be this man's best friend right now. I said, no, I got him. I said, we've got to go collect some of my property that he stole. We've got to go find out where it is. So uh, she told the yellow taxi driver, the yellow taxi driver kept saying, hey, call, the, call 911. She said, you yellow taxi, get out of my parking lot. Get the hell out of my parking lot now. You get out now. You leave now. No, I'm being robbed. You are not being robbed. That's Carl. Get out of here. You leave now. So, obviously, we went and collected my property, and I had to go to a lot of crack houses to get my property back because he traded my property for crack. And it was funny. I went to the crack houses first, and the black said, no, we got no idea where your shit is. And then, obviously, when I came back with this, you know, this big white guy, then they said, well, you know, we had to uh, we had to tell you we didn't know where it was because, you know, who the hell are you, you know? So, I said, well, how much the uh, crack did he buy? And it was like four or $500 worth. I said, okay, give me my property back. He has four or five hundred dollars on it. He just threw four or five hundred dollars on the bed. I said, "Now give me back my property." And they did. And I said, "I'll get it out of this guy's ass. You don't worry about it. You know, you made a good, honest deal with this guy." I said, "That that four or five hundred dollars, I'm going to get out of his ass. Don't you worry about it. You know, you got your crack. Fine. He enjoyed it. Uh, he's going to have to pay me back four or five hundred dollars. Uh, I know a way he can pay me back real quick." So, but what was funny is I went back to the Vietnamese lady the next day. Said, "Ma'am, how do I? How do you know me? How did you know my name?" She says, "Oh, you give me free rides all the time. Free rides." And this was an older, like fifty, sixty-year-old Vietnamese lady. You know, she wasn't like some knockout. I said, "I give you free rides." She said, "Yeah, summertime with no tourists, you give me free rides." I said, "I really, I really, I do." She said, "Yeah, you give everybody free rides." I'm like, yeah, well, in the tourist season, yeah, I know it gets slow. So I know you folks don't got money. So if I see you guys sitting on a bus bench there on A1A, you know, it's like 100 degrees in the shade. I said, yeah, I'll stop by and let you folks jump in and take a ride for free. What the hell? You know, I'm going down the road anyway. She said, oh, yeah, you're good, man. You give us all free rides. Everybody everybody knows who you are. I said, well, that's good. See, so it worked out. So when I pulled that guy out of the taxi and I had this 9 millimeter side of his head, the lady told the yellow taxi driver to get the hell out of here. I did it on a Sunday afternoon with towers full of tourists right around Eastern time, too. You know, so everybody probably thought I was crazy. You now, look at this guy pulling his taxi over and pulling a gun out of this guy's head and throwing it back on the van. 
you know, my wife kept a gun on him until uh, we collected all our property. But it was ridiculous. I mean, yeah, the policeman would have been that man's best friend because what would have happened? I probably went to jail for pulling a gun on this guy. You know, obviously it wasn't registered. Obviously it wasn't what a, a license to carry. You know, and uh, obviously the, the policeman would have made me look like the bad guy that I pulled. I cut this taxi driver off and I pulled this guy out by gunpoint. Obviously, I would have been the guy who went to jail, and it was a call. It's a civil matter. You should have sued him. Sued him? He's a crackhead. What do you mean, sue him? Well, I don't even know what the hell this guy, I don't think this guy even lives anyplace. He just, you know, he just robs and steals. You know, they will call. You know, you could, you could sue him in court. It's like back then, I would have sued him in court. What are you talking about? It's 1992. I don't know how to sue nobody in court. What do you mean? You know, I, I'm from New York City. All I know how to do is you steal my shit, I'm going to go get my shit back. That's all I know. No, you know, beat it out of you. You're going to work it. You know, I'm going to work it out of you. Either way you want to do this, I don't care. But you're going to give me back my property, and you're going to compensate me for whatever I can't get back. So uh, it worked out for me. But, um, yeah, like I said, uh, I would have been the bad guy in that picture if the cop showed up. So like I said, people need cops. Because you get people like me. It's like, oh, you owe me money? Oh, yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll show you what happens to people who owe money that don't pay back a debt. At least you guys could just write a letter and hand it into court so I'd gladly pay you $10 this month for the next 22 years. And that's all they could do to you. And it's like, ah, oh, well. It's civilized. we we got to let them go. What do you mean you got to let them go? They just robbed my house. You just took all my wife's shit. You took my kid's stuff. What do you mean I'm just going to let them go? Well, all he's got is two dollars and twelve cents. Call, you know, you pay call back the other thousand uh, dollars. Yeah, I'll pay him back soon. Bullshit! You're just gonna let that guy walk, are you? Sure, we're gonna let him walk, Paul. You know, it's a civil matter. What do you want us to do? Beat him up? Yeah. <laughs> it's like let's, you know, just, just, you know, just let him go. You know, I'll get him outside the courtroom. No call. You can't, you can't take it to the street. No call. Yeah, yeah, I can. Watch me. Well, you, you, know, you know, it seemed like in the in the you know seventy late seventies and early eighties, the the police they would behave differently. You know, it was like less liability, um, or, or you know, they had a lot more discretion. I would say. Yeah, I'd love it if a cop just kicked me in the ass, man. Instead of sending me home and saying I'm going to tell your dad what you did, I'd rather the cop just kick me in the ass. Well, you know, I mean, today, you know, they, they're all they're a hundred percent by the book. They'll have to charge you and do all these things that they. That you know, back then, if they you know got caught, you know, you 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 were drunken and walking down the street, they'd probably give you a ride home, you know. Oh yeah, well, like living with me and my brother, the first first arrest I ever got in my life, I was seventeen, where I was actually went to uh, jail, jail, and uh, we were playing around on a uh, to the air, airports up in New York. You know, the airports uh, they became federal installations. They were no longer like local or city. You know, they were then all of a sudden they became federalized, so it became you know like a military installation. But we still played it on them like, you know, we played on them since we were kids. And uh, they, they used to just shoot rock salt at us. That's what would happen. We'd just get a pants full of rock salt, you know, when a cop shot us. They didn't shoot us with bullets. They shot us with rock salt. This thing like a motherfucker. And we kind of get the idea we shouldn't be playing on the airport, but, eh, what the hell? You know, so we get some rock salt shot in our ass sometimes, you know. I couldn't imagine cops going around shooting kids with rock salt anymore, like 10, 12-year-old kids running around, you know, like, let's shoot them with some rock salt, teach them a lesson. But that's what they used to shoot us with, rock salt. Big deal. So, uh, so when we were seven, different thing now. What's that? It's just a whole different thing now. I mean, now it's you know they take they take somebody home, they bring them back, and 
Yeah, but I'm saying if if if, if now they're just about the ten year old or twelve year old or thirteen year old, they'll just arrest kids. They'll arrest kids for all kinds of things now. You know, curse at a teacher or something. You know, pull the pencil on a teacher. You know, oh, you're going to jail. You know, you're going to get a criminal record. Back then, like I said, you know, when I was seventeen, they said, no, we're going to take this serious and we're going to book these kids. And they were like, book these kids. And it was so funny. There was like six cops, and five of them said, who do you got over there? And they said, like, call it Kevin. I said, oh, those are Rudy's kids. Oh, no, 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 take them home to Rudy. I was like, no, no, book us, book us. Don't take us home to my dad. No, put us in jail, please. And they were like, no, no, the, the five cops were telling like, the young cop, the rookie cop. No, the rookie was like, no, we've got to make an example out of these kids. If we don't take them to jail, they'll never take us serious. I said, that's right, take us to jail, take us to jail. And they're like, no, 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 take them to Rudy. Pull up to Rudy, pull up to Rudy's house in a, in a, in a squad call. Oh, yeah, just go ahead and dump his kids out. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, take them to, take them to Rudy. Like, no, no, man, take us to jail, take us to jail. And the, the younger cop was like, you're damn right, I'm taking you to jail. I say, oh, God bless you, sir, God bless you. Because we knew what would happen if we went home in a squad call. Like, oh, hell no, oh, no, you were going to take me straight to jail. Oh, no, 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 don't stop in my house, don't bring me home. No, 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 you take me straight to jail or I'm going to be safe behind the cage before my dad getting his hands on me. Oh, no, 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 no. So we knew the rules back then, man. It's better to go to jail and go home in the back of a squad car, pull up to your dad's job in a squad car, and all his buddies see you pulling out of a squad car. It's like, oh, your kid's on the back of a squad car again. Isn't that just special? Yeah. Uh, I'll straighten this out. Oh, no, take me to jail, please. You know, give me three hots and a cot. You know, get me behind a cage and my dad can't get his hands on me. I swear to God, I mean, we were so happy we were going to jail compared to going home. I mean, nowadays, kids are going to go home. I mean, if you got arrested, you say, man, I don't want to go to jail. Take me home. I'm sorry. Take me home. It's like, no, we were kids like, oh, please take me to jail. Do not take me home. Do well, not see, take me home. That was another thing that was acceptable back then, is that the parents could discipline, you know, a mom and dad would discipline their kids in a way that was, you know, more old country than, oh, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. You were more worried about going home than going to jail. We didn't care about jail. We figured jail, oh, this is going to be fun. You know, we're going to get our picture taken. You know, we're going to get to watch TV. You know, eat, yeah, you know, eat three meals, you know, some bologna sandwiches and some oranges. You know, we're going to be all right. You know, shit, go home. My dad, oh, hell no. Don't bring me to my dad's job. Oh, no. Don't drop us off in front of his job. Oh, no. Don't do it. Oh, hell no. You know, just shoot me. Get it over with. You know, just, just take me in the back of the squad car and shoot me. Don't don't put me through this. See, it's just a whole different way of looking at things. Nowadays, kids get arrested and they want to go home. And the last thing I ever got arrested, man, hell, I don't send me home. Wait for my dad to come. Parents can't even discipline the kids anymore today. I mean, because... You know, if, if, as soon as you, as soon as you, 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 you know, you, you want to spank your, your, you know, your little boy, little girl, whatever. Just, I'm mean, not talking about a, a, abusive or beating. I'm talking about spanking. You know, it's like everybody looks at you like you got three heads. Yeah, right. It's just a culture that believes that there's alternatives, like just giving them drugs to pickle their brains to calm them down. You know, give them sedatives. So if you're all too reactive, you know, just calm them down. Give them some sort of lithium, whatever they call it nowadays. Yeah, that's it's, that's even more insane. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, man. It's like, I thank God every day that, you know, I had the fear of going home to my dad because, man, I'm not scared of going to court. I am not scared of going to jail. You know, I was a thousand times more afraid of going home. He was a great guy. He fed me, clothed me, housed me, took care of me, taught me a lot of great shit, but holy crap, you know, you come home in the back of a squad car, you know what's going to happen to you. You know, you're lucky yeah. if you walk out of that beating alive. You know, you're just grateful that you, you know, was able to crawl out of that. You know, yeah. you knew nobody's going to beat you like that in jail. 
you know, and like I said, but it, 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 you know, it, it was great, you know, compared to, you know, like now going to Cinnabar with cop car, whoop, dope, you know. So when I get arrested, it's made simple. I just say, hey, look, let's get this over quick and painless. You know, you want to go and see your wife and kids someday. I want to go and see my wife and kids. If you don't mind, can I use my cell phone real quick? Call up somebody to come pick up my truck because it's full of tools. And uh, if you don't mind, we just sit here and wait for him to get here. I'll make this quick and easy for you. You know, I'll take the photos. I'll, you know, take the fingerprints. I'll, I'll, I'll make this as sweet and painless as possible for everybody. But can I just secure my property before you take me in? And I've never seen a cop tell me, fuck you. Every cop's like, fine, no problem. We'll wait, you know, who you want to call. Uh, let me call my, you know, the supervisor. Let me call the guy or another contractor. And it's they wait. Well, they say, look, we'll get a tow truck up here, and we'll uh, tow it for you, and we'll sit here and wait for the tow truck. I said, okay, that's fine. Just get my property off of here and, and just get it to a secure location for me. I don't mind the towing cost. I don't mind the fee, you know, but uh, get it out of the street. And they will. But uh, where was the man who told me about his kidney? Is that you? That's me. Yes, what else do you want to ask me about the kidney thing? Well, um, you know. I asked you before what happened to the mom, so where's the mom? Well, I mean, you know, I'm not exactly sure where to start with that, you know, how to answer that question exactly. I mean, I could start from the very beginning. I won't take too much time. I can just cut to the, the well, chase. Well, right now that the kids are in the state custody, the biggest thing is uh, they're going to try to find a placement for the child. So, you know, or is the mom even a, a, a placement, you know, possibility? Well, they didn't give them to her. Should See, they had a, they had a, a court case, um, or they had a hearing, like, where they showed up at the house. They said, uh, you know, you're going to be here by 10 o'clock. They showed up at 9. And I and they had already had a hearing the day before, and I was in I was like locked away with no communication for previous five days. So I came into it completely blind and in the dark of what was going on. So I think they had they had capitalized and leveraged her as a witness against herself, and also against me and against the boy. You know, I don't know because I wasn't there, and I don't know what exactly was said. But I only got the, the tail end of it that day. I went to court. And I told him I wanted him to return my property, and uh, you know, and, and and I wanted to report the theft because uh, you know, I felt very strongly that uh, that's exactly so what, what it be. What did the mom? What did the mom want? Well, see, see, the, I I've had him since he was born. Well, since since uh, about about he since he was one, I should say, and I've raised him myself, uh, you know, for for nine nine years, and uh, you know, it's really been wonderful. Quite honestly, it's been it's been you know really uh, great. But she's been you know. She's had a lot of. She had a problem with uh, drug addiction, and and he was born in jail. Well, I would say she was in a home at the end of a seven-month stretch. So nine months of pregnancy, the last two was like in a in a home where he was born, and then when they let her out, he was actually born addicted to methadone, and when they let her out, uh, they took her off of the methadone because they they no longer had you know uh, custody of her, so they stopped giving her state insurance, and of course you know at that particular time they didn't wane her off, they just took her off. And, and she couldn't handle it after seven months of being on methadone in jail, pregnant, which I also wasn't aware of, but that's not the point. <clears throat> so so she couldn't handle it, and I, she was, you know, she came back, was living with me, and I went off to work one day, and I came back, and, and she wasn't home, and the baby was gone too. So I searched high and low. I was 
flipping out that day. Make a short story. She went and she was using street drugs, doing uh, shooting heroin, and she took the baby with her. So at that particular time, you know, I mean, I didn't know what the fuck to do at all. I mean, I really didn't. So I did the only thing I could thought of, that I could do. I, uh, you know, was working. I had to do file for an emergency custody hearing in New Hampshire. And, and they gave them to me. And I've never been one to keep her away from them. But, you know, she's been off and on through the years. And right now, this year, she's been the best she's ever been. And she's working and she's, she's been doing a lot better. I'm, I'm really quite proud of her, to be honest with you. You know, so, I mean, you know, it's been nine, ten years. But, but the boy loves his mom. And, you know, he, he's like my whole life. I mean, I spend every day. I, 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 I educate him five hours a day. I mean, I even gave up a career just to spend time teaching and, and bringing this little boy up. I mean, it's, it's been my whole life. I mean, I, I can't explain how, you know, much I, you know, of a bond I've developed. And I thought, you know, well, maybe I'm making these sacrifices for nothing or whatever, but I kind of realized that, you know what, this has really been my, uh, my gift, you know, more than anything, uh, you know, and, and, and so I, you know, he's been baptized Catholic. My, my family is, you know, you know, I don't want to say like too, you know, overly religious, but you know, they, you know, I've got, you know, some Baptist people in my family, and you know, I was brought up Catholic and uh, in Syrian Orthodox. And anyways, the point is, is uh, you know, he's really been around a, a really wonderful and good family, uh, and and you know, and and his mom has been a part of his life a lot over the past year too. But so so she went in there, they capitalized on her, used leverage, and they villainized me. They tried to get her to get a restraining order against me all when I wasn't even there to defend myself or nothing. And, then, and you know, they tried to get her to do that. And then what happened was uh, she wouldn't do it. She's like, she's like, no, I'm, I, I'm not doing that. They said, oh, if you get a restraining order against him, then we'll give you the kid back. And she said, no, I'm not going to do that because he's been really good to us. And, they, you know, there's no reason I should do that. But they, they, they you know, they got her scared. They got, you know, the cops showed up at her mom's house and her house like 40 times at my mother's house. They put out like a manhunt for me. You know, they, they grabbed you know, me in the road and threw me in jail and, uh, you know, took him off to, uh, you know, you know, when I came back, I was really shocked that they didn't bring him back to uh, his mom or his grandmother's and they kind of just kept him. So in the whole thing started from, you know, me entertaining the idea of letting him go into the public school this year because that's what his grandmother's wanted and that's what his uh, mother wanted. And I said, you know what? I'll do it. I just don't like people sticking needles in his arms. He said vaccinations up till he was age three, and I don't like the new ones. There's mercury and shit in there. I said, you know, if they, you know, they'll they'll let me do a religious waiver, and uh, you know, they'll they'll you know, they'll allow you know certain things to be remain private. And then I said, I'll do it. I, I mean, I'll let you guys do it. And so I was trying to do something good, and then this whole thing fucking snowballed, and now my son is gone, and I'm 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 lost. I'm, I'm fucking lost. It's, it's you know, uh, that's it. That's it in a nutshell. Well, no, you didn't explain why they didn't give it to the mom or the grandma. Oh, oh well, well, the grandma, I don't think... They talked the, the mom into filing for, you know, custody. Um, well, you know, I had had, you know, uh, custody given to me in New Hampshire for from a long time, for 10 years ago, or nine years ago. And so they did talk her into going for it. And what happened was, is that all these years that I've had it, and she hasn't spoken up about anything, she's just kind of let things be the way they are, you know. They said, well, you know, why all of a sudden does she want custody now, right? And so 
they made it look, they perverted it so that they made it look like she was afraid of me, and that's why she hasn't taken any action until all this time. And so when I went in there and I started making property claims, you know, I said, I, you know, I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to be ambushed in your court. You know, I, I, I require a court record in a common law court. And I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a man, and I want, I want my property returned to me, and I want to report a theft. And uh, you know, they basically the, the guy, the man acting as judge there, he, he looked at me at the end of it all and said, he said that, uh, you know, it's clear that this man is not going to follow the rules of my court. That's how he put it. And then he said, uh, and that woman or Amanda, you know, um, although not physically threatened or physically, you know, he kind of made it appear as though I was controlling her by using the, my son. And it was really not the case at all. I mean, I never did that. I've always been like, you know, you should love your mom and, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a mama's boy, you know, I mean, I love my mom, you know. So so the point is, you know, and so he made it look like she was afraid of me, you know, intellectually, uh, you know, in, in that way. And so he's like, so if I give him to her, she's not going to be able to control this man, by the, you know. And so I'm giving the custody to the state. And, you know, I mean, I was... You know, I, I I did the best I could. Yeah, then why uh, did you say I'm? Why you say I'm not looking for you? You say you give the custody to the state. That's fine. Just return my property. Well, I I, I did. I mean, I, I I stood on that as firmly as I could, and I think I think where I screwed up was he asked me, and I just didn't realize he was kind of tricking me. But he asked me. He said, if I give, he said he said, will you let this court, you know, um, you know, and me give her, your property, or your son, I don't know, he said something like that, and I said, I said, I would, um, I would accept you giving my property to her, or me, and that's it, and that's what I told him, but I think at that point in time, I, I gave him, I gave him some authority to do something, and he did what he wanted to do. Right, he says, no, I require to return my property immediately, Bob, you know, Joe, whatever his name is, hey, yeah, Bob. I mean, Hey, Bob, you got my property and where it lies? Give it back. Well, I'm a judge. I don't give a shit. You're a part-time judge. You're always a man. You're a man. I'm a man. Give me back my property. Can I keep your property, Bob? No. It doesn't matter if I'm wearing a crown on my head, does it, Bob? No. you got to give back a man his property. Yeah, and I, you know, we did, I, I did file, uh, you know. You guys talk too much, man. And the judge will say, hey, do you mind if I give custody of this baby over to your wife? You know, will you leave her alone? Will you let him be? Or will you follow the court orders? No. I want court orders. I, I, you know, I don't follow any orders, man. I'm a man. Just give me back my property. Bob, you'll address me as judge. Okay. That's your name, judge? No, I, I told him we were talking man-to-man, and he, you know, he let me address. He didn't have any problem with me addressing him as Kenneth, Kenneth King, but Kenneth. And so, and he was, he was calling, I, I mean, I don't know if he was mocking me. I think he was mocking me. He was calling me Man David. Man David. That's good. No, if there's some calling Man David, that's fine. Call him Man Call. That's fine. I'm not defending Call. I'm Man Call. Well, that's what he, you know, and, and, and he, he also agreed. I said, does this court have jurisdiction over man? And he said, yes. I said, is that your opinion or is that the law? Can you put that in writing for me or swear it under oath? And he said, no. Right. I said, I, he said, I'm not a witness. <clears throat> 
That's right. Like I said, the big thing is when a judge says something like that, he just say, you're a man, and I require you to return my property to your fellow man. If he says, I'm a judge, you say, well, you're acting as a judge. That's true, but you are always a man. God made you a man. You will always be a man, but you won't always be a judge, and you weren't always a judge, but you're always a man. So I'll return my property to your fellow man. I require you to return my property, Bob, or Kenneth, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, so the whole thing went on for about three hours, you know. Bob, it was it was long. Bob, if you don't want to return my property, then just pay me compensation. Then you're gonna to have to compensate me for keeping my property. You know, I require my property. You know, uh, you know, you know, I have a need for my property. I require my property. You, you know, it's my property. I use it. I enjoy it. If you want to use it and enjoy my property, that's fine. Just compensate me. You would turn around and say, well, we don't, you know, use, uh, I, you know. I, I, said, I didn't ask if uh, Lu Fong Wee was in a courtroom. I said, I'm talking to Bob. I'm talking to Kenneth. I'm not asking Lu Fong Wee. I'm not looking for no Chinese guy. I mean, you don't look Chinese, Kenneth. Is that your name, Kenneth Wee? Well, we don't. I'm not, what, some Chinese guy named Mr. Wee in this courtroom? Still there? Yeah, I'm, I'm still here. I'm just trying to, you know, yeah, trying try to wrap, wrap your head around wrap your hand around pronouns. Yeah, that's right. I don't I have no idea what a pronoun is. That's right. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about that the other day, and it made sense what you were saying about the pronouns. Yeah, what's a pronoun? I don't have to know. I'm not a you. I'm not a we. I'm not a he. I'm not a she. Don't call him a man. That's what I am. Other than that, I don't have an ethnic rule. You know, so do I want custody of my kid? Of course not. Most ridiculous thing in the world. You know, I tried in good faith to, uh, when, when when I first heard that. <laughs> well, what if, what if I was the judge and I said, did you want custody of your kid? What would you say? Do I want custody? I would say, no, he's already mine. No, you say, so, uh, the judge would say, look, I'll make it short and sweet. You just tell me yes or no. Do you want me to give you custody or do you want me to give it to the state? Me. But you know, the judge just gives you. I'll give you two seconds to answer me. And I, I would just say, property. return my property to me now. Um, the, like the, I've been, the, like the I've been demanding the whole time. The judge will say, "Sir, I'll give you one more fucking chance." And you're lucky well, see, he I, gives you two chances. He'll ask you one fucking time. Do you want me to give the custody of the state? The, the custody see, of the. Do you? Or do you want me to give the custody of the state? I didn't really intend on giving him any authority it's to give custody. It's going to the state. Fuck you. It's going to the state. Goodbye. Next case. Ask you a simple fucking question. Who do you think wants to listen to your stupid crap? I asked you a question. Yes or no? You want the custody to go to the state or do you want custody? I want custody. Yeah. Do you know what custody means? No. No. So... Why don't you just say, can I have leave of court so I could... Uh, well, I, I, know what it, I know what it means to me. No, why don't you just fuck yourself and just listen to me. Okay? Go busy jerk off somewhere because I ain't got the mute button to shut you the fuck up. Okay? Because if somebody says something to you in open court, why don't you say, hey, uh, sir, I'm going to require leave of court so I go get competent counsel so I can understand what this word custody that you're referring to uh, means because, honestly, I don't know what I want or what I don't want by the means of this word custody or any other word he uses. Is there some
some reason why you can't just say, I'm going to require a leave of court so I could go research this word custody and find out if it's in my best interest? What do you think the judges do all the time when I do crap? Well, somebody else said that. I think this guy Aaron said that to me the other day. He said he was using some words to the judge, and the judge got up and left the courtroom every five seconds to find out what the hell he was talking about. He'd come back into the courtroom. Yeah, that was Aaron saying, right? Yeah, yeah. He did twice. He, I, I just said a couple of simple things, and he'd get up and leave. He'd just, he'd, all right, I'll be right back. <laughs> he got up and go back to the back room and come back in 30, 45 seconds. Yeah, see, this is what I'm trying to say. The judge would go Google it or he'd call up his friend and say, what the hell is this guy going on about? Is there some reason why you can't just tell the judge, I'm going to require a leave of court? How long? I don't know. Give me about five, ten minutes. Why? i got to Google it. i got to Google what the word custody means because honestly, I don't know what the fuck it means. So instead of fucking playing stupid like you do, say, well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take custody. Why don't you say, um, sir, I'm going to require a leave of court. What for? Um, i got to go get competent counsel and find out what this word custody means before I say something that might really hurt me as a kid. Because they say, 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 if you know what custody means, just like, say, you, like custodial or custodian. How about custodian? Let's use the simple word custodian. You know what a custodian is? Yes, I know what custodian means. And now I've now I, I got a sense for what custody means. What, what, what's a custodian? A custodian is entrusted with, uh, you know, the uh, maintenance and, uh, you know, um, upkeep of something. Yeah, the security of the building, right? Like a custodian in high school, he's got the keys. He let the principal in. Mm-hmm. Like Principals might come and go, but the custodian usually is always the same old guy for 50 years, opens mm-hmm. locks the doors, everything, takes down the flag, you know, make sure the boilers don't explode, you know. The custodian guy, the guy who actually runs the damn place. You know, the, 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 the principal is basically the administrator of the personnel, but the custodian actually, like, runs that place. He knows every damn thing about that place. So he's the custodian, right? But any time that he wants to, he could be, he could be replaced instantly, can he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could say, we no longer need your services. we got another custodian to buy. So whoever's mm-hmm. got the authority to replace you as a custodian, obviously you don't want anybody to have control of authority over you being a custodian. So to have to say to the judge, sorry, sir, I, I, I cannot accept such a lovely title of custodian, a custodial parent. I can't, but all I can accept is that I'm a man and you don't require me to return my property, can it? I'm going to hold you liable because you're, you know, you're, you're a, a, you know, what they call it is accomplice after the fact. I recorded a theft, and now you're an accomplice after the fact of a theft. You know, I, I reported a theft. I could prove that my child was stolen from me, was taken and carried off, and you, you're an accessory after the fact. So I'm going to hold you liable. So you just go ahead and keep playing whatever game you want to play, Kenneth, and I'll go over to the civil side and I'll play my game. But you just carry on here in this family court doing whatever nonsense you want to play with over here. But I'm going to get you for an accessory after the fact for reported theft. And you didn't report it, and you didn't return my property, and you know where it lies. So go ahead, Kenneth, and keep playing your little game. And I'm going to go play my game. And I'll see you in court in, you know, in 22 days, Kenneth, after you properly serve. I'll have you serve tomorrow. Have a nice day, Kenneth. Shit like that. But that's because you don't know the fucking words. And you're trying oh, to play a word game with No, I don't. Clowns. You're right. And you're trying to play a word game with these clowns. And you're going to get slaughtered. I mean, you know, when I was, when he was first born, I mean, you know, and I got custody, I never really gave much of a consideration. I always thought it's just because I, you know, he was with me. When he was first born. When he was first birth. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. 
you were born to his mama. Okay, you born to his mama's womb. Okay, born means to drill a hole. Okay, you born. He was born the moment, and then he was conceived. The moment of conception was slightly after the moment he born to his mama. Okay, so he was born after you stuck it in him. Okay, conception. Okay, he was birth. His birth is when he was delivered out into the world. So you weren't with him since the moment he was born. You were with him since the moment of his birth. Okay? Okay. Does it make sense? So I wasn't with him from the moment he was born, but I was with him from the moment he was birthed? Is that what That's you said? Birth, like birth into a harbor, birth into a port, yeah. birth into a crater. Yeah. Birth. He was placed out of his mom, and he entered into the world. He was birthed. Right. I mean... Yeah, I mean, he was probably... Well, I guess that's why I'm just trying to tell you. Uh, if if I'm sitting in a judge, and I actually know, like, judges probably love playing crossword puzzles, and there are probably guys like me who love playing crossword puzzles, and I'm extremely good at playing crossword puzzles. We're just listening to people like you said, he's with him since the moment he was born. Oh, so somehow you got impregnated, huh? Okay. And I'm, I'm a judge, and I'm just looking at somebody like you, I'm looking down and say, oh, so, you know, you're like these German dads who carry the babies from the moms because they're too lazy to do it themselves. Okay, right. They've been doing it since the 1970s. Yeah, men have been, you know, been impregnated because their wives are too lazy. Okay. So you've been carrying this one, you know, baby in since the moment he was born. Okay. Okay. Really? Okay. So I was looking at you like, you don't have an effing clue what you're talking about. And I know a judge, I give you the benefit of the doubt. I say, oh, okay, okay. It means basically since the baby breathed there. Okay, so I'll let you slide on this word born. And then you'll start playing words like, I want custody of my kid. Oh, really? You want to give me, you want me to give you permission to keep your own damn property? Isn't that special? So you're going to allow me to give you custody? Isn't that special? You know, so the church is just going to say, oh, my God, this guy's a baloney to him. That's so someone I like, but, but you sound like 100% of the other guys who step before him every day. You don't sound like anything different than any other man that was raised in this culture and society. You sound exactly like everybody else. So then when I see a clown like me come up, like I did the other day with a uh, trailer on the back of my truck and I wouldn't put a tag on it, and I, finally I got stopped by the state police, not a town or county cop, and I went to court over it. The, the, the judge just said, well, wait a second, this address where you live is a farm. He said, I know where you live. I said, yeah, that's right, it's a farm. He said, well, you use the, the truck or the trailer for farm use? I said, yep. He says, you know, you don't have to have a tag on it because it's a farm vehicle. Just tell me it's a farm vehicle and you'll uh, walk away. I'll dismiss the case. I said, oh, absolutely not. He said, I will not swear that it's a farm use vehicle. He says, why not? I said, because I don't have to tell you or any other man on the planet Earth what my property is or what it isn't. And what I use my property for or I don't use my property for. And I said, I'll be damned if I'm going to start explaining that every man, every woman, every guy with a badge, everybody in a robe, what I'm doing and do, not doing my property. I said, it's none of your business what I'm doing with my property. I said, I require this court take this matter across the street into a court of record. I said, we're going to settle this once and for all. Is this a traffic issue or is this a matter of property and property of man and what the government can and cannot do with the man's property? So, I mean, I guarantee I, was, I know I was because I was there. I was the only one in court that said anything like that that day. Everybody just was, oh, I'm guilty. I was speeding because I was kind of pissed at my girlfriend or I was drunk or I was late for the uh, beauty of Paul or I had to go to a doctor's appointment. I was late for work. All kinds of bullshit. 
I said, I'll be damned if I'm going to explain what I'm going to do with my property. I said, that's my property. And I said, at least there's no breach of the peace. I said, and I, you know, I said, I, I required the for a court of record. And he says, you know, this was a traffic. This is, this pertains to traffic. I said, sir, I was not trafficking anything. I said, I was taking my property from here to there, from point A to point B, in any manner I wished, in whatever purpose I wished to convey it. And I said, it's none of this concern of you or this man or any other man on planet Earth, unless there's a breach of the peace. And there was no breach of the peace. I said, I require that this matter lie before a court of record. He said, that's across the street. I said, I know, I already said that. Let's take this to a court of record and get this settled once and for all. And the state government told him, <laughs> I do with this property. And can a man, another man, tell another man what he can and cannot do with his property without a breach of peace? I said, let's just get this settled once and for all. So he said, well, there's nothing I could do until you plead guilty or not guilty. I said, I owe no debt to no man. I said, and I know the word guilt and I know the word debt are the same. So I owe no debt. I have no guilt. So if you want to put down a no guilt, put down a no guilt because I owe no debt to this traffic court because I was not trafficking. So let's settle this across the street in circuit court. For a court of record. He says, you'll get your court of record you know, in uh, 60 days. He says, that works for me. So in 60 days, will be December 17th. And the first thing I did is I walked across the street and I said to them, oh, I'm going to require video cameras, audio cameras. I need a stenographer and a transcriber I'm going to bring in. I'm going to pay for them myself. And they said, but this is just a traffic matter. We just, sometimes we record it, but we don't have a stenographer. I said, no, 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 no. You don't understand what I said. I'm going to bring my court into this court. I said, it's not going to be a traffic matter. It's going to be a court of claims, as well as a traffic matter is going to be heard at the same time. I said, I'm bringing my court in. I'm like, what do you mean? I said, well, here you go. And I played the YouTube video of me on the Brian Garrison show. So they seen the UK column being started up. I said, that's me on TV. I said, I teach people law. I teach people all over the world law. So we're going to have a nice video camera going on here. We're going to have audio going on. I'm going to have a stenographer. I'm going to have a transcriber. We're going, to make a, we're going to make a show out of this. I said, I'm going to show it. He said, well, I don't, the, the head court clerk lady came downstairs because I went against this judge um, seven, eight years ago. His name is um, Ludwig. And I taught him the difference between legal and lawful. And I know he remembers me because when I sued the court clerk six years ago, and he realized, I said, he, when we went for precipice day, and I was sitting in his office, and uh, again, it was like pre-trial, they call it, the rest of the world in Virginia called Presby Day, and you sit in the judge's chambers. You know, you, you get called in at twelve o'clock, and somebody else get called in twelve fifteen. Somebody else goes twelve thirty. So I showed up whatever twelve o'clock, and uh, I sit in the judge's chambers, and the judge says to me, "How long do you think it's going to take you to move your court?" I said, "I don't know, give me fifteen twenty minutes." And then uh, the, the, they call up the I was suing, since I was suing the court clerk over at district court. He was holding circuit court. Um, they called up the attorney general of the state had to be on that three-way phone call. And they asked the attorney general, how long do you think it would take for the Commonwealth, the state, to move that case against me? And they said, you know, give us 20 minutes as well. And the judge said, fine, we'll schedule it in 30 days. You know, we'll make it an hour or whatever, like uh, December 11th. And I said, okay, that's fine. And then the judge says, uh, is there anything else you need? And I said, well, yeah, I'd like to record this. He says, what for? I said, you know, because it's, uh, I do like a little, um, I'm teaching people how to do law. And he's like, oh, okay. Said, don't you remember, sir? I said, don't you remember a couple of years ago? He says, no, I don't remember you. I said, remember I'm the man who drove backwards, went through stop signs, failed to signal, you know, 
reckless driving, wouldn't stop when the cop put his lights on. He's like, no, I don't remember. I said, remember, I'm the man who taught you from the difference between legal and lawful. And he's like, oh, oh, I remember you. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, I'm going to have to recuse myself. I said, why? I said, at least I know you already know the difference between legal and lawful. And what that lady did, though it might be legal, it is totally unlawful. I said, and you would be the best judge of her because you're her equal, you're a peer of her. So you, better than anybody else, would know what she did was unlawful. She interfered in my right to access this public building. I said, so? I said, you'll be perfect. He says, no, no, I've known her for 30 years. I worked with her for many years. She's a lovely lady. I said, hey, I'm telling you, she's a fantastic lady. She's dynamite. She's the best lady in the world. She was my neighbor. I'm sure we'd have barbecue every day. But when she goes to work and denies me access to this public building, that's wrong. I said, now, we could be great neighbors and great friends, but she better not deny my access to this building. And she did. She would not take my paperwork. I said, it's over. I said, she will do it from now on. And then uh, I said, I have no problem sitting on and staying and judging this matter. I think you're great. You know her personally for 30 years. You, you are a peer. You are her equal. You know better than anybody else that what she did was wrong. You, better than anybody else, is going to tell her that what she did was wrong. So what was funny is uh, I said to the, uh, I said to the, uh, he said, no, I'm going to refuse myself. I said, hey, Attorney General, yeah. You got a problem with this judge staying on? He's like, no, he sounds great. I said, yeah, he's fantastic. He says, no, no, I really got to go. I, I can't, I can't do this. I can't. She's my friend. I said, no, you got to do this to your friend. This is what friends do to each other. You got to set her straight. He says, no, no, I really got to recuse myself. I said, no, 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 come on, this is gonna be fun, quick and easy. This ain't gonna take long. Twenty minutes, I'll be done. He's like, no, no, you got to have to get another judge. So then, every judge I tried to get in that county, they all recused themselves. They wouldn't do it. He must have called everybody up and said, don't do this case. Don't this guy will kick our ass. Don't do it. So I could never get my day in court against her. So I got smart this time. I'm waiting until they got a charge against me. Now they got a charge against me. They have to appear. And even if they want to withdraw the case because they tried to call me three times this week, and I guarantee you was trying to say, well, it's only verified. I'll take, you know, we, we thought about it, and, you know, we got better things to do, so we'll just let it go. No, no way. You're going to pursue me. Because, see, a defendant has the right to be pursued. So even if they want to dismiss it, I can refuse to let it be dismissed, and I'm going to refuse to let it be dismissed. Say, no, you started this fight. You want to finish it. We're going to finish it to the bitter end. At one time in my life, $35 determined whether or not I ate that week. Uh, now that I got some money, $35 still to me is whether I'm going to eat food or not that week. You're not going to take food off my plate. Not one penny's worth of food. You're going to steal from me ever again. We're going to take this one to the end. I said, there was no breach of the peace. I said, if there was a breach of the peace, I'd pay my $35 and I'd take my lumps and go on. But there was no breach of the peace. There was no community standards in which I violated. I said, I understand the rules of the society. And as long as there's no breach of peace, you've got to let me be. I said, and there's no man or woman that's going to ever come here and make a complaint that I was driving around without a tag on the back of my trailer. No man or woman would ever be that petty to say, hey, you know what? You got around without a tag on the back of that trail. That was really disturbing to me. You know, my, I, my children couldn't sleep for a week. It, it ain't going to happen. So, and besides, it's your law. Your law says all vehicles shall have a license plate. Shall's a future tense word. You know, and I know, man, you're trained at the academy that you have no power over man nor his property, yet you still do it anyway. So what you're doing is what they legally and lawfully call as the word is wrong with deliberate and wanton 
intent. You set out to steal people's property. And you know it's wrong. You do it anyway. So I said, this is going to stop. I said, I'm Mr. Man. Who's going to stand in court and stop it? Yes. I said, I can't. I said, it, it, it's so bothersome to me to have you guys call me up on the show and say, well, Carl, I tried this shit in court and I couldn't. I said, well, you know what? Just, just watch what I do. You know, I like doing, I like doing my own damn cases because of you guys are so frustrating. It's like, well, why didn't you just say this? That's the next thing you should have said. Well, gee, I didn't know about. Well, gee, that's why I don't like helping people in court, unless I'm standing there behind the behind them pulling their string, talking like a mannequin. It's totally fine. I spent five weeks with Bali. I mean, all he did was pull a rabbit out of the hat. Pull a rabbit. I said, do the next trick. Now I said, saw the lady in here. What? Make the make, make the quarter disappear. What? Do the next trick. He just kept saying, I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm not a president. I'm a man. I'm a man. Dude, they're going to reschedule this for six months. Dude, just pull the next rabbit out of the hat. Just see you're guilty. What? See you're guilty. Let's get on with this. I'm, I don't want to say, oh, shut the fuck up. And I had to jump up. And I said, yeah, the man known as Bravo's man. The person that you seek is the this court. Yes. The person you seek for a first-hand testimony in the work that the, this person is uh, legally guilty. Yeah, and Bobby's like, you throw me on the bus, I'll shut the fuck up, you asshole. I got this. Just sit down and shut the fuck up. You know, so the judge was like, uh, well, you know, and what do you know of this matter? I've been with this man for five weeks. So I know that this man, the person who knows Bobby, and it's the court, what the court seeks, yes, that he's not a person with legal society. So, yes, legally he's guilty, but no, he's done no wrong. And his case needs to be discharged in its entirety immediately. He said, well, come forth, you know, introduce yourself. Then I did. But I was like, come on, Bobby, pull the next rabbit out of the hat. But even Gus said that to me. I said, Gus, did you just go up there and say I was freaking guilty? And he's like, no, man, that's scary. See, of course it's scary, you know, to say, um, you know, I might be legally guilty, but I bear no loss to harm and you get it. And as far as I know, this is still a common law land, right? Right? This, this, isn't, this isn't France, right? I said that three times, three different times, man. I said like eight, and like I said it like ten o'clock in the morning, and like two in the afternoon, and like three o'clock in the afternoon. I said three different times. I said, wait a second. Every time we came back from break and uh, anything had to be said in court, I said, wait a second, wait a second. We're still in, uh, we're still in England, right? We're still in the UK. We're still in the common law land, right? We're not in France. This, this court has a transfer you know, jurisdiction and venue. We're still amongst the common law, the common land of England, UK. We're still here. Yeah, okay, good. I just want to make sure. Because if we had a change of venue, a change of jurisdiction, I'm wasting the court's valuable uh, limited time and resources in which it has. So I just want to make sure we're still in England, right? This is a little land of the common law, right? This is still the land of the man, right? Okay, good. Okay, got it. Let's continue. Just making sure, because, you know, I'm from the United States. So I get jet lag, whatever, you know. I kind of lose where I'm at sometimes. Just making sure. We're not France. We're not, you know, not, this ain't no Napoleonic code, right? Yeah, okay, good. And let's continue. Like I said, it's a lot easier for me to just, like I said, with Bali stuff, man, I just winged it. What do you think? I wrote out a script. You think I said, oh, boy, now when the judge says this, I do this. What are you kidding me? The judge could have went anywhere. He could have hit that tennis ball all over the damn court. You know, he could have underhand, overhand, backspin, you know, put a backspin on it. I don't know what the hell this guy's got up his sleeves. But you better know the damn words when you walk in there. Or they're going to kick the crap out of you. You know, like I said to people a lot of times, just put in a little simple claim, but you got to put in a claim like Bali did. Now, Bali's claim was, I think it was eight words. Was it eight words or 11 words? I don't know, it's tiny. And that's enough. You know, just stand on that claim and don't say another damn thing. 
you know, and I just keep it simple. You know, that's my property. Can't give it back. You wish to keep it, compensate me. I don't care. You want to use it and enjoy it? Fine. Give me a dollar a second. It's only 80,000 seconds in the day, 80,400 seconds in the day. Keep them every day. I don't care. Just compensate me. You wish to keep them? Keep them. He's a good kid. He's worth every penny. Watch how fast they say he ain't worth that much. Well, then just give him back. A lot of fun. So when's that laptop coming in the mail? <laughs> yeah. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, send it uh, tomorrow. Actually, should have it probably in the next couple of days. I had to get a new. Um, Are you gonna through Santa Claus the sled on Sunday? Works on Sunday. No, it was in my van, and they had well, my I, van. It was like my mom tells me when she says you're gonna mow the lawn. I said yeah, tomorrow. And then she wakes me up at eight o'clock, and I said she said you said you're gonna mow the lawn tomorrow. Well, mom, I said tomorrow <laughs> today. That's what my mom says too. <laughs> yeah, you ain't you ain't doing me, are you? No, but, no, I'm serious. I'm, I, you know, if I say something, I mean it. It's just a, I had to get it back. I, mean, I wouldn't would have bought you except that you've got three of them, you know, I could definitely use one, you know, so. No, I just got to take my shit off of it because I was I using. Just leave it on whatever, man. I need a three USB port thing just so I could um, instantly Skype. You know, when I had to do that Canada trial, I had to sit by my stupid computer from 5 during the morning till 2 during the morning. If I had a damn laptop. I could have at least taken it outside, done my stuff out, because they had elevator music on, like Girl of Ipanema music on for like seven hours. I was listening to crap. Nine hours. I was listening to crap for nine hours. There's elevator music for nine freaking hours. You know, honestly, I'm real happy to send it to you. Just give me a couple of days. I got to take the crap off and get it in the mail for you. I got a bag in it. I got a bag for it, too. And I, I just had to buy it because they, they, they gave me my property back, but it was missing my missing the charger. So... Yeah, yeah, but I don't care. Like I said, like this guy came from Ohio, man. He ain't got no money. I'm actually going to pay him money to go back home and, you know, pay him money to hang out here and work with me, you know, but he's got... No, I mean, but I, I know you're going to use it to help people, so that makes me feel good. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not asking you to give me, uh, you know, like a diamond ring or something like that. No. You got any jewelry laying around? Yeah, give me a, give me a silver fucking necklace because I look real cool in silver, you know. No, I'm definitely going to... I'm I'm definitely saying uh, tomorrow... Yeah, like Jimmy Lynn gave me a printer, you know. I said to them, I said, it's funny. They misunderstood me. Two guys sent me printers. They misunderstood me. I said, I got to print my dictionary out someday. And the next thing I know, man, I get these two huge printers coming in the mail. I mean, they're still in a box, brand new. I haven't opened them. And I was like, no, no, guys, no, print my, I mean, like a publishing company. I said, no, no, this book is huge. I said, no, uh, I, I got almost 4,000 words in this thing. No, no, I'm not going to sit there and print it out with it. No, I don't know what kind of book you guys think I got. I said, no, no, no. I said, but thanks for sending the printers, but it's funny. I didn't want to show like that. And I said, I need, you know, I need to get this thing printed. So people actually literally sent me printers. So it's pretty funny. Cause like I said, I haven't been able to do it. Oh, it's so funny. Uh, the reason why I'm bugging this guy about this laptop is was, uh, two hurricanes came through here about, I don't know, five weeks ago now. And uh, we got massive rain. We got about 14 inches of rain. So I thought a very good idea was to wrap my laptop in a towel and stick it in a dryer that I haven't used in years. So I figured that was a good idea. <laughs> I figured it would be nice and you, not, no humidity would get at it. And uh, I figured I was, you know, and I've lit right out the storm. Well, I didn't realize, I guess, all the clothes has got, like, mixed static in that thing, and there must have been a magnetic field inside of that dryer, even though it wasn't on for years, and I opened it up, and it was black. I mean, I hit it on, and it just made a couple of funny little dots across the screen, and it went black. I was 
couple of years ago. And I got the power to work, and um, and I plugged in the hard drive for the um, laptop into the USB port, and it, and it recognized it, so I was able to pull all the stuff off of the hard drive, thank God. You know, but now it's just, uh, it'd be a lot easier just to have a, just a cheap-ass laptop just to plug the hard drive and get back on my day. But I wanted to get a cheap laptop that had a 0.3 or 3.0 USB port because uh, it makes it a lot easier for, like, video to, to do, like, a... Uh, yeah, this one's this one's got a uh, HDMI port, too, like an output as well. So if you, like, wanted to hook it up to a, uh, a bigger screen with the audio, you can do that, too. It's, pretty, it's not bad. I like it. Yeah, right. I said that to somebody, too. I said I need a projector so when I go on a road, I could do projectors of these um, the seminars. So somebody sent me a projector, which was great. I mean, not a, it didn't cost a fortune. If there's 100 bucks on eBay, that's probably a lot of money with the guy. But he actually bought it on eBay and sent me it. So it was hooray. You know, it's like, so when I ask people, hey, you got something laying around like a projector? Oh, I got, I already got like the uh, screens for it. Oh, yeah, I also picked up a whiteboard, man, a, 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 a computerized whiteboard. I got it, like, on an auction site for 50 bucks. I'm brand new there, like, $1,100. So, uh, you know, you got to hook up a projector to it, and people all over the world can uh, interact with the whiteboard, you know. Yeah, those things are nice, the computerized ones. Right, right. If you've got a touchscreen laptop, you could actually, like, be doing stuff on my whiteboard from, like, Japan. Wow, that's neat. Yeah, so that's what I'm trying to do, so I don't have to leave home anymore. So if somebody from, like, I got a man from Japan. Well, now he's a, uh, you know, it's funny. The man from Cambodia called me up today, too, so that was pretty nice. But that's what I'm saying, so I don't have to deal with people. I don't have to fly to Cambodia. I don't want to go to Cambodia. But if you get to a uh, touchscreen laptop, you know, then we can interact on a whiteboard and stuff, then it's going to be fantastic. Right. Um, well, this, this... This laptop's not touchscreen, but it's it's pretty nice. But it's, it's light. At least it's getting there. So maybe somebody else yeah. gets the show. Somebody will send me a touchscreen laptop, you know? Yeah, That's I mean, what we have to do is talk about this stuff on the show. And people uh, got, I'm, like, you, got, you had three of them laying around. I mean, if it was your only one, I obviously want to say, hey, give me the only one you got. I mean, no, I have, I have a couple of them, you know? So I just, what I need is an address, though. I, I'm looking at the site, and I can't seem to find it. What, on my broadmind.org? Yeah. It's right there. It should be right on the top. It should say, uh, the contact me. It should be posted over the box for 40 Lexington, Virginia. Well, I have a, I, I have the, um, like, let me see. Let me just look at this here. On the bottom, you mean? At the very bottom? No, it's not at the bottom. And, actually, let me the, see. The man, the man Aaron's saying here, it's at the top. It's at the top? Yeah, it's like it says the time of the show starts. You know. hey, go to Google and put Carl Lentz contact. Oh, yeah, that's what you said. Go to Carl Lentz, Google the word contact. Carl Lentz contact. Okay, well, I mean, there's a contact form on the site, but it's it just gives you the form. It doesn't list your, you know. All right, let me yeah. try and Google. That's what's funny. That's how this man in West Virginia found me. He said he just put in the name Carl Lentz uh, contact, and it popped up my phone number. And, no, 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 hell no. When that easy. Does Gus, does Gus have it? Because he can, he could Skype it over to me or something. Um, and that way I can send it off. Because I, oh, I can't see if 
I, I can't seem to find the P.O. box. You want me to send it to the P.O. box, right? Yeah, it's, uh, like I said, I know it's on my webpage. It's on the front page. It's like, you know. Well, I see an email here, and I see some, um, well, this is the, I don't see, I don't see an address. Yeah, the man's starting up his computer right now. Google Carl Lentz P.O. box. <laughs> yeah, he's probably saying Google Carl Lentz P.O. box. That was probably it. All right, let me try it. Yeah, he said it's that easy to find me, he said. And that's what I'm saying. There's funny people all over the world just uh holy shit, you like you actually answer your phone. It's like, well, as I'm you know, I was raised as a little white kid and little white kids in this society when the phone rings they answer it. <laughs> yeah. Said, what do you think I was gonna do? Wear it as a hat, I hear the phone rings, I wanna put it on my head right. and wear it as a hat. I I found it. Oh, okay. Yep, I got it. Although that's weird. It comes up on the Google but it doesn't Maybe it's because I'm using like a, 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 a browser that doesn't allow scripts, so it's not high, it's just not showing it. All right, no no big deal. I just I use this, this browser called uh, Tor. Uh, it's uh, torproject.org, and it's it's just kind of cool because if you it allows you to do anonymous surfing about as anonymous. This is what they call onion routing, and it's a really cool technology that, that gives people, you know, uh, if you want to surf the internet anonymously, this is a, probably the best way to do it. Oh, you know, wow. Yeah, you just download it, it's free. Um, but it was, you know, the techn the kind of technology is it uses these relays where you, you know, it takes you out and then it the relays hook you up through like, you know, wherever you are, you go out to like Germany, England, and every time you, you, you load it up, it creates a new relay. So, you know, wherever you're surfing from, you know, they're all about, they have a whole, it's a, it's like a, you know, kind of, you know, uh, what do you call it, open source kind of project where they uh, are just trying to create more uh, anonymity for people's privacy on the Internet. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's funny is it says, uh, yeah, I see what it says right here, right about the picture of me and uh, all those people at the end of the seminar in England. It right above it says email address, quarterbargain.gmail.com. Mail address is called in the box, hopefully that can be on the first page, yeah. That yeah, it's it's uh yeah, I got it. I found it now. So it was funny too is um um when you were saying that about the computer and security, it's funny. I, I hope the government is monitoring every single thing I say and watching every single thing I do. You know, I, I really do. I, I'm I'm one of these guys who uh, I've always been like open source when I worked with Sony and Dell when they asked us to put stop putting passwords on our computers, we were like, why? Then we can't, if we have a question, we can't get into the other guy's computer to see if he's got the answer. You know, we're going to have to actually walk over there and say, hey, buddy, what the hell is the answer to this? You know, so we all have to start putting our own passwords on our own computers. And I understood why, because some guys are just getting on the Internet playing video games all day, so they wanted to monitor whose computer was, you know, playing video games all day when everybody else was working. But, I mean, it felt weird that they asked us to put passwords on. So obviously everybody who worked there, we all just put the word password on our passwords so everybody could just go into everybody's computer. So we never even thought about uh, uh, security. You know, everything was peer-to-peer. -peer. Everything over the us was open source back in the 90s because it was such a new invention. The Internet was so much fun. It so was never, fun. Yeah, we never thought about people. Uh, like everything was news groups back then. I mean, news groups were fan I don't know if you remember news groups, but holy shit, they were so yeah. much fun. Like you I mean, that. When, when the email first came out, you could just send everybody emails, and today it's considered spam, you know, but, but back then it was just fun. I mean, you would like, wow, I sent a whole bunch of people, you know, 
it was so so new, the novelty of it. But then, I was with people in Korea and Germany every day. It was a lot of fun in Finland. I mean, we had a blast. I mean, you know, it's so cool to be able to, uh, you know, talk to people all over the world and share files. It was fantastic. Yeah, then, it's true. The passwords came along. What the fuck's a password? It made no sense to us. You know, why would we want to block people from taking stuff out of our computer? Well, I just you think it's a whole corporate thing, you know. Right, if you got some stuff, send it to me, you know. If I got some stuff, well, hell, I'll leave it on all night, you know. You see my lights on my computer flipping on around 4 o'clock in the morning. It's like, I guess somebody got from Korea woke up. You know, it's whatever, you know. He's like, who cares? You know, and then all of a sudden, everybody gets all paranoid. Good about me working for something else. Well, it, it got so it got, it got very corporatized, you know, and then it also, you know, so like I mean, like if you wanted to surf anonymously, you might want to do it not so much because you're afraid like the government's watching or whatever, but you know, like all the corporations want to market to you, and they kind of they kind of study your or surveillance, you know, for marketing purposes, they surveillance your behavior. Yeah, to me it doesn't bother me not at all because, like I said, you know, made it harder to find your number on purpose. Was that? Uh, no. Oh, no. What's funny is that. Uh, <laughs> no, what's funny is this guy showed me something on my website. No, but what I'm saying about when when it was back then when it first started the internet, but that it was a lot of fun because um, uh, we uh, all knew don't ever get any kind of like security protection like Norton's or um, what's the other one? Uh, McAfee, because when we were working at Sony and Dell, all of a sudden this antivirus started coming around, and customers would call us up all the time and say, Hey, I got a virus on my computer. It's like, Why did you have the same stuff on your computer that you know Sony or Dell originally put on it? If you don't let download any programs, and they were like, Yeah, and it's like, uh, Do you have any antivirus stuff on it? It's like, Yeah, well, I said, I guess your renewal, uh, your 30 day renewal or 60 day or one year renewal. Uh, ran out. And they were like, well, yeah. I said, well, just pay the $50. You owe Mr. McAfee or Mr. Norton and your computer will come right back on. They're like, what? I said, the reason why you got all these uh, is because of um, you bought this antivirus stuff and they're the ones giving you the damn virus because you won't pay them the damn subscription fees. I said, so that's, you're getting a virus from this company that you're buying the antivirus stuff from. So because it was funny, we'd get like you know, 100 phone calls a day, and like 60 of them were antivirus problems. It's like, you bought McAfee, right, okay, and you let your subscription run out, right? Yeah. Well, just pay them the damn 50 bucks. Or just wipe out your whole computer entirely, and we'll just start from fresh, but don't put no more damn antivirus stuff on it. McAfee, the guy McAfee, he's, that's actually his name. Okay. Yeah, he actually got busted for doing it telling people this antivirus stuff and he was the one giving them the viruses after the 60 days when they didn't pay him whatever 50 bucks or 100 bucks to keep their computer alive he shut their computer down until they, get, until they got paid and then he became a billionaire you know he's a brilliant I mean you know brilliant but cruel and evil whatever but you know you know you were dumb enough to put his you know antivirus stuff on there well you better pay him you know every year when you're supposed to he will shut you down you know that's like uh, you know when 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 there's when when the, the, there's no fires right, and the fireman's afraid he's going to get laid off. <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. Well, what, <laughs> what it is, what you got to do? Well, what happens with the firemen? It, it's kind of cool what they do with them. Is if if they move up in ranking depending on how many fires they go fight. So if they only fight one fire a year, it's going to take them forever to be a lieutenant. 
for a captain. But if they get to 20, 30 fires a year, <clears throat> they move up quicker. It's just like police. They don't say police have, what do they call those, um, quotas. But quotas, yeah. Obviously, you move up in rank depending on how many felony arrests you have. So everybody who's got one seat of pot, you try to make it a felony arrest. Imagine that. Yeah. Right, so that way you get a guy who's got one pot seat on him. Well, that's a felony because it's within 100 yards of the school. Yay. You know, and then that way you don't have to really go get a real felon who just, like, shot up a school full of school kids and he's got a machine gun and you arrest him. Yeah, great, you got a felony on that guy. whoop you do I mean, you know, it, it almost took out your life because you had to come after a guy who had a machine gun. The other one, you got a hippie on a street corner, you know, with a pot seat in his pocket. Oh, good, that's a felony arrest. I'm going to move up in rank quick. So they, they get they get promoted depending on how many felony arrests they have. It's not so much quota, you know, it's more like quality than quantity. If you get felonies, that's quality that's quality arrests. Yeah, it's so the same thing with the virus companies, you know. They want they, you know, business is slow, we're gonna make some more you know. Right, so they try to this kid could have right. this kid could have uh, a pot seat in his pocket, man, you know, but he's a hundred yards near a school school crossing or something like that or three hundred feet from a church. And that's a felony. You know, so this poor kid has got to go deal with a felony conviction on his ass for the rest of his life because this cop wanted to move up to be a lieutenant that much quicker. <laughs> yeah, like that's when, a... when I went to traffic court the other day, there was like six cops in there. Five of them only had like two or three people they gave tickets to for the month. This guy that pulled me over, it was funny. There must have been close to 100 people that he gave wow. tickets to in a month. Yeah, the other five cops had about three or four people, and then they were out of there. He was the last one to go. That cop was the last one to leave. Because it's like, wow, look at all these people left. And then I realized, huh, there's only one cop left. So look at all these people. This building's still full. And then when he went, I realized, holy cow, this guy, you know, because they did everything by Alfred and Lord. I was like, wow, he got five A's, you know, three people started with B, you know, seven people with letter C. I was like, holy crap. This guy's this guy's a busy boy. This guy wants to move up ranking quick. So it's like, man, what a bad day that he he arrested me. Uh, yeah, well, it actually says arrest on the on a, on a thing. And he pulled me over. Oh, it was so funny. When he pulled me over, I stopped dead in the middle of the road. It was funny as hell. I didn't pull over. I stopped. Because, uh, and he didn't even ask me. He didn't even ask me, can you pull over? I said, I'm under arrest. Am I not? Because he would have said yes. I said, then I'm not making any move in which they would warrant you to uh, say that I'm resisting arrest. I am, st- I am not moving an inch. I said, I'm staying right here. So he didn't bother asking me. You know, would you pull over and get us out of the road? No way. I'm under, I'm saying, I am under arrest. You could pull this vehicle over, but I ain't pulling over. I'm under arrest. I said, I'm under, no way. You know, I wouldn't, no way he was going to move. It was so funny. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, if, hey, well, I'm under arrest, I'm under arrest. And it actually says that on the citation. It says location of the stop. It says whatever, Highway 340. It says location of the arrest. It said same. So it's like, holy. Yes, this man actually admitted he arrested. Yes, I'm going to get him for a false arrest. Oh, yes, this is going to be good. I didn't need a arrest, but he gave me one anyway. He's already had the jurisdiction authority to do it. Maybe under a traffic, you know, code. But the only problem is that it's a motor vehicle act. So where does this traffic code come from? You know, the judge said to me, well, this is a, you know, this is a traffic matter. So I'm not trafficking anything. So, I mean, how do you answer something like that when the judge says this is a traffic matter? I said, sir, I wasn't trafficking anything. You didn't hear the judge say, oh, yes, you were. Oh, yeah, really? What was I trafficking? 
You know, so it stopped right there. See, I shot the ball over the net, and he just let it die. This guy said, this is a traffic man. I said, I'm not trafficking anything, sir. And he just let it die. I said, as a matter of fact, this is a matter of uh, the property of a man. And if another man can tell another man what he can do with his property. And I said, it's going to be even funnier if the government can prove that they can control a man or tell a man what he can and cannot do with his property. This is a property issue that's before this court. There's nothing to do with traffic. He said, well, this is a trafficking matter. I said, well, I'm not trafficking anything. I said, you tell me what I'm trafficking. He says, well, we'll hold this over for a court of record. He said, that'd be lovely. If the court's are at least convenient, I'd appreciate it. That was December 17th. So hopefully I'll get done doing all that traveling stuff in November, and I'll be getting ready to do this this, tra- this court. I'm sure it's probably going to take months just for me to get that damn camera into that damn courtroom. I'm going to have to make a claim that that's a public building. I'm a public. I'm bringing my camera with me. I'm moving my court into this building. I'm sure it's going to take months just to get a camera into that damn room. We're going to find out, but, you know, i got plenty of time. I want to come back here to Virginia and, you know, do what i got to do and relax a little bit and take this to court, you know, and bring this court thing, you know, like everybody keeps saying to me. Oh, how do we know any of this stuff's true? Oh, I got the cops. Um, security, uh, I got the man's, um, what do they call those? Business cards. The, my, the, the policeman that I beat back in 2008. His name is Michael Rome. <laughs> and this son of a bitch, he doesn't look like he aged one day in seven years, man. He looks great still. He actually looks younger than I remember seeing him. And that's what I told him. I, I went up to the uh, sheriff's department, and I went up to the window, and um, I hadn't been there since 2008. And I said to him, I said, is there an officer named Michael? I don't remember his last name. And I described him. I said, blonde hair, little mustache, beard, kind of goatee thing going on. And they were like, Michael Rowan? I said, that sounds right. I said, he's like a deputy? He's like, well, no, he's um, an investigator. I said, okay, man, I guess he moved up. He's a real good guy. He's real smart. I said, can you tell him Carl Lentz is out here? And she said, who? I said, she, I said Carl Lentz. She says, I remember that name. So I was like, that's pretty cool. That you're, I said, that's pretty cool. You remember my name from seven years ago. She said, yeah, I remember you. <laughs> she said, let me see if he's around. I brought my little brother Frankie up there. So, uh, because I was telling my little brother, Frankie, how I dealt with the court, you know, he, I guess he didn't believe me. So I brought him up there to meet the, uh, the sheriff, the deputy, you know, while he's investigating that. So he met Michael, and Michael came out, and we started talking, and it took him a little bit. And he, he was trying to make believe like he didn't remember. He's like, remember I'm the only guy that you ever lost? He was like, I remember losing. I said, remember? And then we started talking, and he started laughing. He's like, yeah, I remember you. I said, man, I talk about you on the radio show all the time. I tell you, you're the greatest court enforcement officer I ever went up against in court. I said, you're better than any video camera I've ever been up against. I said, man, you picked out details that video camera probably wish it picked out. The, the elevation, the, the direction of the wind, uh, the clarity of the sky, you know, how how many distances feet you could see. I said, true. I said, man, you were fantastic. I said, man, I go to video cameras, but buddy, you were a hell of a witness for the state. I said, you were great. I said, you know, and we, we just kept talking, you know, out in the lobby. And, uh, you know, he was laughing. I was laughing about it. And eventually he gave me his business card. You know, like, if you got a problem, just give me a call. I said, yeah, that's no problem. See, that's what I'm saying. Even though you could go up against a cop seven years ago, you could still laugh and joke about it, you know, how much fun it was to go in court. And uh, he was pissed off at me. He wasn't angry. You know, we were just laughing and joking about it. And my little brother, when we left, he says, holy shit, Carl, you were telling the truth. I said, of course I was. What do you think? I was bullshitting you. I said, doing court is a lot of fun. 
telling them you didn't do anything wrong. There's no breach of the peace. So what the hell are we doing here? I said, that's the big thing. Was there a breach of the peace? Not so much with my violation of code. Of course I am. But I'm not a code disciple. Of course what I did was illegal. But I'm a legal person. So I know I'm a man. And that's all I got to admit to. That I'm a man. I don't know about any of this other shit. They do want to title me. I don't fucking know. Maybe I am. I don't know. I'm a legal person. I don't know. They take it out of my pants and I know I'm a man. How do I know if I'm a legal person? How the hell do I know? Is there some place on my body I should check? No, how the fuck do I know? You know, like I said, I know I'm in the Book of Mormon. I know I'm in the, what is that, the, the Soul Book or something like that they got? Book of Souls. I know I'm in the Book of Souls. I know I'm in the Book of Souls with the Mormons, but I'm not a Mormon. But the Mormons will swear I am. They'll say, oh yeah, you better believe you're a Mormon. No, I'm not. You're not Book of Souls. When you drop in and die, you're going to have to get through that gate somehow. You're going to tell them, hey, you just look at in your book of souls and you'll see me there. I'm a good, upstanding Mormon. I'm not a Mormon. We made you a Mormon. I didn't actually make me a Mormon. Well, don't worry about it. It's for your benefit. Yeah. Um, but I didn't ask for it. Well, that's okay. Someday you'll be glad you did. I'm like, okay. Same thing with kind of being a legal person. No different. I didn't pay no dues to be a legal person. Well, we made you one anyway. Or just in case your mom and dad died, if your mom and dad died, you know, the, the legal society would take you in and the society would take care of you. Really? Yeah, we'd house you, we'd feed you, clothe you, you're only one, two years old, your mom and dad died in a car wreck, and the family member society would take, oh, take care of you. Well, I really appreciate that, but I'm 18 years old, I'm a man, now. I don't need society to take care of me. Thank you anyway. But at one time, it was a great benefit to be a legal person. Sometimes I still resort back to asking mom and dad for help. Sometimes I still resort back and asking legal department for help. But uh, 99% of the time, I don't need help from mom and dad. 99% of the time, I don't need help from the legal department. But it's nice to be able to go back and ask them for help. No, but if, they, if, they, if, they, if you know, they're burdening me too much, then obviously I'm going to say, hey, mom, dad, back off. I'm not your kid. I am your kid, but not your kid. You know, I got a life of my own. I got things to do. You got to let me be. You got to let me do my own thing. So, uh, hey, is Gus still on the air? Yeah, I'm on, Carl. Hey, is there anybody on the chat board or anything? Yeah, there's a, whole lot of, there's a lot of people on the chat board. I, I was on another call and I kept getting dropped, but I'm, I'm on now. Oh, you kept getting uh, on another call? Well, I was on another. I, I took another call, but I keep getting dropped. I'm I'm in a bit. I'm in a bad area. Um, I got a new phone, and it helps a lot. But I still get dropped. No, no. I mean, oh, you mean like another talk show call? No, no, no. Just uh, somebody else called, and I took that call, and then oh. I came, and then I came back. I've taken a couple of calls while while we've been going. Yeah, they say, man, that'd be tough to try to run two calls at one time. No. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't imagine trying to do that, man. That'd be crazy. No. Can I speak to you, Carl? What's that? Can I speak to you? Who's that? My name's Lascano Huckstrider. I'm on. I'm on one of the. I'm on the. uh, The queue list or whatever. Yeah, it's funny. You said, "Can I talk to you? Which you do you wish to talk to?" Oh, you, you, Carl. I expect to like or anybody who give me advice. Uh, you, you the man, you the legal person, uh, you me, the me the man, person. me the man, I the I the man. Yeah, it's you. There's many yous. Before you keep going, there's, there's a lot of noise, a lot of feedback. If you guys aren't talking, just 
hit star six, please. Just yeah, mute yourself out. Yeah, I'm going to walk in the house right now anyway, because uh, I'm sure my cell phone's charged up enough. I'm going to try to see if I can get on. Uh, I can get on. Uh, <clears throat> or maybe even. Aaron, can you come on here a second? That's uh, me too. That's too funny. Yeah, can stay there a second. I'll go back to this one. Yeah, we got all these blocks lined up on this pad, man. It's looking good, man. Hopefully, we'll be able to get that up. It's like a skeleton-looking thing. It's like hoops, half hoops. So we're going to make the wall two feet high, and then the hoops arch up to ten feet high. So we're going to put uh, six hoops five feet apart because uh, the plastic usually comes in ten-feet sheets and twenty-foot sheets. So I figured uh, five feet apart would be a good number. Feet apart, so that way we don't really have to cut the plastic. You know, we could probably just go two hoops, and it'll, it'll, I'm sure it'll work out all right. Oh, just grab some of this stuff, man. Hey, hey Carl, when, you, when I can stay with you, just let me know. Yeah, why don't you guys just talk to each other for about five minutes, man? Let me get the house. Okay. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm here. How you doing, Gus? Um, my name is Benny. Uh, I'm on the queue right there for a Hawk Strider. Uh, what I need to know is how do I file a counterclaim? Because uh, I, I I got court on Monday, and uh, I spoke with Carl once a long time ago, and uh, he said to file a counterclaim, and I was I've been looking around and how to do this, and I'm I'm at a loss. I can't I can't find out how to do it, and uh, this judge. Uh, what they well anyway the judge uh, denied my uh, denied the how, motion. How long have you been listening to Carl's stuff? Oh, about a year now. Okay, so you're talking about a judge. You're talking about a person. You're talking about a counterclaim, which is where a statutory, uh, you know, thing. Right. Uh, that, uh, I, I don't get into that stuff. Uh, if you want to talk about about the man who's acting as a judge, and you want to talk about filing. Okay. Just let me just jump in real quick. You can make a counterclaim, but you got to make a counterclaim against your fellow man. Only right, man the guys, the two cops who, who signed the complaint. No, no, that's two what cops. I want to do. No, no, dude, dude, you're going to fail. I'm telling you right now, you're going to fail. You do talk too sloppy and too lazy and too fast, you're going to fail. Okay. You're going to fail. You're supposed to say there was, there was a man who was acting as a cop, and then there was another man who was acting as a cop. Who interfered with my rights? Okay, you don't say there's two cops that did something. No, two cops what? What's two cops mean? I don't have a fucking clue what a cop is. I, okay, I guess. Are you telling me it's a man who's acting as a cop? Oh, okay, okay, one of those things. Now, I'm sure you could look up in a dictionary, cop, I'd have 12 different definitions. But when you say there's a man who's acting as cops, see, I try to make things short, simple, and as fast and painless as possible. Sometimes I can do things in three words. Sometimes... The shortest I could do it is the man acting as a cop. I got to use five words. You use the cop. A cop what? If you say a man acting as a cop, the judge has no doubt about it. Where the hell are you going with this? If you say the cop did that, yeah, what cop? Acting in what capacity? You say a man acting as a cop, it's like, okay, he was a man acting, okay, what capacity was a man? Okay, he was a cop, but he was always a man. 
But you just say cop. You say cop what? Acting in the legal authority, acting under color of law, acting as you are as defendant, acting as you're a citizen, acting as you're a wrongdoer, acting as you're a perpetrator, as you're a man of in- a person of interest. Or as the defendant, cop, acting what? as you're a citizen, acting as you're a wrongdoer, acting as you're a perpetrator. You just got to make it simple, dude. And it's simple, believe it or not, the simplest way to say it is a man acting as a cop. And okay, I get it. So you can't just say cop. Cop makes absolutely right. no fucking sense, except for your gut friends and your, your your crew in the neighborhood might understand what you're saying. But when you walk into a courtroom and you have to act like a man and you want people to understand what you're saying implicitly, instantaneously, no doubt about it, no other way of looking at it, you pin him in the corner, you start slapping around like a bitch, you say, a man acting like a cop. And that ends the story right there. If you don't have to explain any further. They know exactly where you're going with this. Because, you know, at one time, the, the judge they, told me... Look, if you want to act like a punk in the street and you want to call them cops, you call them a cop. And I'm telling you, you walk into a courtroom, they're going to slap you like a bitch. You right, walk into a right. courtroom and you say a man acting like a cop, they're going to realize, holy shit, you're very for real and you're a dangerous, scary motherfucking individual. Because you know the words and you know how this game is played. You're getting man-on-man liability. You're making a counterclaim. Okay, as as a man, how do I speak in the court? Because at one point he told me to shut up. He ordered me to shut up, and I did because I figured I just better shut up. And oh. he said, "The, the judge." Who told, who told you shut up? The man, the judge. Did you ask judge. him? Actually, the judge. You say, "Is that an order?" Yeah, and he said yes, and I said, "Okay, I'll take your order." Sure. And, I, and, then, and I, then just then just say, "Hang on a second, let me get my invoice pad out." So what are you doing? I'm I'm running down your order, so I don't forget it. I'm not one of those waitresses that just can remember orders off the top of my head. You know, we better go get these. Oh, okay. All right, then. That's all right. Yeah. And and then, uh, should, I, should I get rid of that public defender? Should I tell him he's fired? <laughs> no. Never. Okay. Okay. You tell him that you need him. You say you love that he's there to aid and assist the court because he's going to be the one who's going to interpret just in case there's something that they don't understand. No, you okay. want him as you want him to be a you want him to be a standby counsel. If you can get a thousand standby counsels, take every single one you can. Okay. Usually, the best thing about a standby counsel, especially a legal aid or public defender, the best thing about them is everything they recommend you to do. Do the complete opposite. I've been trying, man, but this fucker, man, he's he's like oh, I'm getting railroaded. I had I had an attorney, and every and this one attorney was with me for three years. He's a good guy. We could laugh, joke, pick, and all this other shit. We got along great. And he said to me, he said, "Hey, Carl, man, we've known each other for three years. How come every time I, you'd ask me for advice, next thing I see is a piece of paper coming to the court that's completely different than what I told you to do, completely opposite." I said, well, I said, I know your first duty is to the legal society. The first duty that you have an obligation to that society is your own ass. I said, so if you want to have a, a continuing relationship with this court after I'm gone, you're going to kiss that court's ass and you're going to do whatever they want you to do. So every time I ask you for advice, I know what you're doing is for your own benefit and then for your buddies. I come way down in the food chain somewhere. So when I ask you what should I do and you tell me to do this, I do the complete opposite, don't I? He said, yeah, you do. I said, that's right. Damn right I do. Because I know you're not looking out for my best interest. You're looking out for your own damn best interest. I said, so I'm not stupid. I said, so I'm going to always ask you, what should I do? And then I'm always going to do the complete opposite. 
I said, look, Tom, you're so fucking smart. And he used to be a neurosurgeon. He actually did, like, brain surgery. I said, Tom, you're so freaking smart. You can't help yourself. You're a little Susie Chatterbox. I said, so when I ask you a question, man, you whip out that answer like lightning, just like how I do with you guys. I whip it out like lightning. I said, you are so, you know, smart with this game. It's it's amazing watching you work. I said, so, believe me, if you hesitate or you look up at the sky and you try to come up with some bullshit and try to lie to me, I said, I'll be able to read right through you in a heartbeat. I said, you ain't going to bullshit me for one second. I said, good. He says, what do you mean? Watch, I'm going to ask you a question. And I asked him a question. It was funny. He stopped and, like, looked up at the sky. I said, see, Tom, you're trying to think of a bullshit answer. Tom, you are so smart. You are so quick. You're so good at this game. Then why do you hesitate, Tom? I'm going to presume that you're trying to give me the answer that I want to hear. Not the answer that your buddies want you to say. I said, so don't bother fucking me, Tom. I said, I've been doing this too long with too many attorneys. He says, oh, fuck you, man. I said, yeah, fuck you. I said, you're a great attorney. I said, every time you come, somebody do the complete opposite. Because I know your dedication is for your own ass, for your own, for your own life, for your own well-being. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so I, I know when a person says something to me, I do the complete opposite. You know, and, and the, in the beginning of the court, this has been going on for a year now. In the beginning, I, I gave him the notice. Uh, I put notice uh, to court, to the court, and I put, I am man. Uh, no, you don't put notice to court. A notice goes out to the world. Okay. A notice just goes to the world. A notice isn't just directed to a court because then a court can determine whether or not it's going to take notice of that notice. You just put notice out there. It's so funny, man. I have a, uh, when you walk into my house, I actually have a notice board. I bought it at a, a town auction. Like a town, I said to them, I said, wow. I said, uh, wait a second. You're auctioning off this notice board? You know, it's like a big bulletin board, like a glass case you put notices in. I said, wait a second. The town is getting rid of that notice board. Where are you going to put the notices from now on? They said, well, we have two notice boards. So it's, oh, that's right. It's from Ashland, Virginia. I said, well, what's the town of Ashland going to do to, when they want to post notices or post bills? You know, somebody owes a past due bill. You know, you go there, you put it on the bulletin board. And you put it on a billboard. I said, what are you guys going to do for notice for it? They said, well, we got two of them. I said, oh, that makes sense. And they said, yeah, honestly, we digitize almost everything now. Nobody comes here and posts bills anymore. Like, say, Gus owed me money or you owed me money. And uh, I can't collect it. I'd take your bill to town that you and I created. Like, I, Gus, will gladly pay calls, you know, Tuesday for a hamburger a day. And Gus didn't pay. So I can't find Gus. So what I'm going to do is I want to go to the town the county of the town and to the billboard, and I'm going to go ask the clerk, hey, can you put Bill's, uh, can you put um, Gus's bill up here? It's like, yeah, sure, no problem. So then anybody comes to town, they said, oh, look, look let's, let's check out the billboard. Let's see who owes money to who. This is basically a way to embarrass Gus to paying me the five bucks because then he'd get a bad reputation in town when he wanted to borrow some money from somebody else or somebody wanted to do business with him. And they say, uh, I'm not going to do business with you, Gus. Why? Because I've seen on the billboard you will call five out. Like, what? Oh, yeah, I guess I do. So Gus would go down to town clerk. He'd give the town clerk five bucks. And he'd say, can you take down that damn bill? And he'd say, okay. So the town clerk would give Gus his $5 bill back. There's a debt note. A bill's a debt note. So Gus would have his $5 bill back, you know. And then Gus would obviously want to destroy it. He'd want to rip up that bill and burn it or destroy it. He was the one that bill falling to somebody else's hand. He's like, it's Gus is walking down the street with a $5 bill in his pocket and it fell out. 
somebody else could pick it up and claim that Gus Olson fought us because then he'd be the holder in due course. Okay, but what words? What that's, words? That's how, in other words, how, what words should I use? What, what words should I use when I do speak in there? How, what's the best way to make, make, to address that black robe and to make that statement? You know, when the when the when I go to well, court on Monday, Gus asked you a great question. Just how long have you been like watching the show, doing this stuff? You want to hold this a second? It'll get cold. That's good. I gotta move my so door. Hang on a second. I gotta. Okay, sure. But like, sure. Gus was asking you a good question. Like, how much of the show have you watched? How much you've been paying attention to this stuff? So. Yeah, shut up your truck. Basically, when, 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 that, when that judge says, come forward, Mr. Lascano, uh, and then what's the best thing to do? Hang on a second. Okay. Carl. Yeah, I was, saying, I was saying, Paul, talk to Gus a little bit. I just stopped. Okay, hey, Gus, Gus, what words should I use when they when they says, okay, Mr. The case so and so, come forward, Mr. Lascano, and then well, it, I, it depends what you're trying to what you're trying to say. What, you know, if you haven't put any notes, what Carl just said. In other words, like well, no, like uh, I said, look, Gus asked you a good question. Gus asked you a really good question. He said, how long, how many of these shows have you listened to? Actually, you know, I've been listening to you for over a year, Carl. No, 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 I didn't I, say I, that. No, 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 I didn't say that. Some guy from Cambodia said to me the other day, he listened to every single one of my shows. And this guy is the best guy I've ever talked to in my life. He knows my stuff. I mean, no disrespect to Gus or anybody, but holy shit, I am telling you, this guy has listened to every damn thing, and he tries to trick me and catch me on every freaking word. It is hysterical listening to this guy talk to me because he's setting me up. And he's like, Dan called. You answered it perfectly. He's like, what do you mean? He said, that's exactly the way you always say it. I said, yeah, and? He said, yeah, but I thought you would say it sloppy like everybody else. I said, no, I will not do that. He says, and he tries to set me up on every damn phone call. It's a lot of fun trying to be set up by somebody to see if they could catch me into saying something that I did. I might have said three years ago or four years ago on somebody else's show, and he's like, damn, Carl, it's exactly what you said like three or four years ago. I said, yeah. They said, oh, you suck. You know, it's like he's trying to catch me because that's how much he knows my stuff. And he must, like, find these really interesting key points that I say, and he tries to trap me or trick me or catch me saying something different, and he can't do it, he said. He says, he's like, you suck. He said, you're really good. So, like I said, he's the only man that we've actually moved on to talking about other things like, you know, how do I know I exist? You know, what's the meaning of God? You know, we're done. We're done talking about the court shit. He's got okay. to it and we move on. So just because you said you listened to my show for a year, that doesn't mean that uh, you're that deep. Well, okay, okay. If I put it, if I put it this way, I 
I, I understand what what being a man is in court. I've I've read so many other things about about the 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 Sustake kind of thing, how they made a trust and I'm the beneficiary but they're trying to make me responsible so then they lull you into court and and but I, I guess I'm getting mixed up with the vernacular, you know. Uh uh, maybe maybe I'm trying to do their thing with their words, and I know that's a big mistake. But when the first time I, when I went up a year ago to court and I told them I a man, uh, what man here says I do wrong? He, he he basically slammed it down and said, "Shut up, your lawyer speaks for you." And I said, "Wait a minute, you can't you're telling me I can't speak for myself?" And he says, "Exactly." And I said, "Well, no." And he goes, "I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you in jail." And I said, "Go ahead, do what you got to do." And then, then he said, if you don't shut up, uh, I order you to shut up or something like that. And I said, is that an order? And he goes, that's an order. And I looked at the stenographer and I said, okay, you got that on, you better make sure you got that on your, on your stenographer thing right there. And then, so I just shut up, you know, because uh, I didn't want to provoke anything that I don't know what I'm getting into. So I think I'm, I'm at a loss on how to, to present myself, I said, maybe even how to act. You know, maybe I'm too intimidated by, you know, I'm 57 years old, but I got my ass kicked from my dad. He was a big authoritarian. I went to the Marine Corps, and their authority, so maybe my respect for authority goes too far, you know, to that point. I don't know, but it seems it's like. Enough, no, it's got nothing to do with that. You were in court a year ago. You went through this, and it sounds like you haven't learned anything since. Yeah, I, I'm stuck. I got to be honest. Yes, I'm not going to try to bullshit. Yeah, I am stuck. I, I, how could you be stuck if you've been listening for a year? Have you heard well, anything you've, you've been listening yes, to? Yes, and, and you know what it is? I, I think I'm, I'm stuck on I don't have the words. You know, uh, I, tr- I tried it, and it the man, the man sitting the, the man sitting there as a judge spoke to you, and you never told him, do you realize you're talking to a man? You know, I'm, I'm here. This is a public building. I'm here to settle a matter. You know, I don't, you know, I don't require this attorney to speak for me, this, this person. I'm a man. I can take care of my own affairs. I mean, there's nothing complicated about having a conversation man-to-man, you know, with somebody who's dressed in a, in a different costume, okay? You can, you can be a person later when I leave. Right now, we're talking man-to-man, and, you know, don't, don't threaten me. I don't take kindly to being threatened. You know, you can't, you can't say that. Okay, okay. I'm, start, I'm starting to form it now. Yes, I get it. You're right. So I, I got to yeah, treat him totally like a man. Don't let him, don't let him intimidate. Because out in the street, I wouldn't let anybody do that to me in the street. You know, if you've been listening to Carl for a year, that that should be second nature. Yeah. You, you know, well, like you say, I I basically do that on the street. You know, I, I guess maybe in the court, I I'm, I fuck up. You know. Listen, okay, you're a man, okay? If a guy grabs your wife's ass, you're telling me you're going to need to look it up to find out what to do next? No, fuck no. Like I say, in the street, I'm there. You know what I mean? And I'm, what's I'm the difference? Part, what's who they are? What's you know? the difference but, if you're in court? Yeah, I get it. I get it now. I get it now. I, I, I see that. Yes, there is no difference. That's no. the answer. There is no difference. Okay, good. So, okay. So you got you to gotta put the notices in to let the court know, to inform the court of who you are, what your status is, what you're willing to, to take, not take. Okay, if you're willing to be there as a defendant, great. If you're willing to be there as a defendant only if you get paid to be there as a defendant, great. 
if you're willing to not be there as a defendant and you're willing to be there without title you know, to settle a matter, that's great. But you've got to let them know who you are, why you're showing up, and how you plan to proceed. And let them know what the rules of engagement are. If you're going to deal with me, this is how it's going to be. And that's it. And, you know, it's no different than, you know, getting a job. You go get a job and they say, look, if you do this, uh, we're going to pay you this much. And you tell them, well, I'm not willing to do that, but I'll do this. Okay? It's no different. It's, it's the same thing. Whether you're in court getting a job, whether you're working for somebody, whether you're hiring people, it's all, it, it's all negotiations. You know, you've got to let everybody know what the rules of engagement are. Yes. In, in court, you do that by giving notice. And then written or verbal? Written, written? Um, written by the, okay, the only way you're going to prove that there's a man in that court is by giving a notice that is handwritten. It is written by the hand of man. It is man-made, okay? And that's the proof on the record that you are a man, that it was not computer-generated and that you're not a person. Because, you know, I did that, I did that, Gus, the the very first day I went to court, and, and that caused a ruckus because they sent me to another court and then when I went to that second court, I said, what about my notice? The judge said, you, you gave that notice to judge so-and-so. And, and then, then he goes, and then you gave the, the notice to judge so-and-so. So as if it didn't apply to him. And then they proceeded. And then, then and I said, so oh, you, wait a minute, And you said, sir, I gave that notice to the world, to all men, and you're a man, and therefore it does apply to you. Okay, good. I I needed to know that. I needed to be able to hear that so I can. Okay, good. That's that's. Uh, I didn't, sir. I, I didn't, sir. I didn't give notice to the court. I gave notice to mankind. I did not give judicial notice. Okay, I gave notice. Can I can I uh, interject with a question real quick? Um, which I just did actually. <laughs> um, can you hear me? Yes, yeah, I yeah. can hear you. Go ahead, Dave. Okay. Yeah. Well, with regard to. Um, the uh, public registry or the registry of deeds, um, uh, how do you guys feel about posting your notices there um, with regard to making notice and making them public record? Is that something you guys uh, ascribe to? Yeah, if you're trying to give notice to the people of that uh, of a church, you put it on the church bulletin. If you're giving notice to the to the people that work for the county, then you put it on the county registry, county recorder's mm-hmm. office. If you're giving notice to the to the man and the woman that work in the courthouse, then you put it on the court docket. Uh, you, you give, you know, you, you got to give notice in the in the local area. You don't give no, notice to the people in New Hampshire by publishing out out in Washington D.C. You, you put it in the Union Leader. So you, you got to give notice in the area to those to the to the people that are there, the man and the woman that you know that are, that are going to be in that area. So you know, giving notice is just a matter of putting it someplace you know that's public, but it's got to be. For instance, if you give public notice, uh, you know, for a foreclosure, you got to give it in the area where the house is, where people would actually read about it and have. Yeah, makes sense. You know, so, yeah, you, you got to stay local. If I'm looking to clear, you know, the debts on, on my property before I sell it, I would give notice in the in the local newspaper that, uh, you know, anybody with a claim to my land, you know, if you you know come forward and I'll pay all debts right now because I'm looking to clear everything off before I sell this out. So, you know, Joe might show up and say, hey, I, I painted the front porch 15 years ago, about three years before you bought it, but I never got paid. Would you be willing to pay me for that? And, I, you know, I, I may or may not. You know, it's not my debt, but yet, you know, I might, you know, 
if the, if he says it was 125 bucks and I've got the money, I might clear the debt. I might want right. to you know make sure that the green seal. But you get public notice in the area or according to the purpose of the public notice. You know, it, it's got to make sense. Yeah, yeah. Just, having having given the notice once already, is that enough? Should I repeat that again and, and, and give notice Monday I don't again know. and then you're, speak? You're, you're, speak the how do you how do you feel about it? Okay, do you, do you think they need to hear it again? Do you think they need to see yeah, it again? Yeah, I think they do because they, they ignored me in the first place, so now I'm going to have to reassert it and then speak of the man when I go to court on Monday. Stick it back in there. What, 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 you know, if you're, if you're in a courtroom and you say to the, to the man acting as judge, sir, I'm speaking to you man to man to let you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the conversation you know, later on, uh, you just start talking to him. He, he might assume you're, you're now talking as a person. So why not repeat yourself every single time you talk to that man and say, again, sir, man to man, I'm, I'm, I'm only here to let you know this or to tell you that or to settle a matter. But always start off by saying, I'm a man and I'm here to speak to you man to man. And, and why not reiterate that over and over again? No different yeah. with your notices. If your notices True. are good, put them, put, put them in there. I will. You know, yeah. If you, you know, there, there's uh, John Fall is a guy who went to court back in January or February or something like that. There was like eight days of trial. He threw everything in. Notices Carl was helping him out with, the kitchen sink, you know, the IRS statutes. I mean, he was just pounding stuff out. If you're a man of a consistent thought and you continuously do the same thing over and over and over again because you know it's correct, you know that this is what you need to do, and you're not backing off. You're, 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 you've got a single focus, and that's it. And if they cannot derail you from that focus, they know they're in deep shit. But if, you're, you know, if, you, if you get one notice and the next week it's different and the next week it's different and you keep just piling stuff on top of stuff on top of stuff, hoping you know, that some of the mud you throw against the wall is going to stick, they're going to see that. So you've got to be accurate. You have to have deadly aim when you put that notice in there and you have to, you know, use the words that that mean uh, certain things. You, you can't be sloppy with the language. Right. Now you, you were talking. You were talking about, you know, putting in a counterclaim against the judge. You know, that's. You know, I mean, to no, me, no, that's no. Not, I was I was thinking the counterclaim against the two men or the two mans that, that signed the complaint against me in the first place. But you were talking about persons and counterclaims, and, and we're talking about common law. You know, so, right. I mean, that immediately told me that you have not been listening for a long time. Well, actually, when I, first, when I first called Carl a long time ago, about a year ago, he said, cause I, I told him what happened, that got shut down. He said, you got to bring your court into the court. Yeah, but said, what, I'm you, getting at, what I'm getting at is that you, you're claiming that you've been listening to, to stuff for a year, to Carl's audios for a year, and, you know, your, your language is really, really sloppy. You're going to get buried. You're going to get hurt. Okay, the, if you walk into court and you bring common law into their court, okay, they're, they're doing their thing. They do it every day. They're very, very good at it. If you walk in there with common law, they know that eventually you're going to win. So the very first thing they want to do is shut you down as fast and as hard as possible. And if you're not you ready did. to handle that, don't bring it into their court. Okay. okay. I, I just got to be more stern. That's all. I get it. Okay. Well, you got to be more stern. If you, you got to be more stern if you're accurate, if you're, you know, if you're on point. If you're not on point and you be stern, you're going to be held in contempt. 
you know, right. doing doing the you know pushing your way through if you're on point and on target is wonderful. But if you try pushing your way through and you're headed in the wrong direction and he keeps telling you to shut up and you don't know what to do with that, you know, you, you're in over your head. Right. That's what I feel like. That's what it felt like. Actually, it feels like, you know. And, and, and well, because when Carl said, did, he, did I get him wrong when he said to file a counterclaim against the two, the two people who signed the complaint against me to begin with? Was that what? Did I get that wrong? I, I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm not going to go there because I don't know what your stuff is. I'm sure okay. Carl doesn't know what your stuff is, and we haven't even had a conversation. And right. he was giving you general ideas of what to do, not specifics to your situation. So yeah, because one, one thing I can guarantee I did not use in a conversation like ever is counterclaim. Yeah, I've never heard you say that. Uh, I know. Okay. Well. Before. That's a what, what did you What did you mean by bringing my 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 case to the court or my court? Yeah, because like I said, because the man, because nobody's making. He's saying you want to make a counterclaim. See this? You see, like I said, you got too much screwball bullshit fucking in your mind. Right. Dude, I'm talking on the radio show. No, this guy sitting in the truck next to me thought I was talking to him. No, so uh, no, I, I would never say the word counterclaim because you'd only make a claim against your fellow man, and you said. Two police officers did this to you. Okay, well, they make complaints. See, this is what Billy thought, and everybody gets fucked up and messed up all the time. This is what happens. Yeah, to you yeah. Guys. I, I did go to his fucking you, you, seminar. You, right. You, you guys say counterclaims. Okay, the, the, the policeman did not make a claim against you. He made a complaint. So how can you yeah. possibly make a? What are you going to do? Make a cross complaint against him or counter complaint against him? You know how fucking pussy that sounds. I want to yeah. complain. Oh, I want, I want to complain some, too. Look, it's my turn to complain. Look, my hand's up over here. I want to complain. Judge, listen, look over here. I'm complaining now. Okay, so then forget yeah, that. It, it, okay. Right. right. You, know, you want to file a, a cross-complaint. Yeah, that's it. I want to be a pussy, too. I want to make a complaint. I don't want to be a man and stand up and make a claim. No, I want to make a complaint. That way I'm not liable. Okay. I just want to complain and whine. <laughs> Hey, well, what do you what do you mean, Carl? When you said one time I, I listened to one of your videos and or, yeah on on YouTube and we're actually well, 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 again, what what's your name? Benny uh, Lascano. Benito Lascano. Benny. Billy Bellascano. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess that's. Well, where are you from? I'm um, L.A. area, San Gabriel Valley. Where? L.A. L.A. County, uh, San Gabriel Valley. You're on L.A. County, California. Yes. Okay. So, and I've talked to you before? Yes, you had, like a, over a year ago, because it was uh, when I was going to go to court that day. Um, I had given them notice. I said, I well, wrote you, it you, in you Were you the guy who called me up while you were pulling into the parking lot, getting the parking ticket to go into the court? No, 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 no. I, I was okay, there was another guy who actually was whispering to me from a courtroom and said, hey, Carl, can I ask you a question? I said, why are you whispering? I'm in the middle of a courtroom. I said, holy shit, what do you mean you're in a courtroom? Yeah, I'm in a courtroom. I swear to God, the guy called me up in the middle of a courtroom. I said, wow. well, what do you need? He said, somebody just walked into the, said to the judge, uh, I want to move this into, uh, into a common law court. And the judge said, he's not qualified to hear such a matter. He says, and then the guy just kept going, and the judge kept going on with the trial. He says, Carl, that's my trick. That's what I wanted to do. Well, what should I do? I said, first show off that damn cell phone and get the hell out of that courtroom, go out in the hallway and talk to me. I said, because they catch you talking on a cell phone in a courtroom, you're going to have to accept the court for 30 days. So well, you're going to have bigger things to worry about than worrying about getting into a, a 
common law court. And then I said to the guy, I said, look, you, you're a one-trick pony. I said, what? I said, because I'm going to give you the answer when the judge tells you this. And and then what are you going to do when he says something else, shoots the ball back over the net? You're going to, you're going to drop the ball. You're going to miss it. I said, okay, all this guy had to say to him, the judge said he wasn't qualified to hear such a matter. Qualification means that you're indemnified, that he prepares liability. He doesn't want to pay a liability over that matter because he does not competent. Just like a brain surgeon can't do foot surgery and a foot surgeon can't do brain surgery. Yes, they can, but their insurance company doesn't cover them to do foot surgery. Yes, a brain surgeon could do a tonsillectomy or tonsillitis. Of course he could. But he's not crazy enough to do it because his insurance doesn't cover him. That's all he's saying. He's not covered. He's not bonded. He's not sworn in. Oh, he, he can't do it. So, me, says, yeah, so, judge, so when a judge says to you, uh, I, can't, uh, I can't hear such a man, I'm not qualified, just say to him, okay, then there's no disrespect if you wish to recuse yourself and get a man in here that's qualified to hear such a matter. I got time. We could wait. Make it right right here. See, but that's what I'm saying. I said to the guy in the hallway, you know, he's on, I said, dude, what you're doing is a one-trick pony show. You guys are so fucking lazy and sloppy. You guys are trying to just do a YouTube, watching a YouTube video, and you say, well, I don't want to pay people thousands of dollars to solve these problems. You know what? I'm going to watch a YouTube video and come in with a one-trick pony fucking question, a one-trick pony uh, act here, and, and see if I can bluff my way through this. You ain't going to bluff your way with a one-trick pony shot. The judge is going to ask you another question, and he's going to realize you're a pretender. He's going to realize you're a fool. When I went into England in the very first preliminary hearing, there's only three people on planet Earth that know anything that I'm talking about. And I'll tell you, that judge at the first preliminary hearing, he read my two sentences, he looked over at me, and he told the Crown Prosecutor, you better go settle this out in the man in the hallway. This man knows what he's doing. And the prosecutor's like, oh, no, we'll prevail. And he says, oh, really? Do you, you, you understand you've been summoned to appear before Queen. You do know that. He's like, yeah, when in the history of England has the crown ever prevailed before the queen? Oh, we'll prevail, Your Honor. Oh, really? He said to the crown prosecutor, and how do you believe you're going to prevail? Who's your witnesses? He said, three officers of, uh, and he said, oh, officers. And you don't think that man knows how to strip that man officers of the ranking and have them appear before queen as a man? He said, yes, I'm sure he does. So if they was you, I'd go out in the hallway and I'd work a settlement out of that man because the crown will not prevail when this comes to trial. Because this man knows what he's doing. I wrote two freaking sentences. It looked like me, Tarzan, she, Jane, she steal ball, give that ball. The judge was like, yeah, he's got it. That's it. That's a stroke of genius. He's got it. What? Me, Tarzan, you, Jane, Jane, steal ball, give that ball. What? That guy's not a genius. Like a fucking third grader wrote it. You know, well, that's it. He knows the act, man. That's it. Boom, boom, boom. This man knows I question him on any of these words. He's got it. He knows every damn word. Me, Tarzan, she, Jane. Damn right I could explain it. You get us going with your crazy shit saying, oh, I want to make a, a counterclaim. Oh, really? What's a counter? Mm. Yeah. I don't know, but it sounds awfully cool. It sounds like shit lawyers say, so it sounds like I know what I'm doing. Oh, really? Then how come when I walk in the course, I meet Tarzan, she, Jane, Jane, steal, phone, get back home. I, I gave the claim. I made. I gave the, the notice to the court. Who's the parties to the court? Who's, who's the wrongdoer? Who's the prosecutor? I explained what's the order. I gave the order. I made the claim, and I defined the parties. I gave the caption, the claim, and the order, right, with me, Tarzan, she, Jane. Jane, steal bone, give that bone. There you go. There's the caption. There's the claim. There's the order. Holy shit. I hit the trifecta in what, nine words or something like that, 12 words? That's it. That's all you got to do. I'm done. Okay. How are you going to beat that? There ain't no beating that. There ain't no, there ain't no wheel worm. 
Am I Tarzan? Yes. Is she Jane? Yes. Is she still bald? Yes or no? Yes. We'll get back bald. So basically, what I'm, what I, what I, you can't, you're not disturb me. These people, they know what I'm doing. I'm trying to drive down the road and uh, talk on a show. What's up? No, I was gonna say was okay. My point is, I guess my point is to, to get across. Because honestly, uh, honestly, I do not remember talking to you. Because what was your case about? Because I got a hell of a memory. Oh, okay. So what happened was 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 um uh, a year ago May, I was in my backyard minding my own business. Uh, my son was on parole. The five cops came up the the driveway, and I I I met him on the driveway, and I said to them, "What do you want? What are you doing here?" And then I asked them for a, a warrant. I told them to get out because they had no warrant. No, that's not what happened next. They told you what they were there for. What the hell were they there for? They said they were here, there to, uh, looking for my son. And I said, he's not here. You need a warrant okay, to be on my property. Yeah, they do. Your son gave him permission. How, how, son, how did you give Your son, him? Your son signed for conditions of release, right? Right. Where did your son live? Okay, well, I have two houses on my property. He lived in the front house. He was renting that front house from me. He moved out in in February. They came looking for him in May. Where, where did where did he tell where did he tell the court that they, he could find them? In that bottom house, not my house. It's not, not well, then how in the world did they find him at your house? Because it's on it's two houses on one lot. Okay, there's two houses on one lot. Okay, so that's great. So there's two houses on one lot. Your son's on one lot. It's, okay, so the, your son's are in terms and conditions of release. Right, right. I, know, I understand that, but when 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 they came looking, I asked them, "What are you doing here?" They said, "We're here looking for your son." I said, That's "Do you right. have a do you have a warrant?" They said, "Yes, no, we it's do." Like, dude, it's just like a bounty hunter. A bounty hunter don't need a warrant. If your son owes a debt, your son gave him his word. That's all you need. I don't care. Barack Obama gave somebody their word to appear in court in in Alaska. If Barack Obama doesn't keep his word, they're going to send some bounty hunters into the White House, and they're going to drag Barack Obama kicking and screaming. And there's nothing they could do to stop those bounty hunters dragging them back to because because to, to Alaska because that's the biggest thing that a man possesses is his word and he gave somebody his word and they're going to take you back based upon your word you gave him your bond you gave him your word that's all you got is your word and you gave somebody your word we're coming and we're coming to get you so does he okay. say to somebody that 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 you that under these terms and conditions you'll uh, you'll release me from prison or jail yes you've given us your word yes. You break that word, you know we're going to hunt you down. Where I don't care if you're sitting on Barack Obama's lap. We're going to come and drag you out of the White House, and you're going to kick and scream, and Daddy Obama can't stop us. You understand that? You gave us your word. Okay, well, so go, well, now, well, go ahead and give me your interpretation of what do you think happened and why they didn't, okay. should have done what they did. Okay, so then I, I asked them for a warrant, and they said they didn't need a warrant. That's right. They don't. And I said, and I said yes, you do, because you're trespassing. No, you're wrong. No, they weren't. Okay, so anyway, either way, they... They get one place on planet Earth. They're looking for your son, and they're going to come okay. get him. Okay, so they pointed a gun at me, and then the shit started going downhill from there. Yeah, but you're they, probably posing a threat, and they probably get 12 cops to swear up and down, and you were very intimidating, you were pissed Yeah, exactly off. what they're saying, exactly what they're saying. So anyway, they oh, ended God. up uh, arresting me. They came into my house, and my... They got my weed, and now they're trying to say that I have had it possession for sales, which I don't do. Okay, and so now that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking. 